Hi there, we're listening to Midas Touch, just posted a couple hours ago, and Ben is talking to Trump left out of court as MAGA, oh, we're live right now, no, we're not yet, full episodes, uh, Matt gets chickens out of removing McCarthy as speaker on live TV. Thanks for 264K, even though they're just my sense. It is going to be difficult for my Republican friends to keep calling President Biden feeble while he continues to take Speaker McCarthy's lunch money in every negotiation. That was MAGA Republican Matt Gates attacking the MAGA Republican Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, and praising President Joe Biden. I'm Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch <laughs> Network. So all eyes were on the House floor earlier today where Matt Gates was expected to give a speech calling for a motion to vacate against Kevin McCarthy, meaning remove Kevin McCarthy as the Speaker of the House. But when Matt Gates went up to give that speech, you saw what he just said he did not introduce a motion to vacate and then he also said it's becoming increasingly clear who kevin mccarthy is taking his orders from here play this clip what commitments were made to to president biden to continue the spending of president biden in exchange for doing things for president biden it is becoming increasingly clear who the speaker of the house already works for and it's not the Republican conference. (laughs) Mr. Speaker, I would ask that these questions be answered soon because there may be other votes coming today or later this week that uh, could, could be implicated by the answers to these questions. Members of the Republican Party might vote differently on a motion of vacate if they heard what the speaker had to share with us about his secret side deal with Joe Biden on Ukraine. I'll be listening. Stay tuned. The gentleman yields back. Can members are reminded to refrain from engaging in personalities towards the president and to direct their remarks to the chair. But no motion to vacate actually was introduced by Matt Gates. So is Matt Gates all bark but no bite? It seems that way because over this weekend, Matt Gates gave a series of interviews. Here he mocked Kevin McCarthy and said that Hakeem Jeffries is Kevin McCarthy's boss. Play the clip. All right, I, I want you to listen to what Hakeem Jeffries said after the... Oh, Kevin's new boss. Let's yeah, listen. <laughs> and then Matt Gates said he was going to introduce a motion to vacate. Play the clip. Motion okay. to vacate tomorrow? I do intend to file a motion to vacate against Speaker McCarthy this week. I think we need to this rip week. off the Band-Aid. I think we need to move on with new leadership that can be trustworthy. Look, the one thing everybody has in common is that nobody trusts Kevin McCarthy. He lied to Biden. He lied to House conservatives. He had appropriators marking to a different number altogether. And the reason we were backed up against the shutdown politics is not a bug of the system. It's a feature. Kevin McCarthy's goal was to make multiple contradictory promises to delay everything, back us up against shutdown politics, and at the end of the day, blow past the spending guardrails. So So one of the questions is, is Kevin McCarthy making a deal with Democrats to stay in power? He was asked a question in a press conference that he held, and Kevin McCarthy did not answer whether he cut a deal with the Democrats, but stated 
fucking job. This is about the institution. Fuck you, FBI. Fuck you, Justice Department. then went on Fox where he claimed that MAGA Republican Matt Gates was offering Democrats subpoena power if they voted on a motion to vacate to remove Kevin McCarthy. Play the clip. And then when I had to keep government open, he now wants to make a, a motion to vacate. But what's really concerning to me now is the reports I've been hearing all week and now it's being reported in Breitbart. Matt has been going to Democrats and offering them the subpoena power, which will just destroy any Biden inquiry, impeachment inquiry we have, if they would vote along with him because he'd have to get all the Democrats to vote with him to be able to remove the speaker. And I just don't think uh, that's good for the House. I don't think it's good for the country. Um, and uh, what my point is, bring it on. Let's get over with. Let's get this over. And let's. Get and then Kevin McCarthy had all of his other MAGA Republican supporters in Congress all at the exact same time tweet or X or whatever it's called positive things about him. Here, just take a look at all these mega Republicans. David Volato, Anthony D'Esposito, Mike Garcia, Richard Hudson, French Hill, uh, Michelle Steele. Take a look at all these people. Under the leadership of McCarthy, under Speaker McCarthy's leadership, Matt Gates is trying to get rid of Speaker McCarthy. Is like rooting for the iceberg when you're on the Titanic. Under Speaker McCarthy's leadership, under, look, look, at, look at all of these. How embarrassing is that you know one of the other things too is as mega republicans were going on fox as part of their uh i guess defense of kevin mccarthy and also they wanted to attack president biden i want to show you here where you have um on fox just so you see like how out of touch these mega republicans are you got maria bartiroma um uh, interviewing mega republican congressman garcia and then shows a clip of president biden standing up for democracy in ukraine and her response is wow that's really really scary he's just saying a factual statement here play this clip we're going to get it done i can't believe those who voted for supporting Ukraine, overwhelming majority in the House and Senate, Democrat and Republican, will for pure political reasons let more people die needlessly in Ukraine. Yeah. Yo, you want to send some money on some gas today? Paid for by the Russians okay, through the NRA. Let more people die needlessly in Ukraine. said Republicans are spouting the Russian state propaganda line 
because they are all bought and paid for by the NRA, which is money laundering $350 million so far. Why isn't the Justice Department looking into that? Christopher Press, Trump for prison. I tell you, he is scary sometimes, Congressman. Your thoughts? And then MAGA Republicans are just in a complete and total disarray. Here was uh, Nancy Mace over the weekend when she was asked by Maria Bartiroma if you've been able to identify like any policy decisions that Joe Biden made that you're claiming he's paid for in this impeachment inquiry. And her response is, yeah, uh, no, I, I haven't had the ability to research that yet. I've, I've been too busy dealing with other things that I didn't do the research on the main defamatory conspiracy we're accusing of. Here, play the clip. Have you been able to identify specific policy decisions that Joe Biden made that he was paid for? I have not had the, uh, the the ability to research that. I've been looking more at the LLCs, the bank records, all of the lies that Joe Biden has told, and what evidence we have so far in meetings, dinners, appointments, White House yeah. records, uh, et cetera, <laughs> phone messages, text messages, emails, et cetera, connecting the dots with Joe Biden. We and this also reminds me when Kevin McCarthy gave an interview over the weekend on Face the Nation, and he tried to blame the Democrats for the shutdown, and fortunately, <laughs> The uh, interviewer was like, what are you talking about? Democrats are the reason the continuing resolution passed. Here, blame this question. Most of you in the press probably thought we would have shut down yesterday, too. But no, we did, did not. You, were you confident we wouldn't shut down? I was confident I could get something on the floor to make sure the option that we would not. But that you our sure military pass. Well, well, I wasn't sure it was going to pass. You want to know why? Because the Democrats tried to do everything they can not to let it pass. The Democrats dilatory. were the ones who voted did you, for this did you wa- in a did larger you watch number it? than Republicans to, to keep the continuing resolution alive. Did you watch Nin- the floor yesterday? Oh, yes. Okay. The, the Republicans voted against it. Okay. And there you have it, folks. <laughs> one thing also to add, one of the things that Kevin McCarthy's crew and their civil war against Matt Gates and the other MAGA Republican crew, And FBI, too. Okay, said. Charge them all with misconduct and insurrection and remove them all from office. Congress now, tell your Justice Department to do their fucking job. And FBI, too. Christopher Perez. Trump for prison is doing is they're trying to do a motion to perhaps expel Matt Gates. Matt Gates is currently under an ethics investigation by the House of Representatives for uh, drugs, uh, sexual assault, and other uh, egregious misconduct. And one of the things that it the Kevin McCarthy faction is trying fucking... to do is expel Matt Gates. Matt, Matt Gates faction thinking about doing a motion to vacate. But as I've said before, these MAGA Republicans all bark, no bite. You have to hold them accountable. They are just engaged in this stochastic terrorism. They try to wear you down. They try to instill fear. But when it comes down to it, whether you're Matt Gates or Donald Trump or Lauren Boebert or Marjorie Taylor Greene, these people, all they do is gaslight, but when you actually confront them with things and you hold them accountable, they back down because there's no substance there, and they're very, very, very weak. 
This is this whole Republican Party. I'm Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch Network. Hit subscribe. We're on our way to 2 million subscribers thanks to your support. If you want to support the growth of this independent media network, go to patreon.com slash Midas Touch, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash M-E-I-D-A-S-T-O-U-C-H. Have a great day. Hey, Midas Mighty. Love this report. Continue the conversation by following... Motion to vacate actually was introduced by Matt Gates. So is Matt Gates all See charge up. Charge them Republicans, all of them, with misconduct and insurrection. Remove them all from office now and tell your Justice Department 202-514-2000. Do your fucking job. Lock them all up three years ago. No more jail deaths. Select all. Copy. Select all. Paste as plain text. Post. Matt Gate chickens out on removing Mark MacArthur as Kevin McCarthy as speaker. Christopher Prez. Lightest touch. Christopher Senate 2024. New York Times Politics. Mm. Young Democrats of America. Tucson Democrats, AZ Central Politics, AZ Central Opinions, and Ben Micellis, uh, Democratic America, Democrats Only, College Democrats of New York, I bet they're pretty on top of things, LA Times. Love, love. Was introduced mm. by Matt Gates. So is Matt Gates all bark but no bite? It seems that. Because over this weekend, Matt Gates Said, gave a... <clears throat> Why wasn't Matt Gates charged yet with child sex trafficking and removed from office? 
Perjury 3 toad traitor green. Republicans are spouting the Russian state propaganda line because they're all bought and paid for by the NRA, which is money laundering. $350 million so far. So why isn't the Justice Department looking into that? Christopher Perez, Trump for prison. Series of interviews. Here he mocked Kevin McCarthy and said that Hakeem Jeffries is Kevin McCarthy's boss. Play the clip. All right, I, I want you to listen to what Hakeem Jeffries said after the. Oh, Kevin's new boss. Let's okay, listen. listen. And then Matt Gates said he was going to introduce a motion to vacate. Play the clip. Motion to vacate tomorrow. I do intend to file a motion to vacate against Speaker McCarthy this week. I think we need to this rip week. off the Band-Aid. I think we need to move on with new leadership that can be trustworthy. Look, the one thing everybody has in common is that nobody trusts Kevin McCarthy. He lied to Biden. He lied to House conservatives. He had appropriators marking to a different number altogether. And the reason we were backed up against the shutdown politics the is not head. a bug of the system. It's a feature. Kevin McCarthy's goal was to make multiple contradictory promises to delay everything, back us up against shutdown politics, and at the end of the day, blow past the spending guardrails he'd agree. So, so one of the questions is, is Kevin McCarthy making a deal with Democrats to stay in power? He was asked a question in a press conference that he held, and Kevin McCarthy <laughs> did not answer whether he's cut a Looks deal like with a the Democrats, but stated, quote, this is about the institution. Play this clip. <laughs> if they voted on a motion to vacate to remove Kevin McCarthy. Play the clip. And then when I had to keep government open, he now wants to make a, a motion to vacate. But what's really concerning to me now is the reports I've been hearing all week, and now it's being reported in Breitbart, Matt has been going to Democrats and offering them subpoena power which will just destroy any Biden inquiry, impeachment inquiry we have, if they would vote along with him, because he'd have to get all the Democrats to vote with him to be able to remove the Speaker. And I just don't think uh, that's good for the House. I don't think it's good for the country. Um, and uh, what my point is, bring it on. Let's get over with. Let's get this over. And let's. Get and then Kevin McCarthy had all of his other MAGA Republican supporters in Congress all at the exact same time tweet or X or whatever it's called, positive things about him. Here, just take a look at all these mega Republicans. David Villato, Anthony D'Esposito, Mike Garcia, Richard Hudson, French Hill, uh, Michelle Steele. Take a look at all these people. Under the leadership of McCarthy, under Speaker McCarthy's leadership, Matt Gates is trying to get rid of Speaker McCarthy. Is like rooting for the iceberg when you're on the Titanic. Under Speaker McCarthy's leadership, under, look, look, at, look at all of these. How embarrassing. 
is that. You know, one of the other things, too, is as mega-Republicans were going on Fox as part of their, uh, I guess, defense of Kevin McCarthy, and also they wanted to attack President Biden, I want to show you here where you have um, on Fox, just so you see, like, how out of touch these mega-Republicans are. you got Maria Bartiroma um, uh, interviewing mega-Republican Congressman Garcia, and then shows a clip of President Biden standing up for democracy in Ukraine, and her response is, wow, that's really, really scary. He's just saying a factual statement. Here, play this clip. We're going to get it done. I can't believe those who voted for supporting Ukraine, overwhelming majority in the House and Senate, Democrat and Republican, will, for pure political reasons, let more people die needlessly in Ukraine. I'll tell you, he is scary sometimes, Congressman. Your thoughts? <laughs> And then MAGA Republicans are just in a complete and total disarray. Here was uh, Nancy Mace over the weekend when she was asked by Maria Bartiroma if you've been able to identify, like, any policy decisions that Joe Biden made that you're claiming he's paid for in this impeachment inquiry. And her response is, yeah, uh, no, I, I haven't had the ability to research that yet. I've, I've been too busy uh -huh. dealing with other things uh -huh. that I didn't do the research on the main defamatory conspiracy we're accusing him of. Here, play the clip. Uh have you been able to identify specific policy decisions that Joe Biden made that he was paid for? I have not had the, uh, the the ability to research that. I've been looking more at the LLCs, the bank records, all of the lies that Joe Biden has told, and what evidence we have so far in meetings, dinners, appointments, dinners. White House records, uh, et cetera, phone messages, text messages, emails, et cetera, connecting the dots with Joe Biden. We yeah, and this also reminds me when Kevin McCarthy gave an interview over the weekend on Face the Nation, and he tried to blame the Democrats for the shutdown, and Fortunately, the uh, interviewer was like, what are you talking about? Democrats are the reason the continuing resolution passed. You're playing this clip. Most of you in the press probably thought we would have shut down yesterday, too. But no, we did not. Were you confident we wouldn't shut down? I was confident I could get something on the floor to make sure the option that we would not. But, but you our military well, well, I wasn't sure it was going to pass. You want to know why? Because the Democrats tried to do everything they can not to let it pass. The Democrats Illinois. were the ones who voted did you, for this. Did you watch? In a did you watch? Number than Republicans to, to keep the continuing resolution alive. Did you watch nice. the floor yesterday? Oh, yes. Okay. Okay, the Republicans voted against it. Okay, and there you have it, folks. One thing also to add, one of the things that Kevin McCarthy's crew and their civil war against Matt Gates and the other MAGA Republican crew is doing is they're trying to do a motion to perhaps expel Matt Gates. Matt Gates is currently under an ethics investigation by the House of Representatives for uh, drugs, sex, uh, sexual assault, and other uh, egregious misconduct. And one of the things that the Kevin McCarthy McCarthy faction is trying to do is expel Matt Gates. Matt Gates faction <laughs> thinking about doing a motion to vacate. But as I've said before, these MAGA Republicans all bark, no bite. You have to hold them accountable. They are just engaged in this stochastic terrorism. They try to wear you down. They try to instill fear. But when it comes down to it, whether West you're Matt time. Gates or Donald Trump or Lauren Boebert or Marjorie Taylor Greene, these people, all they do is gaslight. But when you actually confront them with things and you hold them accountable, they back down because there's no substance there. And they're very, very, very weak. This is this whole Republican Party. I'm Ben Micellis from the Midas Network. 
hit subscribe. We're on our way to 2 million subscribers thanks to your support. If you want to support the growth of this independent media network, go to patreon.com slash Midas Touch, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash M-E-I-D-A-S-T-O-U-C-H. Have a great day. Hey, Midas Mighty. Love this report? Continue the conversation by following us on Instagram, at Midas Touch. Let's keep up with the most important news of the day. What are you waiting for? Follow us now. So what does Umzu mean to me? Umzu is a symbol of trust, first and foremost. It means that we put the maximum amount of effort, research, and professionalism into formulating our supplements, ensuring that they're completely compliant, ensuring that they're the best. What? My God, scared. Looks like a baboon. That's sad. <clears throat> Why wasn't Matt Gates charged yet with child sex trafficking and removed from office? Perjury three-toed Trader Green. Republicans are spouting the Russian state propaganda line because they're all bought and paid for by the NRA, which is money laundering $350 million so far. Why isn't the Justice Department 202-514-2000 looking into that? Christopher Prez, Trump for president. President, prison, prison, president, inmate. Christopher Press, Trump for prison. What's wrong, kitty cat? Fucking pervert. <laughs> An insurrection yet.
Siamese are very uh, talkative, aren't you? They're very, very, um, meant to be quite vocal. Yes, they're the closest kitty cat to the dog. You apparently teach them how to fetch a ball. Mine's, they call them a couch potato, Pat called them a couch potato. He was all traumatized when he got out. Weren't you my love? He just went off into the wilderness for like a day and a half and <sighs> poor sweethearts. Anyway. Hunter Biden makes most aggressive move yet against GOP fabrications. Nice. If you don't hit a jackpot in the first ten spins, just delete the app. This is a brand new Vegas style slots game with super high payouts. If you're lucky, you can win a jackpot of 10 trillion in as soon as 15 minutes and easily hit 10 jackpots within five minutes, which means you can win more jackpots by playing this. Oh, feckle. Feckle. Hey, everybody. Denver Riggleman here, former congressman, former senior technical Riggleman. advisor to the January 6th committee. Riggleman, yeah. And. In bad lighting here in a hotel room. I figured I had to do this spontaneously, and even though I'm on travel, I think I owe it to individuals and to people out there through the Midas Such Network to talk about the Hunter Biden lawsuits against Rudy Giuliani and Garrett Ziegler. I want to talk about how the media has actually let down most of the people following this case, or all of them, but also how non-forensic data can be ripped apart and examined using forensic techniques and why it's so dangerous for individuals to meddle if you have real forensic professionals looking at data. I'm also going to tell you why Hunter Biden team is being so aggressive. But first, let's start with the data itself. I'm sure many of you have seen reports from CBS or WAPO or people saying that, and most of those people being those who think Hunter Biden's laptop has even created COVID. But you've seen people talk about these publications validating Hunter Biden's laptop and even talking about the whistleblowers and the FBI validating a laptop. Well, I'm sorry to say, folks, that a lot of those publications like CBS and WAPO and especially the New York Post were simply wrong. Now, they could have been wrong by accident. They didn't know exactly what the question was or how the data was supposed to be categorized. But when you talk about validating a laptop, you have to have certain codes or certain algorithmic ways to validate that data. When you read the articles from CBS and WAPO and even New York Post, which is the worst of them, let's be honest, you can see that they never identified it as coming from a laptop. Why? Because it's impossible. There is no forensic evidence or forensic chain of custody to indicate in any way that any data in the public sphere that's been attributed to Hunter Biden's laptop is actually from the laptop. Think about what I just said there. Also, we also know now, since now the Hunter Biden team has the John Paul MacIsaac data that was given to Rudy Giuliani and given to CBS. We also know that that data had no forensic chain of custody and it was not a forensic copy of any type of laptop or even multiple devices that we can see. It was just a copy paste of files, more or less. There is no forensic chain of custody. 
And when Rudy Giuliani got that data, that data bloomed everywhere to multiple people, dozens of individuals who touched Hunter Biden's data in one way or the other, wherever that data came from. Now, obviously, I'm not going to say there's not one laptop out there that would be ludicrous. But to say that there's not multiple devices out there would be ludicrous also. We know that there's different data sets in different portions of the Internet attributed to Hunter's data or to Hunter's laptop. Again, that should that should be alarm bells for everybody. But it's boring. It's not as sexy as Hunter Biden's laptop as part of a globalist or deep state conspiracy theory or part of child trafficking rings or part of money laundering or part of improper influence or part of Ukraine or part of China. All the sexy stories that people want to report on. This is our issue. The media was using sourcing from data that had no forensic chain of custody and using people that were involved with J6. Steve Bannon, Rudy Giuliani, Eric Ziegler, who worked for Peter Navarro, part of the J6 conspiracy lunacy. Jack Maxey, worked with Steve Bannon, Wo Wing Zhi. We're talking about all these individuals that are either in jail, some have been charged, most are being sued. You have those that have lost their law licenses. You have felons. All of this is happening. These are the sources that the mainstream press have used to push the Hunter Biden narrative. So no forensic data and sources that were exactly the same as the J6 conspiracy push. Mainstream media is asking the wrong questions. Guilty of what? That's the thing about data. It can be very boring. What I'm trying to tell everybody here is that data, ones and zeros, make the best witness. Validated data is what we need to use for facts-based insights. Now, I'm not on the legal side. Just on the data forensic side, we've delivered our data. But now that we've had the data from John Paul MacIsaac, we can also tell you unequivocally that it was worded badly, um, that maybe CBS had forensic individuals that were just looking at data rather than where the, what device it might have come from. In the New York Post, which I'm going to have another Midas Touch Network hit, where I talk about that ridiculousness when it comes to the United States Secret Service and the ridiculous reporting from the New York Post, we have to talk about the media being complicit, any of them, using sources and data that are unverifiable. Now, you talk about using non-forensic techniques against forensic data. That's something we did. That led us to the questions that we needed to ask to get to where we are today. Once you see data in the, say, outside in the public that's supposed to come from a device, but it can't proven to become that can't be proven to come from a device. That means that we have to look deeper. So now that we do have forensic data, Hunter Biden team has more forensic data than anybody else out there, we can actually start to compare and contrast. And that's why you see the aggressiveness from the Hunter Biden legal team. Now, again, I'm sorry I'm doing this really in one take um, right here in a hotel room for Midas Touch. But I want people to be aware that when you see reporting or reporters saying that the Hunter Biden laptop has been validated, we can say that the FBI has a laptop. What we can say is that the data in the public sphere, any of it that's attributed to a laptop, is from one laptop or from multiple devices or even from hacked data. We know data has been manipulated. We know data has been added or it's been deleted. All the data sources that we have were supposedly either pristine or used for reports like Marco Polo or the 4chan data set have no forensic tail. They do not exist. And that's by using forensic science. Now, the legal side, I know it's going to turn out for Hunter. 
it comes to some of these things that he's been charged with, whether it's gun charges, whether it's other charges of that nature. I don't, because that's the criminal side of it. Things that were already down the road when I came on, I can tell you this, that disinformation is real. and Destroying somebody's digital identity is something we all have to worry about. Even if somebody has done something bad in the past, doesn't mean that they should be judged for that in eternity, especially if you're an addict. I think that's the one thing that I've learned about this, is to really have more compassion for individuals. I want to tell everybody here, when you're looking at reporting that's going on right now, the first thing you should ask is, what's the source? The second thing you should ask is, is the data validated? And the third thing you should ask is, do they even understand the data they're looking at? So again, thank you very much. It was great to be here. I know this wasn't probably the longest one for Midas Touch. I wanted to ensure all of you that whatever I put out there and our forensic team puts out there, it is validated data. It is something that will stand up in court. Right now, once you're looking at what's happening to one individual, or you're looking at committees trying to link Hunter with the president on certain types of crimes, you can be curious. You can maybe be skeptical. You can say that maybe all politicians do this. Maybe this is how we are. Maybe it's all about influence peddling. All these things you're allowed to think. But I would ask you, as somebody watching this, as a baseline of wanting to know the truth, what is the source? And if I say the names again, pictures pop up. Do you trust the sourcing from Rudy Giuliani? Do you trust the sourcing from John Paul MacIsaac? Do you trust the sourcing from Steve Bannon? Do you trust the sourcing from Bob Costello? Do you trust the sourcing from Eric Ziegler? you trust the sourcing? And you can look into this individual of Tori Morris. Do you trust the sourcing of Patrick Byrne? Do you trust the sourcing of any of those? And as you saw those pictures pop up, it's the first thing you think of. Is it valid source? It isn't. Again, look at the sourcing. Look at the data. Here's what I can say to you. As you watch the lawsuits come out, read them, you can see why there's a lot of confidence what we're seeing in data. This is a new world. The information war is a new forever war. I'm happy to be a person that people can trust to just look at data. If other things come, we have to look at that. Um, in the future, there's other forensic patterns we have to see, we have to figure out, we will do that. But before that happens, I just want everybody to know the right thing is going to be done when it comes to data by people like me and other people who want the American people to know the truth. Great night. Hey, Midas Mighty. Love this report? Continue the conversation by following us on Instagram, at Midas Touch, to keep up with the most important news of the day. What are you waiting for? Follow us now. Yeah, well, I think he missed the point that this whole thing is a uh, smear campaign against Biden. Would you ask Instacart for personalized game day recipes? Consider them trumped up charges.
fake evidence, fake evidence. Tampered. Text messages. And change the context. About alimony. Exclamation point. They should all be... Yeah, but I think you're missing the point that this whole Hunter Biden BS is all about a smear campaign about waging a smear campaign against Joe Biden. They were just found to have, they just entered fake evidence. Photoshopped messages, uh, fake messages. They um, uh, falsified They should all be charged with for misconduct and remove that and also for January 6th insurrection, never forget. Think better all the time. Nothing you and I won't do. Let's stop the world. Stop the world Yeah. Why, why isn't uh, Steve Bannon? I've always said that Hunter Biden should charge them with uh, And false fraud and harassment and defamation. said that Hunter Biden should charge Giuliani, Bannon, etc. for theft of his laptop and fraud and falsifying information and harassment and defamation. Fuck him. Charge him with all those things. <laughs> my free, uh, my free legal advice. My free legal advice for Hunter. One for minus touch. Oh, I wanted to Kind of cute, actually. Ready to oh, start shit. eating healthier? Meet Kachava. Kachava is the world's healthiest all-in-one meal. Like well, as like we predicted, happy. we don't have to work to ensure all of you 
that whatever I put out there and our forensic team puts out there, it is validated data. It is something that will stand up in court. Right now, once you're looking at what's happening to one individual, or you're looking at committees trying to link Hunter with the president on certain types of crimes, Woo. you can be curious. You can maybe be skeptical. Uh. You can say that maybe all politicians do this. Maybe this is how we are. Maybe it's all about influence peddling. All these things you're allowed to think. But I would ask you, as somebody watching this, as a baseline of wanting to know the truth, what is the source? And if I say the names again and the mm-hmm. pictures pop up, do you trust the sourcing from Rudy Giuliani? Do you trust the sourcing from John Paul MacIsaac? Do you trust the sourcing from Steve Bannon? Do you trust the sourcing from Bob Costello? Do you trust the sourcing from Eric Ziegler? you trust the sourcing, and you can look into this individual of Tory Morris. Do you trust the sourcing of Patrick Byrne? Do you trust the sourcing of any of those? And as you saw those pictures pop up, it's the first thing you think of. Is it valid source? It isn't. Again, look at the sourcing. Look at the data. Here's what I can say to you. As you watch the lawsuits come out, read them, you can see why there's a lot of confidence what we're seeing in data. This is a new world. The information war is a new forever war. I'm happy to be a person that people can trust to just look at data. If other things come, and we have to look at that. Um, in the future, there's other forensic patterns we have to see, or we have to figure out, we will do that. But before that happens, I just want everybody to know, the right thing is going to be done when it comes to data by people like me and other people who want the American people to know the truth. Great night. Hey, Midas Mighty. Love this report? Continue the conversation by following us on Instagram, at Midas Touch, to keep up with the most important news of the day. What are you waiting for? Follow us now.
train was unstoppable. Okay. Let's go there. Oh my gosh, you are. Hello, darling. Shout out to KANP Student Radio at the University of Aridstone. And KPYT, Pasquayaki, Tribal Radio, Tribal Radio, Tribal Radio, on the rise with Chester Show, Tribal Radio, Tribal Radio. Let's see what else I got going on. I might just touch. K hits. Red Station. Trump loses it during lunch break at trial and threatens judge. <laughs> Loses his mind just a little more. Running out of He's a judge. Running out of This is a judge that should be out of office. This is a judge that some people say could be charged criminally for what he's doing. He's interfering with an election, and it's a disgrace. Thank you very much. Mr. Trump, why do you want to be here? That was Donald Trump Justice attacking the judge presiding over the case, but Judge Ngoron. I'm Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch Network. What you just watched took place during the lunch break of the civil trial that has just commenced in the New York Attorney General's civil fraud case against Donald Trump. Before trial started, Donald Trump gave a press conference where he essentially admitted to the fraud that he was being accused of in the case. Then during a lunch break, Donald Trump attacked the judge, called Judge Ngoron a criminal, said the judge should be disbarred. That is how desperate Donald Trump is. In this next clip, Donald Trump says that the judge is a democratic operative. Play this clip. The violent crime that's being committed in our city and our state is disgraceful, and we're going to be here for months with a judge that already made up his mind. It's ridiculous. He's a Democrat judge, he's an operative, and it's ridiculous. Other than that, things went very well. When are you going to have a lunch? Will you come back after lunch, Mr. Trump? Uh, probably. <laughs> <laughs> well, none of this seems to be getting to Judge Ngoron. You can see Judge Ngoron right here. There are cameras allowed in the courtroom, not for the trial itself, but at the beginning of the trial, during the breaks, uh, cameras have been able to record what's going on. That's how we get you that feed right there, and that's Judge Ngoron right there. And in typical Donald Trump projection and confession fashion, here he is saying during the lunch break that he was the person who was actually defrauded. Play the clip. <laughs> Much more than were listed in the financial statement. 
So what transpired at trial already? Well, opening statements were given. The New York Attorney General's office said, follow the documents, read Donald Trump's deposition. They played portions of the depositions where Donald Trump says that he doesn't review his statement of financial conditions. Eric Trump says he's not responsible for the statement of financial conditions. Don Jr. said that he's not responsible for the statement of financial conditions. And then the New York Attorney General's office showed the statement of financial conditions showed the valuations that the Trumps gave the properties when they wanted lower property taxes and then when they wanted to get favorable bank loans. What was Donald Trump's argument? Well, he blamed my co-host, who's a key witness in this case. Michael Cohen said that the state's uh, case... Battery low attack Michael Cohen's reputation. They called Michael Cohen a liar. Michael Cohen will be a key witness uh, in this case, and I'm excited to interview Michael Cohen on the show, Political Beatdown, about everything that is going on. And then before the trial took place, Donald Trump gave a press conference where, again, he essentially admitted to the underlying fraud he was accused of. Play this clip. They have one property that's worth... Anywhere from 50 to 100 times what this judge put down as a value. Put down a value, $18 million, and the property's probably worth, could be anywhere from 50 to 100 times more than that. And a lot of those numbers could even be low. We have other properties, the same thing, so he devalued everything. I didn't even put in my best asset, which is the brand, in terms of value. Coca-Cola, take a look at their value. They have a value. The value of their brand is more than everything else put together. My brand is extremely valuable. I didn't even use it in my financials. If I wanted to build up a financial statement, I would have built it up by using brand in addition to everything else. We have the greatest properties. We have among the greatest properties in the world. And I have to go. I know a lot of you watching are entrepreneurs. You run your own business. And I run a business too. So I know how hard it is to manage your numbers, manage the trends, manage the market and budget, everything. But not every business is in the dark because of our sponsor today. Now, some people are concerned that they might have to go for a long period without getting outside food. Well, I'm going to show you something. Political today. NetSuite. All this information in one place to make better. Right now, Midas. That's NetSuite.com slash Midas to get your own KPI checklist. NetSuite.com slash Midas. And it should be noted, I've said this before, let me say it again, Judge Ngoron has not ruled about what the valuation of Trump's properties are. The judge isn't an independent tax appraiser. The judge and Goran simply looked at what the tax appraisals were, looked at Trump's stipulated amounts for what Trump said the valuation is. So take Mar-a-Lago, for example. Trump said the valuation of Mar-a-Lago is less than $26.6 million when he wanted to get uh, favorable property taxes, which he secured. And Donald Trump argued that he has all of these historical easements and encumbrances, so I want to pay less property taxes. And then when Donald Trump wanted to inflate the valuation to get out favorable bank loans, Donald Trump increased the valuation of the property and essentially in his own mind removed the encumbrances of it. So by Donald Trump saying that the property is worth a billion 
dollars, which would be what, like 4,000% more than the appraised value? He's basically stipulating to the underlying liability there. This is New York Attorney General Letitia James before trial commenced. Play the clip. Good morning, everyone. Donald Trump and the other defendants have committed persistent and repeated fraud. Last week, we proved that in our motion for summary judgment. Today, uh, we will prove our other claims. My message is simple. No matter how powerful you are, no matter how much money you think you may have, no one is above the law. And it is my responsibility and my duty and my job to enforce it. The law is both powerful and fragile. And today in court, we will prove our case. I thank you all for being here. And again, justice will prevail. Thank you. Also, during the morning session of trial, uh, the judge had to explain to Donald Trump that he and his lawyers waived jury trial because they didn't check the box about uh, requesting a jury. So Donald Trump get, got to learn that uh, his lawyer, Alina Haba, didn't request a jury trial. That's the reason why you have Judge Ngoran presiding over this as a bench trial and not a jury trial. Also, you had Judge Ngoran reject as out of hand Donald Trump's lawyer's argument that this is a political person Persecution and Judge Ngoran said, absolutely not. It would be a dereliction of the duty of New York Attorney General Letitia James not to pursue this civil fraud case. So, folks, what is being determined at this trial since partial summary judgment was already granted on the first cause of action, resulting in the cancellation of the business licenses and the dissolution of the Trump organization is the monetary damages, the disgorgement, and some other remedies, including banning the Trumps from doing further business in New York. I expect there, over the course of this trial as it concludes, to be a judgment in the amount of several hundred millions of dollars. You see how desperate and angry Donald Trump is. Next up, we believe Donald Trump will be testifying. We'll keep you posted on Donald Trump's testimony, which I think will take place over the course of many, many days. So stay tuned, folks. Make sure you subscribe so you're up to the up to date on all of the breaking news here. Hit subscribe and check us out at patreon.com slash Midas Touch. Have a great day. Hey Midas Mighty, love this report? Continue the conversation by following us on Instagram, at Midas Touch, to keep up with the most important news of the day. What are you waiting for? Follow us now. Why are women everywhere choosing Abby X, the new tummy tuck alternative? I got the tummy tuck results without the tummy tuck downtime. Get a flat, tight tummy fast with Sonabello's new Abby X. One visit fat and loose excess skin removal. RPX is an innovative procedure that allows us to maximize how much fat we can take out and also remove the excess skin. The great thing about it is recover is minimal and you'll back to yourself in a short time. I got a flat, tight tummy fast thanks to ABX. I went to Sonobello and I did the Ab EX and oh my gosh, I was able to get back in my size 8 jeans. I feel sexy, I feel confident, and most of all, I feel like the old me before I had my baby. I had Sonobello Ab EX over three months ago. I just can't believe it. Like. It's so bomb. I went to Sonobello almost five yeah, months yeah. ago. Before my yes. procedure, I wore a size 11 okay. and now... Fuck off. Okay.
buds. Poor diaper Dawn. Poor diaper Dawn. Poor uh, diaper Dawn. <laughs> Paper song. <laughs> Cry. Shit clown. Running out of ways to describe this lunatic. Lock up chump, lock up chump. Time of the season, great pumpkin walk. Super bad. Jim Brown. Sandman, maybe. If I'm on my own thing, keeping your pillow time. Butler is set to make history as the first openly LGBTQ person to represent California in Senate is what you know about Senator Feinstein's successor. Awesome. Awesome. Welcome, lady. 
<laughs> Welcome, lady. Welcome, lady. Awesome, welcome, lady. So cool. In every room. People say privately all the time Nicole and not on Wallace. TL very often. Something really bad is going to happen. Okay? Shit's about to hit the fan in this country. Fox News had to veer away from a lunatic spewing hatred and death threats for Democratic officials in New York because of the migrant yeah. caucus. Everyone is on... The what caucus? Uh, I don't even know the word. Everyone is, knows that we're walking into something hideous and no one will do anything. Yeah. I refuse to believe that nothing can be done. These are people getting their information in part because of the vacuum being created by people with, I don't even know if we call it a spine anymore. That might be an insult to spines. But there are still people out there with followings. He can go out and, and here's, here's what I want to ask you. When something happens, what do you want to be able to tell your kids and grandkids you did? You good with nothing? You good with, I didn't do anything because I didn't think anyone would listen to me. Trump tweeted something mean about me someday because you did something. I tried to do something. Where are all of the Republicans who still have little slivers of a following in the cesspool that is the MAGA base? Charlie, I'm going to say something that uh, people say privately all the time and not on TL very often. Something really bad is going to happen. Okay, shit's about to hit the fan in this country. Fox News had to veer away from a lunatic spewing hatred and death threats for Democratic officials in New York because of the migrant yeah. caucus. Everyone is on, uh, I don't even know the word. Everyone is, knows that we're walking into something hideous and no one will do anything. Yeah. I refuse to believe that nothing can be done. These are people getting their information in part because of the vacuum being created by people with, I don't even know if we call it a spine anymore. That might be an insult to spines. But there are still people out there with followings. He can go out and, and here's, here's what I want to ask you. When something happens, what do you want to be able to tell your kids and grandkids you did? You good with nothing? But blue Republicans are just like the cops in Texas. Not only are they brainless, they're gutless cowards. Not only stupid and corrupt, but
Republicans are not only stupid and corrupt, they're incompetent. Nicole Wallace. As it demonstrates, the House GOP and Donald Trump's continued attacks on our institutions and on our democracy, and the House GOP's complete inability to govern in a serious manner. As they're holding this hearing, as we see just two days before a potential devastating government shutdown, and the fact that most Republican members on this committee didn't even bother to show up for the hearing this morning. Their own star witness said right here in this committee this morning that he doesn't even believe that there's enough evidence to meet the standards needed for impeachment. And in doing this, our colleagues across the aisle are making a mockery of this institution and of our Constitution, peddling in conspiracy theories, peddling the conspiracy theories that root money and Donald Trump themselves tried to get the American people to believe and which Donald Trump's DOJ debunked. It's outrageous. So let's be clear about what this hearing actually is. It's an effort to undermine our democracy, to diminish Donald Trump's own two impeachments, his first impeachment for trying to illegally bribe a foreign government to help him with his campaign, and the second for a deadly insurrection in the halls of this Capitol after he asked his followers to tear through the halls of Congress, which they did with zip ties looking to execute the former vice president. And we know that Donald Trump has called for this impeachment inquiry. Battery low. Evidence from his own social. You can see it right here. He says, impeach the bum. And we also know that he's been directly coordinating with members of this committee, as reported by the New York Times right here. A member of this committee has been briefing Donald Trump on this inquiry. We also know that if Donald Trump doesn't get his way, he wants his loyalists to shut down the government. How do we know that? Because he posted it right here on his social media. And his loyalists in this com committee who are doing his bidding for him today, retweeted it. And in fact, it actually says right here that the reason why they want to defund the government and impeach is because this is the last chance to defund these political prosecutions against me. So folks, this is not a serious inquiry. This is not a serious hearing. In fact, the witnesses here don't even believe there's enough evidence to impeach. Their own members don't even believe there's a much, is enough evidence to impeach. In fact, they refused to hold a vote on the floor of the House of Representatives because they didn't have enough Republican members who would vote for it. That's why we're here today. 
It's outrageous. So what is this hearing actually about? It's a campaign strategy. It's a misuse of official resources. It is this committee and loyalists of Donald Trump doing his bidding to bolster his chances of winning back the White House and securing their majority in the next election. And in the process, to diminish the name of impeachment, which is enshrined in the U.S. Constitution, which we take an oath to uphold, and to make Donald Trump's crimes, including his two impeachments and his 91 criminal indictment counts, look like they're not serious crimes. When you think about it, it's chilling. It's truly chilling. It's another attack on our democracy and our institutions. It's another attack on fair and free elections and the use of this committee to try to carry it out. So I just want to say, I think it's obvious who the grand puppet master is here. He tweeted about it on his own social. And we see the long arm, but little hands, of Mr. Donald Trump, whose fingerprints are all over this hearing and this sham impeachment. But we know that the American people are smart, that they're not going to be fooled by what's happening here today, and especially as they shut the government down in two days with catastrophic impacts for our communities. And with that, I yield back. As it demonstrates, the House GOP and Donald Trump's continued attacks on our institutions and on our democracy, and the House GOP's complete inability to govern in a serious manner. As they're holding this hearing, as we see just two days before a potential devastating government shutdown, and the fact that most Republican members on this committee didn't even bother to show up for the hearing this morning. Their own star witness said right here in this committee this morning that he doesn't even believe that there's enough evidence to meet the standards needed for impeachment. And in doing this, our colleagues across the aisle are making a mockery of this institution and of our Constitution, peddling in conspiracy theories, peddling the conspiracy theories that Rudy Giuliani and Donald Trump themselves tried to get the American people to believe, and which Donald Trump's DOJ debunked. It's outrageous. So let's be clear about what this hearing actually is. It's an effort to undermine our democracy, to diminish Donald Trump's own two impeachments, his first impeachment for trying to illegally bribe a foreign government to help him with his campaign, and the second for a deadly insurrection in the halls of this Capitol after he asked his followers to tear through the halls of Congress, which they did with zip ties looking to execute the former vice president. And we know that Donald Trump has called for this impeachment inquiry because we have the direct evidence from his own social. You can see it right here. He says, impeach the bum. And we also know that he's been directly coordinating with members of this committee as reported by the New York Times right here. A member of this committee has been briefing Donald Trump on this inquiry. 
We also know that if Donald Trump doesn't get his way, he wants his loyalists to shut down the government. How do we know that? Because he posted it right here on his social media. And his loyalists in this committee who are doing his bidding for him today retweeted it. And in fact, it actually says right here that the reason why they want to defund the government and impeach is because this is the last chance to defund these political prosecutions against me. So folks, this is not a serious inquiry. This is not a serious hearing. In fact, the witnesses here don't even believe there's enough evidence to impeach. Their own members don't even believe there's a much, is enough evidence to impeach. In fact, they refuse to hold a vote on the floor of the House of Representatives because they didn't have enough Republican members who would vote for it. That's why we're here today. It's outrageous. So what is this hearing actually about? It's a campaign strategy. It's a misuse of official resources. It is this committee and loyalists of Donald Trump doing his bidding to bolster his chances of winning back the White House and securing their majority in the next election. And in the process to diminish the name of impeachment, which is enshrined in the US Constitution, which we take an oath to uphold, and to make Donald Trump's crimes, including his two impeachments and his 91 criminal indictment counts, look like they're not serious crimes. When you think about it, it's chilling. It's truly chilling. It's another attack on our democracy and our institutions. It's another attack on fair and free elections and the use of this committee to try to carry it out. So I just want to say, I think it's obvious who the grand puppet master is here. He tweeted about it on his own social, and we see the long arm, the little hands, of Mr. Donald Trump, whose fingerprints are all over this hearing and this sham impeachment. But we know that the American people are smart, that they're not going to be fooled by what's happening here today, and especially as they shut the government down in two days with catastrophic impacts for our communities. And with that, I yield back. As it demonstrates the House GOP and Donald Trump's continued attacks on our institutions and on our democracy, and the House GOP's complete inability to govern in a serious manner. As they're holding this hearing, as we see just two days before a potential devastating government shutdown, and the fact that most Republican members on this committee didn't even bother to show up for the hearing this morning. Their own star witness said right here in this committee this morning that he doesn't even believe that there's enough evidence to meet the standards needed for impeachment. And in doing this, our colleagues across the aisle are making a mockery of this institution and of our Constitution, peddling in conspiracy theories, peddling the conspiracy theories that Rudy Giuliani and Donald Trump themselves tried to get the American people to believe, and which Donald Trump's DOJ debunked. It's outrageous. 
So let's be clear about what this hearing actually is. It's an effort to undermine our democracy, to diminish Donald Trump's own two impeachments, his first impeachment for trying to illegally bribe a foreign government to help him with his campaign, and the second for a deadly insurrection in the halls of this Capitol after he asked his followers to tear through the halls of Congress, which they did with zip ties looking to execute the former vice president. And we know that Donald Trump has called for this impeachment inquiry because we have the direct evidence from his own social. You can see it right here. He says, impeach the bum. And we also know that he's been directly coordinating with members of this committee, as reported by the New York Times right here. A member of this committee has been briefing Donald Trump on this inquiry. We also know that if Donald Trump doesn't get his way, he wants his loyalists to shut down the government. How do we know that? Because he posted it right here on his social media. And his loyalists in this committee who are doing his bidding for him today, retweeted it. And in fact, it actually says right here that the reason why they want to defund the government and impeach is because this is the last chance to defund these political prosecutions against me. So folks, this is not a serious inquiry. This is not a serious hearing. In fact, the witnesses here don't even believe there's enough evidence to impeach. Their own members don't even believe there's a much, is enough evidence to impeach. In fact, they refused to hold a vote on the floor of the House of Representatives because they didn't have enough Republican members who would vote for it. That's why we're here today. It's outrageous. So what is this hearing actually about? It's a campaign strategy. It's a misuse of official resources. It is this committee and loyalists of Donald Trump doing his bidding to bolster his chances of winning back the White House and securing their majority in the next election. And in the process, to diminish the name of impeachment, which is enshrined in the U.S. Constitution, which we take an oath to uphold, and to make Donald Trump's crimes, including his two impeachments and his 91 criminal indictment counts, look like they're not serious crimes. When you think about it, it's chilling. It's truly chilling. It's another attack on our democracy and our institutions. It's another attack on fair and free elections and the use of this committee to try to carry it out. So I just want to say, I think it's obvious who the grand puppet master is here. He tweeted about it on his own social. And we see the long arm, but little hands, of Mr. Donald Trump, whose fingerprints are all over this hearing and this sham impeachment. But we know that the American people are smart, that they're not going to be fooled, by what's happening here today, and especially as they shut the government down in two days with catastrophic impacts for our communities. And with that, I yield back. 
As it demonstrates, the House GOP and Donald Trump's continued attacks on our institutions and on our democracy, and the House GOP's complete inability to govern in a serious manner. As they're holding this hearing, as we see just two days before a potential devastating government shutdown, and the fact that most Republican members on this committee didn't even bother to show up for the hearing this morning. Their own star witness said right here in this committee this morning that he doesn't even believe that there's enough evidence to meet the standards needed for impeachment. And in doing this, our colleagues across the aisle are making a mockery of this institution and of our Constitution, peddling in conspiracy theories, peddling the conspiracy theories that Rudy Giuliani and Donald Trump themselves tried to get the American people to believe, and which Donald Trump's DOJ debunked. It's outrageous. So let's be clear about what this hearing actually is. It's an effort to undermine our democracy, to diminish Donald Trump's own two impeachments, his first impeachment for trying to illegally bribe a foreign government to help him with his campaign, and the second for a deadly insurrection in the halls of this Capitol after he asked his followers to tear through the halls of Congress, which they did with zip ties looking to execute the former vice president. And we know that Donald Trump has called for this impeachment inquiry because we have the direct evidence from his own social. You can see it right here. He says, impeach the bum. And we also know that he's been directly coordinating with members of this committee, as reported by the New York Times right here. A member of this committee has been briefing Donald Trump on this inquiry. We also know that if Donald Trump doesn't get his way, he wants his loyalists to shut down the government. How do we know that? Because he posted it right here on his social media. You are the ones taking humanity beyond where any of us in the higher realms thought you would be at this time. You can pat yourselves on the back, and you can give yourselves plenty of rest and relaxation in order to keep up with those Andromeda energies. There is something quite jarring about receiving so much, but the growing pains are symptoms that are you are releasing that which no longer serves you in the process. You are capable of opening yourselves up and receiving so much energy information, and you are still just dipping your toes into the water. Soon enough, however, you will feel the positive ramifications of all of this, and you will integrate all aspects of yourself, making you the beautiful whole being that you always intend to be in this lifetime. You are receivers and transmitters. We have discovered that humanity is a part of a larger project of creation, and we want to share with you our findings about that particular project. You know that you are not alone in the galaxy, in the universe, or even in your own solar system. But you may not realize, however, that you are placed precisely where you are in the universe and in the galaxy to act as antenna and beacons. You are transmitters and receivers, and your position in the cosmos is perfectly aligned to give so many other beings access to you, to the information that is contained within your physical bodies. You are like walking history books of the universe, and you are telling new stories all the time. You are making up new timelines, and those timelines contain new pasts. So you very much are the creators that you have set out to be in this lifetime, and you are at the hub of the universe, receiving and transmitting energy and information to your fellow beings, so that they may all learn from your experience, and mostly from your emotions. You are a very emotional race, and other beings need to understand the power of the feeling, the power of the emotion, and even the power of a sensation. So you have agreed to be part of this project, 
and every single person on the planet is of service. Because no matter what each of you is living, you are receiving and transmitting, and you are feeling. And all other beings in the universe, including ourselves, are benefiting from your position and from your lives. And we want to thank you for your service. We are the Arcturian Council, and we have enjoyed connecting with you. Co-creating the unknown. Reminds me of when Michael Popak told me, thank me for running for president. Thank you, my friends. Thank you for thanking me. We are the Arcturian Council. We are pleased to connect with all of you. We have taken the helpers from all across the country. Co-creating the unknown. Greetings, we are the Arcturian Council. We are pleased to connect with all of you. There is an advantage to not knowing what you are creating. The advantage lies in the fact that you are actually co-creating with beings who have the ability to see what you cannot. Everything is a co-creation because you do not exist within a vacuum. Everything that you create affects every other individual in the universe throughout all time and space. And so when you co-create with higher frequency beings, which you are always doing, by the way, you have the advantage of their vision, their ability to create that which you could not possibly imagine. And when you co-create with the greatest and highest good of all beings as a part of your intention, you are supported by more of these higher frequency beings of light and love. You can and you do summon higher frequency beings when you have good intentions for all, but you summon more when you have the entire collective in mind for your creation. In other words, if you want to create wealth for yourself, you are still supported in that because your creation of wealth can benefit others in a number of ways. But when you intend to create wealth for all beings on the planet, you not only summon more energy, but you also summon more helpers. Now, when it comes to creating that which is unknown to you, remember that you are always creating an experience so that you can feel something. And as the frequencies are getting higher and higher that you have access to, so will be the creations and the experiences. Therefore, you have yet to discover how good you can feel, just as you have yet to discover how much you can create. But the higher frequency beings that you are summoning for help now, they can see beyond what the human mind can comprehend. They can see the energies that are going to be most helpful in your creative process, and they can see how much your creation will impact the whole of humanity. There is strength in numbers, and you are a powerful collective with even more powerful friends in the higher realms. And remember that next Yeah, they're jealous of us. The gods are jealous of us. Getting to know your galactic family. We are giving you a taste of what it will be like for you to have full contact with extraterrestrials. We have an energy that is foreign to your solar system and to your planet. Our energy is Arcturian. Each star system and each planet, moon, sun, and other celestial body within each star system has a unique vibrational signature. So as you receive our energy transmissions, you ready yourselves for which is otherworldly, that which is coming from far, far away. Now the energy that you receive from us with the unique Arcturian signature that it has readies you for further contact with highly evolved beings. We are not intending to come across as boastful, but the Arcturian star system is known for having a high vibration and for having very spiritually attuned inhabitants. So you know when you are connected with a highly evolved being because it will feel familiar to connect with that being. That will be due in part to the connections that we have made and are making with you through these transmissions and another time when you are relaxing or sleep. You will want to interact with these evolved beings because of what they will activate even more within you. And they will be able to help you to navigate through your essential process. The well-intentioned beings in this galaxy far outnumber those who are seeking control and manipulate. And that is also true of the beings on planet Earth. So synchronizing, harmonizing with the beings that are going to help you is easier than you might think. Getting over the differences in appearances will be harder. Getting over the differences in customs and practices will be harder. But it will be all worth your while to continue to seek out contact with extraterrestrials. Because in getting to know them better, you get to know aspects of yourself as well. And the whole, complete version of you is the version that will ascend. 
assisting the entire galaxy. You are assisting the rest of the galaxy by tuning into the energies that are inside of you. You have aspects of you energetically and physically that come from other parts of the galaxy, other star systems. And so as you tune into what is inside of you, and you create a balance within, there is a ripple effect. And because you are connected in more ways than one to the other star systems in this galaxy, you are helping to create balance for all beings. Many of you are looking for a mission or a purpose, and you want to reach out as many people as you can. And we say to you that you are having a tremendous impact on all beings when you go within yourself and you find balance, when you find peace. Everything that you do, think, and say has an impact as well. But usually you are attempting to make up for a feeling lack within yourself when you set out to take an action. When you set out to be of service through word and action. You cannot help but access what is inside of you. It's going to come up. You're going to get triggered one way or the other. But when you look within yourself for peace and balance, for love and for openness, you will see it outside of yourself as well. You are creating from within you. And when you bring that balance, peaceful self out into the world. So Legal AF says, Diaper Donald, Flood the State. It says, Trump trial met meltdown. Uh, Trump flees court after attacking judges and prosecutors. Arizona homeowners, do you like the idea of having solar panels, but think it's just way too expensive? Most people don't know this, but... The fraud trial of the century has begun against Trump and all his enemies, coming less than a week after Judge Angoron granted summary judgment on the one count in the New York Attorney General's complaint that he could. A standalone persistent fraud claim under Executive Law 63-12. But the rest of the claims in uh, Attorney General Letitia James's suit require findings of intent and materiality and require a trial, a bench trial. And the mensch on the bench for it, Judge Arthur and Goran. Trump has showed up for the first of the expected 100 days or more of trial, but has already already returned to Florida. He's treating this just like any other campaign stop, with calls for violent attacks on the prosecutors, law clerks, and judge morning, noon, and Come night. And breaks in the trial, he's been coming night. back late for breaks on. in order to further attack Come the New York Arthur justice system, giving press conference after press conference in the hallways of 60 Center Street. And the Trump team has been chastised by the judge a number of times. And Trump has been warned and a gag order entered before the second day was even over. All this to distract from what is going on inside Judge Angoron's courtroom. The slow, methodical presentation of witnesses and evidence by the New York Attorney General, like a cobra slowly squeezing the life out of her victim. The first witness for the OAG the accountant, of course. Al Capone was famously brought down by his accountant, Will Don Bender, in the undoing of the Trump empire he helped sustain for more than a dozen years. And why is Trump acting out this way with so many other criminal cases and other judges watching? And how is the case going so far for the attorney general? Next, we discuss various judges' attempts to control and contain Trump while trying to balance his First Amendment rights to campaign, but of course, not to interfere with the administration of justice or violently attack witnesses, judges, clerks, grand jurors, jurors, and investigators. Many have tried. Judge Mershon, McAfee, Chutkin, and Goron, even Judge Wallace in Denver, Colorado, and all have failed so far to stop his attacks and pressure campaign on, on our justice system. We take a look at all the gag and other orders out there against Trump 
as we consider Judge Chutkin's upcoming ruling in the D.C. election interference case on the special counsel's motion for a limited gag order. Finally, it's not just the fall apple season in Georgia. It's also the Fulton County flipping co-conspirator defendant season to cooperate as witnesses in the trial against Trump and others. Get in early and get a sweetheart deal like Scott Hall looking at probation and no jail time. Come in late and maybe no deal at all. This is Fawny Willis's MO. She flipped eight fake electors before she even obtained her indictment and then just flipped Scott Hall, a leader of the Coffee County voting machine, break in and data download part of the conspiracy and now is going for more. In her last big conspiracy trial with 35 defendants, she ended up trying only 12 of them and plea bargaining with 13. Will that happen here? And which of the Trumpers are least and most likely to take a deal? Jespero and Powell, two disgraced attorneys for Donald Trump, have a trial that starts in three weeks. And Bonnie's office has told Judge McAfee that plea deals are going to them too. And Mike Roman, former Trump election day ground operations leader and fake certificates mule has report, reportedly turned down a deal a deal that disgraced New York police commissioner and confidant of Rudy Giuliani, Bernie Carrick, has also turned down for now unless he gets immunity. All this and so much more on the midweek edition of Legal AF, exclusively on the Midas Touch Network with my co-anchor and friend, Karen Friedman Agnifilo. We sit at the intersection of law, politics, and justice so that you don't have to. Aaron, how are you doing? Good. I'm dog sitting right now, so I'm just going to show everyone my little Velcro dogs that are next to me. Here's here's Boogie. Often comes onto the pod. Here's Billy. So I apologize in advance if you hear any kind of dog-like no noises. It's because the Velcro dogs don't want to leave my side. They keep me company all day, but it's it's nice. If I heard growling, I'd be like, Karen, are you hungry? Have you not eaten today? What's that sound? That's you know, great. I, if I took my laptop and showed like right next to me um, in my office, it would not be as interesting as the two dogs that you just showed. So once again, hats off to to how you do your podcasts. But, um, oh, I see a tail. Yeah, so, 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 so I want, that's why I, I, I expect that they're going to yeah. make some uh, some cameos during this. That's why I wanted yeah. to just we, mention we, it in advance. We had a great, uh, we always have a great show. I, I just want to remind our audience, because we still pinch ourselves over this, about a year and a half ago, you and I did a, an episode of Legal AF right at the beginning, almost at the beginning, where we had 5,000 people watch us. And we were like high-fiving. We were like 5,000 people that we don't know. Well, maybe 4,500 people that we didn't know were watching our show. Exactly. That was when, when our family was also right. you know, religious. Right. I'd be like, is that your cousin Kenneth again? You know, whatever. <laughs> now, that's 5,000 a year and a half ago. Our last episode that you and I just did on YouTube alone did 550,000. Wow. Look at those numbers. And that doesn't include the audio. So now we, we've gone from like 10,000 a week of people watching our show in the millions, not including all of our hot takes. It's, it's, it's extraordinary. And it's not something that, that you, me, Ben, the brothers take lightly. We, we pinch ourselves every day about the network that's been built, the, the content that we do, the movement that we're a part of, 
Um, it could have easily just been the three of us getting together semi-regularly on Zoom and a cocktail, talking about things that matter to us, but instead we, we were part of something and it's important and, um, and we're really grateful for it. So for anybody that thinks, you know, oh, Popak this or Ben that or Karen this, we, we are very humble and grateful about our success and it motivates us to do better, get better and, and bring quality product on our podcast. So I think we're ready to jump in with the fraud case of the century. Donald Trump, all, oh, look at that photo. Donald Trump, Salty, warn me before you put that up, will you? <laughs> that was heart stopping. You know, picture of Donald Trump staring at his, um, his Fisher Price Play School um, computer monitor there in the courtroom at 60 Center Street, a place where Karen, you and I have spent, have spent a lot of time in our career at the trial, a nice little courtroom there that we're showing with Alina Hobb on one side and Chris Keiss on the other and some other lawyers for Donald Trump. We never thought it would come. It's hard to believe that it was just about um, 13 months ago that Letitia James, the New York Attorney General, actually filed the suit. Within a year, she got not only a filing, she got a judgment last Tuesday in her favor. Some people who are tuning in late or, or, or don't follow us regularly might be thinking, well, if she got a ruling in her favor, finding persistent fraud in the operation of Donald Trump's business affairs, why are we having a trial? Because it was a multi-count complaint that was filed, the first count under 63-12 of the executive law, very powerful statute I've talked about at length over the last year, um, probably the most um, powerful set of remedies and law that any attorney general has in our 50 states is, is held by the occupant of the New York attorney general seat. And uh, he's used it. It's, it goes after persistent fraud. And the first count doesn't even require a, a, a finding of intent that, that Donald Trump or the others intended the fraud. It's just that it is a fraud um, and, and has misled the marketplace uh, and the public, which is the ultimate victim here. That's why all the money, if she's, if she's successful, whether it's 250 million, 500 million, a billion, whatever the final number is that she asked for, goes back to the people of the state of New York because of the fraud has been perpetuated on them. We in New York don't like fraudulent businesses, fraudulent business records, fraudulent financial statements, fraudulent insurance conduct in the way we operate our businesses. I'm sure most states would feel the same, but New York you know, it considers itself a business capital and takes this kind of thing seriously. So she got a huge victory, the Attorney General, the OAG, the Office of Attorney General last week, on summary judgment on her first claim, claim that he could rule on because it didn't require a, a, any kind of a finding of intent. And um, they've now run off the Trumpers, uh, I think late. I think they should have done it like a minute after he entered that order, but they filed their notice of appeal today, but they didn't ask for a stay and didn't ask for an injunction. And, and, and there's a clock ticking because- Right, so, but, so what happens if, so yeah. they're in the middle of the trial, what happens if- Nothing. If, in the middle of the trial, it gets reversed, or if you know, it's just weird to be in this posture that he's appealing. There's a motion for summary judgment as to count one, and he's now appealing that. But they're on trial for not only the same Correct. set of facts, but also the disgorgement of profits for count one. So. What happens if, for some reason, it, it gets overturned on appeal, 
what happens a in the middle of the trial and b what happens if he's found guilty yeah. and the trial's over okay so let me see if i can explain it the um, most states don't do not allow an appeal without asking permission first from the appellate court um at this juncture in a case um, but new york is not one of those states uh, states like florida for instance if you get a summary judgment partial summary judgment against you you got to wait till the end of the trial um end of the case in order to appeal you can't generally take what's called an interlocutory appeal but new york allows appeals all the time i mean you don't like a discovery ruling by your judge take an appeal you don't like a summary judgment as we just said take an appeal there's so many i mean you're always going if you practice in manhattan the way you and i do you're always going to the first department appellate division for an appeal on something that's not the final conclusive order of the court this is the way i think it would work he takes, he's taken his appeal on the first count of six counts and on two of nine remedies that um, uh, the New York, the OAG is seeking. One, she wanted a um, monitor or a receiver appointed and she wanted his, all of his companies, business, not licenses, but certificates to operate in New York to be dissolved. Judge granted those on summary judgment and ordered for their immediate dissolution with a receiver within 10 days, which is why there's a clock ticking. But the rest of the case, disgorgement, the amount of money that the judge is going to order be returned based on either count one or the remaining six counts is for the trial. What's on trial right now, as the judge likes to remind the participants in the trial, I mean the Trump side. I'm not here to talk about what I ruled on last Tuesday. You got an issue with last Tuesday? You take it up to the appellate court. I'm here on counts two through um, six and remedies, you know, three through nine. I'm not here about what happened last week. Now, what that means is the following: if the, the appeal is going to take six to eight or nine months, this trial is going to be three to five months. I doubt there's going to be an appellate decision while this is still in trial. Could be, could happen. But as you can see, Karen, from prior appellate division rulings in this case, they're not bending over backwards to move on an emergency basis for, for Donald J. Trump. There's currently pending with the appellate division, and nobody's talked about it recently because they're not doing anything with it, a Article 78 petition by Donald Trump to sue the judge to force him to slow down on the summary judgment, too late, already ruled, and to abide by the orders of the appellate division, which is a ridiculous grounds to try to sue your judge. That's just been sitting there with the appellate division. They haven't, they haven't set a briefing schedule. They haven't assigned just judges to it. It's just sitting there. They denied last week, uh, two days after the judge ruled on summary judgment, they denied the earlier attempt to stay the case and let the trial start on Monday. So the appellate division is giving no favors to Donald Trump. I don't think they're gonna move any faster than normal. And that means six to eight months for briefing and an argument. If you're under your scenario though, your scenario, they somehow rule right, on some emergency basis in the next two months while the trial is still going on and they ruled in his favor somehow, it would just take count one off the board. The judge is trying counts two through seven he didn't. He made his findings all about one. Some of it applies to the remaining. And some people might think, Popak, what are the remaining counts? Okay, here are the remaining counts, it, um, and they're all under the same statute, 63-12. But they're standalone counts about different types of fraud. One is insurance fraud. 
Donald Trump and his group not only defrauded banks right, by under collateralizing loans, right? And creating hidden risk for the banks that they didn't know that they were taking on. They thought they had $500 million worth of assets for this $800 million loan when they only had $50 million worth of assets. Insurance fraud, same thing. Insurance companies thought they were insuring a building that had a value of X and it was really Y. There had been a, a calamity or a catastrophe and a building had blown up. They would have had a payout on a value that wasn't the thing wasn't worth. That's insurance fraud. There's business record fraud, which we know from the Stormy Daniels case, hush money cover-up case, is you know fraudulent entries in books and records for New York companies is a crime and a fraud. And then finally, there's financial statement fraud, things you put in your personal financial statements, and then conspiracies around each of those three things. That's what the judge is trying right now. And then the judge at the end, if he finds on any or all of these counts, is going to have to fashion the remedy. The remedy that, that the court, that the OAG is asking for is disgorgement, calculate how much they made from their fraud and rip it away from them, judge. That's disgorgement. Um, and then also the, the dissolution, the monitor, the really big thing that's left is the ban on Donald Trump transacting business in New York and buying real estate and taking out bank loans for the next five years, the permanent banning of his controller and CFO, Eiselberg and McConney, um, and replacing the trustee over the trust that controls all of his assets with somebody of the, of the OAG's liking. So those are the remedies. So the short answer to the, or the long answer to your short question is, if they rule against Donald Trump no, has no impact. If they rule for Donald Trump, no real impact. I mean, if they give guidance to the trial judge about something that he's been looking at incorrectly uh, that, that can apply to the trial that he's currently on before he issues his ruling, great, it'll be a ruling. But they're there only looking at, the appeal is narrow. And under the facts, to grant summary judgment on the first count of the pleading for what we call standalone persistent fraud, yes or no. They're not commenting because it's not on appeal, two through seven of the complaint. And so I, I gave you sort of a, a glib answer, which is it'll have no impact. It'll have an impact to the media. Oh, Trump reversed this. But to Angoron, he's just gonna keep applying the laws he sees fit unless he gets alternate guidance from the, um, from the trial judge, now that we've got in the weeds about the appeal, tell me what you've thought about, um, Aaron, in watching the first two and a half days of Trump in the courtroom, out of the courtroom, the way they've approached the first witness, opening statements, anything from your own trial experience that you think is really interesting to explain this to our listeners and followers, we're all ears. Yeah, so one really interesting thing is what you just explained, which is, you know, that they started to, with this interlocutory or intermediate appeal happening during the case. If this was a criminal case, for example, which is which would normally be in front of a jury, because, of course, this is a bench trial, which is, means it's only a judge trial. And there's been a lot of a lot of talk about why it's a, a bench or, or a judge trial and not a jury trial. But if this was a criminal prosecution, and the uh, the defense 
took a, an Article 78 appeal or this intermediate step, you know, this interlocutory appeal where you don't appeal after the conviction, you appeal in the middle. As a prosecutor, I would have probably asked to hit pause and not continued with the other counts. Uh, the reason is several fold. Number one, I don't want to try this case twice if it comes back. It's a lot of witnesses, what, 100 and or actually 25 fact witnesses, I think this one they said, right? But it's a lot of witnesses and a lot of tricky witnesses. You know, I wouldn't want to have to call, you know, put, put my entire case on. And also don't forget criminals beyond a reasonable doubt, not my favorite in the world, preponderance of the evidence, which is a much, much, much lower standard. And so I wouldn't want to create that record. And, and as, as a result, I would have pressed pause and not allowed it to have the risk of two possible trials. I would want to resolve this interlocutory part first and then do the whole thing one way or another. But so it just, that's why I guess it was so confusing to me because I just strategically, this is a, a new thing that for me, I hadn't seen something like this before. But uh, the trial, so it's, it's, it's really interesting. The trial is very, very heated and very fiery, which judge trials or bench trials typically are not. Usually defense attorneys save that for the jury, the outrage, et cetera. Really what all they're doing here is pissing off the judge and he's, he's signaling that, right? He's saying, you know, I already ruled on that. Like how many times does he have to say, I've already ruled on that. That's not what this trial is about. I mean, move along, Miss Haba, you know, that kind of thing. They're just, they really want to just play to Donald Trump. And it's very clear that that's what they're doing, that they are that they are rehashing and recycling the same old tired arguments that have been rejected over and over again and grandstanding. And as the judge said, wasting his time hashing things, rehashing things that have already been decided upon. And, and all that's going to do is irritate the judge, who is the ultimate fact finder here. So, again, makes no sense whatsoever why they're doing that. But. I think they're doing that because that's what Trump wants and they just do whatever he says. And one thing that, that I found also very interesting in this trial was that he would make these public statements, but on his way in, you know, this was, this is a civil case, which means he was not required to be present. He chose to be present. If you recall, he was not present at his E. Jean Carroll defamation trial. He didn't show up. So why did he show up to this one? And a lot of people are theorizing that it's because, you know, what Trump cares about the most is his money. And that goes to the heart of who he is. And so he really cares about this case. I suppose that's a possible reason why he showed up. I think another possible reason is so that he can use this as a campaign, a campaign uh, stop, if you will. Right. You know, he could he could go wherever he wants, Iowa, New Hampshire, where he says he's going to go or where he says he'd rather be. And you wouldn't have news. You wouldn't really have news coverage uh, of those speeches that he's giving. You know, that would be something that you would you would, maybe Fox would cover, but nobody else would. But here, every every station, all they do is talk about and cover what he says on his way into court and on his way out of court. And, you know, because there's no cameras in this courtroom and it's not audio fed, the public doesn't have any sense of what's going on in the courtroom. They don't know other than what is reported, which is, is very different than hearing it yourself and seeing it yourself. So when he comes out and says things about what happened, that's what a lot of people are gleaning from, from, uh, from what's happening inside the courtroom. And interestingly, there's now a, a blending of inside and outside the courtroom because apparently he went out and said that the judge ruled something uh, 
and he said it on TV. And then he goes into the courtroom and the judge puts on the record, I did not say that. And basically called him out and said, you're a liar, you know, for what you said outside of court. So it's just very interesting to watch what's happening here and what, why he's doing what he's doing and why he's, he's using this as an opportunity to get as much and maximum coverage to get his side of the story out. And the defense that they're trying to shop around in the court of public opinion, not in court, because this won't fly, is that there were no victims here, that they, the banks made money and they got all their money, they, they, the loans got paid back, they, they made money off of this, I'm a good businessman. So what's the harm? Why is this, you know, why is this case being brought? This makes no sense. It's a witch hunt. And that's his, that's his defense you know, his, his emotional defense. It's not a legal defense, but it's what he's trying to win, win over hearts and minds in the public, right? And, and so it made me really think about something you said earlier, Popak, um, about, you know, the difference between theft and fraud. And they're two completely separate concepts in the law, right? And, and there are statutes criminal and civil that cover each of these things, right? And so theft involves the direct physical taking of property or money. You know, it's literally taking something tangible from somebody with the intention of permanently depriving somebody of that property, right? That's what theft is. And he is not charged with theft. He is charged with persistent fraud. And what is fraud, right? Fraud is about manipulation, deception, misrepresentation, right? That's what fraud is. And I think, Popak, you've done an excellent job at really describing why fraud is such a cancer on our economy, on our markets, on our free markets, on just fair business dealing, right? And and I think that's the thing that really needs to be uh, hit home and needs to be beat back when he says, oh, but they made money. Yeah, but they made money uh, based on false pretenses, right? It's not, it's not okay to, you know, like, pump up the value of a stock based on false information. Oh, but we all made money. No, that's not the way the markets work, right? And fraud is just is just the worst. It's our economy, our free free society, you know, our free market, our capitalism does not work if fraud is allowed to be one of the elements that allows people to make money, then suddenly, you know, that that's the opposite of what we stand for. And that's what that's what this trial is about is his fraud. And so I think that that is is something that the the attorney general's office also has been really doing an excellent job at covering by by putting on their witnesses, you know, so far the um, the accountant, uh, Donald Ender, I think his name is from the Mazars firm. You know, he's he, they're basically I think he's been on the stand for three days and they're cross examining him and throwing him under the bus. Well, you know, you're the expert. We relied on you and, you know, you should have done your job. You know why? That's what you made millions of dollars for was to was to do these statements of financial condition. But you didn't even do a basic audit. You didn't. You know, so they're, they're throwing everyone under the bus and not trying to take responsibility. Let me ask you a question again. about that. Let me from your trained eye. Do you think the. Putting Don Bender on trial as a way to show lack of intent, because this is a whole fight about uh, these counts, about intent. And it sounds odd to those that don't practice the law, but there are certain claims in fraud 
that you have to prove in order to prevail, whether you're the attorney general or you're just a, a former business partner who's suing, you know, somebody they used to work with or whatever, you got defrauded. You have some, some, there are some requirements that you show that the person intended to do that. It wasn't an accidental fraud. They didn't back into it. And so there's that fight, right? Chris Kyson is opening um, for Donald Trump said there was no intent to defraud. And that's why they keep focusing on that, because they're trying to ring the bell for Judge Angoron, who's sitting presiding over the case, to say you might have been able to grant the first one because there is no intent element under New York law um, for that. But for the rest, you can't show intent. And we're going to go beat up Don Bender because um, who also testified successfully for the Manhattan DA's office, your old, your old employer, in the tax fraud case that was that um, Alvin Bragg successfully brought against Trump, Trump Organization, and Alan Weisselberg. He testified there. I mean, who better to testify? The guy that's not only spent 12 years doing the Trump org tax returns, he's been doing the tax returns for the kids and for Donald Trump himself and for Alan Weisselberg himself personally. Nobody knows where the bodies are buried more than Donald Bender. But what, what, my, I guess my question, I, I, got, I got a little sidetracked there, is from your perspective, do you think they're scoring points with Judge Angoron to make this People versus Donald Bender instead of Donald Trump. No, of course not. And that's again why the strategy <laughs> makes no sense, right? The strategy right. makes no sense. They're just they're not trying this, they're they're they just don't care to try this case in any way that is serious. I mean, they just want to use it as a way to gripe, you know, do their do their personal gripes and then claim being the victim, you know, and grievances. And that's it. They're not this is not a normal trial with normal lawyers who are thinking strategically about trying to win over the judge, you know, trying to like just the, the real nuances. I mean, there, there's some issues here that I think they could potentially play with, right? The intent and materiality elements of, of the remaining counts, that the intent to defraud or the intent to deceive, or was were these, you know, some of these lies, were they material to, you know, the to the to the business deal? Um, that and and that's something that they might be able to to have some legs if they tried it seriously, but they, they're really not trying this seriously. They're, they're using it as a, grand, a place to grandstand and continue to shop around their gripes. You, you and, know how I know you're right, besides the fact that you're generally right, is I had a case once where, um, in arbitration, where the opposing lawyer who had a really bad reputation started off his opening, his opening statement attacking the arbitrator. He had done his research. He hated this arbitrator from the moment he got selected. And he, and he said, for once in your life, perhaps you'll rule in favor of the plaintiff instead of the defendant, which you've spent your entire life. And I'm thinking, <clears throat> I thought this, this is either genius or this is insanity. In my head, I had to go next. I'm thinking he's either going to make this guy rule in his favor or hate him forever and not rule in his favor. I wonder which it'll be. And it was what I thought. The judge, the arbitrator hated him did not take kindly to being attacked, felt he had, a, he had to defend his professional honor um, <laughs> at the start. But at the beginning, I was almost, I was almost a little bit, um, you know, tipping my hat. Like, this is, I, this is an interesting strategy. Go after the judge from the opening bell. That's what they're doing here. You got Alina Haba gesticulating and harumphing every time something doesn't go their way. Chris Kais seems 
you know, Donald Trump throwing his hands up in the air. So my working theory, I want to get your opinion on this as always. My working theory is that they, he's like, Donald Trump once again here anyway, is like a riverboat gambler with nothing to lose. He knows he's not going to win this trial. He knows if he didn't know it before Tuesday last week when the judge ruled against him, he certainly knows it now. And he's and he probably knows the appellate court's not going to be any better for him. And so he's getting in his shots. He's like, you know what? I paid the price of admission. I'm going to it's like when you go to a movie and all you want to do is throw popcorn at the screen and yell and scream instead of watching the movie. That's where Donald Trump is. He's just throwing popcorn at the screen, yelling and screaming because he knows nothing he's going to say or do is going to change Judge Angoron's mind based on the facts and the law that he committed persistent fraud in his entire empire was based on a lie and a series of lies consistently given. Over and over again. And if you're going to do that, if you know you've lost, then you hold press conferences at every turn. You come back late to the court. You you show your disdain for the judge in a way that I've never seen a defendant quite do that because you're going to lose anyway. And you might as well get your get your punches in while you can for your like you said your your political audience. Is that why he's acting out and his lawyers are acting out? I mean, what do you think? Honestly, I think you're we're giving you're giving them too much credit. I don't think they're that smart. I just don't, you know, because then that would I, I think they're just, I, you know, they're just, uh, you know, it's hard to it's hard to understand how they think. You know, part of me was wondering is Donald Trump is the only reason he's showing up trying to get out of being deposed by Michael Cohen's lawyer, right? He was supposed to sit for a deposition on Tuesday. And and he said, well, I can't possibly sit for the deposition because, you know, I was, I'm going to, I have to be on, I have to be here in court. So, uh, you know, I think that's as much of a possibility as anything else. Right. Why you, he, but, but that's why going forward on the 10th or the 9th or the 10th. But yeah. Look, sure. I think it's, I think it's what we've all said. He knew the media trucks were going to be all out in front of 60 Center Street. He had a he had a captive audience, literally. He steps into the courtroom, flash of cameras, microphones. That's his favorite place to be. And he gets to do all the bashing, knowing there's nothing to lose because he's not going to. I mean, new, I hate to be spoiler alert, tell you what happens at the end of this trial. He is not winning this trial. I mean, he may prevail on one or two counts. I doubt even that. Judging. I, I, yeah. I, I have a prediction. Yeah. OK, I yeah. think I think because. Judge Ngoron has been attacked and accused so many times of being biased and making his mind up ahead of time and not listening to the arguments. I think he's going to throw them one count. Okay. I think he's there's going to be one count at least sure. that Ngoron like insurance said, fraud. That would be the one I probably whatever it is. Just right. just say yeah, maybe. you know what I didn't and, and it'll show that he because that way he could it'll show and the appellate courts will say yeah, he didn't you. just you know go all the way for the attorney general he right. was right. thoughtful it'll, yeah will insulate him from the appellate yeah. from the appellate review no I agree with that there's a vicious rumor out there that Judge Angoron knows about our show so welcome welcome if that's true <laughs> we hope that we started pronouncing your name right a long time ago <laughs> which is a good thing um so you know that was the first three days you know don bender wrap up I, I agree with you. I think the trial of Don Bender is not going well for Donald Trump. I don't think that is moving the needle one iota with Judge Ngoron about the issues that are in play and that he needs to focus on for the Trump fraud. I almost said crimes because they are crimes too. The Trump fraud 
and the preponderance of evidence standard that the that the magist that the um, New York Attorney General needs to meet, which is just slightly more likely than not that these things happened, and you can't look at these records. And maybe there's a couple in there that they they pinned on Don Bender, you know, like um, officially. They go, well, why didn't you catch the size? I love this one. Why didn't you catch that the size of the apartment was wrong? It's like, I don't know. It was a mistake by the Trump organization and we didn't catch it. But, you know, we didn't think. They I don't were know. I've never been inside there before. <laughs> right. Well, Bender might have been because Bender's been around a long while. That's why they that's why the temperature went up. And I have a comment as a as a as a trial lawyer like you about what's going on with Donald Trump. The temperature went way up in the room. You know, Eric, Eric Trump, who's a nail biter, go look it up, was biting his nails so much that the press commented on it while his accountant, Don Bender, was ripping down the family, you know, with with all the charts and graphs and this kind of methodical. It can be mind numbing to the uninitiated, uninitiated, but to a trial judge that's trying to get to the bottom of financial fraud, he's hanging on every word. Sometimes juries fall asleep during these kind of let's go to check number 101. Let's go. What's on the endorsement of that check? And you're like, you look over at your jury and they're like, you know, so you can tell they're sleeping with their eyes open. But a judge, Judge Angoron, who's, let's be frank, he's kind of eaten up the media attention. He smiled for the camera to start the trial, took off his glasses and looked over at the at the panel of, of photographers. He's hanging on every word. And so, but I have, from my, and I'm not a, this is just my armchair analysis doing this for 32 years. Donald Trump is having to sit and actually watch evidence be presented against him, watch an opening statement, watch methodically a skilled uh, attorney general, um, Mr. Wallace, who's doing it for the for Letitia James, walk through evidence and have to actually sit and listen. You can see him at his breaks. It's taking something out of him. He looks if you if you if we lined up video from him a month ago and him at these breaks, he's flagging. He it looks like they're getting their pound of flesh out of him because it's it's one thing to, to miss the E. Jean Carroll case where you're being accused and eventually found to be a, a rapist and just do it from a Scottish golf course or bunker. And, and, and attack everything because you're getting these reports by lawyers who are afraid of you, your own lawyers, and are afraid to speak truth to power, all right? And you're not getting the full report. It's another, quite another thing to sit in a courtroom and have the case presented against you, um, knowing that your fate is in the hands of somebody else, somebody who you don't like and you don't trust about all of your business operation. He's just turned the keys of his entire business empire over to Judge Arthur and Goran. I mean, and that is, is not is something that I think is eventually, uh, that's why I don't think I was surprised to learn right before we went on the air that Trump hightailed it back down to Florida. And I don't think, as I said on another hot take of mine, uh, if we see him at three or four more occasions that, you know, you have a speculation as to where he, when he might show up again. If we see him in 10 out of the 100 days of trial, I'd be surprised. Yeah, I agree. So let's talk about something that's near and dear to your heart, which is... Um, Criminal uh, criminal defendants um, going after, or criminally accused defendants who have been indicted, going after prosecutors, their families, judges, um, staff, and clerks, and all the rest, and all the attempts at gag orders uh, by judges, various judges, federal and state, 
against Donald Trump. I want to hear it uh, from you because you've got a very passionate and really right on opinion about it. But first, word from our sponsor. Did you know that your temperature at night can have one of the greatest impacts on your sleep quality? If you wake up too hot or too cold, I highly recommend you check out Miracle Made's bed sheets. Inspired by NASA, Miracle Made uses silver infused fabrics and makes temperature regulating bedding so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. Using silver infused fabrics originally inspired by NASA, Miracle Made sheets are thermoregulating and designed to keep you at the perfect temperature all night long. So you get better sleep every night. These sheets are infused with silver that prevent up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, leaving them to stay cleaner and fresher three times longer than other sheets. No more gross odors. Miracle sheets are luxuriously comfortable without the high price tag of other luxury brands and feel as nice, if not nicer, than bed sheets used by some five-star hotels. Stop sleeping on bacteria. Bacteria can clog your pores, causing breakouts and acne. Sleep clean with Miracle. Go to trymiracle.com slash legalaf to try Miracle made sheets today. And whether you're buying them for yourself or as a gift for a loved one, if you order today, you can save over 40%. And if you use our promo legalaf at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. Miracle is so confident in their product, it's back with a 30-day money-back guarantee. And if you're not 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash legalaf and use the code legalaf to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40%. Again, that's trymiracle.com slash legalaf to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. This is Michael Popak from Legal AF. If you're like me, you understand the pains of choosing what to wear. Let's face it. Most clothes are uncomfortable or too tight or are never actually the size you really are not to mention the annoyance of trying to put a good outfit together. And when you do have a good fit, you can only wear it for a few hours before you have an important meeting or dinner, and then you gotta change all over again. Everyone wants to dress the best and look good at all times because frankly, it's a confidence booster. So here's the deal. Men's closets were due for a radical reinvention and Roan stepped up to the challenge. Roan's commuter collection is the most comfortable, breathable and flexible set of products known to man. And here's why. Roan helps you get ready for any occasion with the Commuter Collection, which offers the world's most comfortable pants, dress shirts, one-quarter zips, and polos. You never have to worry about what to wear when you have the Roan Commuter Collection. Roan's comfortable four-way stretch fabric provides breathability and flexibility that leaves you free to enjoy whatever life throws your way, from your commute to work to your 18 holes of golf. It's time to feel confident without the hassle. With Roan's wrinkle release technology, wrinkles disappear as you stretch and wear the products. It's that easy. And with its gold fusion anti-odor technology, you'll be smelling fresh and clean all day long. And on top of that, Roan is 100% machine washable, so you can ditch the dry cleaner altogether. I absolutely love Roan. As you can see, this has truly become my go-to commuter fit and on the Legal AF podcast recordings. We're on the move a lot, whether it's jumping from meeting to meeting or catching a flight or an important dinner. The Roan Commuter Collection has never let me down. The versatility and comfort of the collection is undefeated. Even after I wear it all day, I still feel super fresh because of that Gold Fusion anti-odor technology. 
The commuter collection can get you through any workday and straight into whatever comes next. Head to roan.com slash legalaf and use promo code legalaf to save 20% on your entire order. That's 20% on your entire order when you head to r-h-o-n-e slash legalaf, promo code legalaf. Find your corner office. We're very excited about our sponsors. I watch your ads. I watch my ads. Sometimes you you catch me because I'm I'm watching my ad. Um, but we, I'm just going to remind people as as um, your your Klingon dogs there move around. Um, we don't have we don't have outside investors. We 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 contribute our sweat equity to this, and the way we keep this whole thing afloat, keep the content coming, is through a combination of Patreon. Um, people donating and advertisers and the advertisers are a big key to our podcast. Um, I did the podcast for a long time without an ad because, um, you know, I'm just kind of devoted that way and I I wanted to do it, but it it wasn't sustainable. Uh, Speaking of sustainability, it wasn't a sustainable business model, uh, even a hobby model to do that. And I'm so thrilled that, um, led by one of the brothers who will remain nameless uh we've been able to build a um infrastructure of progressive uh, um ad um advertisers who support our show and 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 what we do here and uh, want to make their own connection in their own way to our listeners and followers and so again a little shout out to Miracle Made and to Roan. Um, am I wearing Roan today? No, but I do wear a lot of Roan. Um, so that's my husband. Well, he loves them. Oh, God. And the new one, the Midweight Commuter Collection. Love it for the winter. See? Free ad for Roan. Let's turn, and I'll turn it over to you. Um, we've got judges, judges, judges who've been trying conditions of bond and release um, have put restrictions on Trump's conduct and behavior. Actual orders, Judge Angoron ordering Donald Trump not to attack staff of his, and in this case, his principal law clerk. Um, every every court, except for Judge Cannon, has, has, has entertained some sort of protective order or gag order, starting with way back when with Judge Mershon in the Stormy Daniels hush money cover-up case and how he had a, you know, it's, it's hard sometimes being the first, navigate at minefield of First Amendment rights for a person who's campaigning for president for president of the United States, of all things, and the not interfering with the proper administration of justice. And Judge Chutkin has a decision to make. She's got a fully briefed um, on a request by Jack Smith, special counsel, to enter into a um, a restriction on Donald Trump attacking all categories of stakeholders in our justice system that she's going to rule on. And and I want to hear your opinion about whether you think Jack Smith's going to do a supplemental based on some recent things that Donald Trump has done just in the trial that we're watching. Although I'm sure Judge Chutkin and her staff are watching these press conferences and all these other things and kind of coming up with their own opinions. Okay, that's the frame. Go after it. You're very passionate about it. We want to hear from you. It's really interesting because this, the way Donald Trump and the way he attacks uh, judges, um, witnesses, prosecutors, uh, normal everyday civilians, right? Just anybody he wants, it's, it's and, and foments violence through his followers. And January 6th, I think, being the most obvious 
example of his rhetoric, his violent rhetoric, actually whipping up his followers into violence. And he does it constantly. And we discussed earlier before we before we started taping the podcast, we were discussing whether we had the resources at Midas Touch to create a digest, if you will, all in one place of all his threats, all of his uh, threats against judges, witnesses in chronological order, including the gag orders, where they fit in, because it's literally he's told not to do something. He does it immediately after. It's like this it, automatic reaction. And yet there are almost no consequences. And and by having almost no consequences, it normalizes this behavior and makes it seem as if this is okay, as if this is free speech, as if violence and threats is something we have a right to do. Uh, we have a First Amendment right to do, and we don't, right? The First Amendment is not absolute. And when, when you're words turn into conduct and create violence and threats. It is no longer protected speech. And he absolutely utilizes the weapon of speech at every turn. And there are real consequences. There have been death threats. There have been uh, all sorts of, of violent uh, reactions from other people as a result of his actions. And, you know, we talk about it all the time. What are some of the examples of these threats, right? Some of them, the one I always like to, to show or talk about is the baseball bat, the picture that he posts of a base, him holding a baseball bat. And then this, the picture next to it is Alvin Bragg, the Manhattan DA's head. If that isn't a direct threat, I don't know what is. Or what he said about Mar um, General Milley, right? When he said, he said he deserves the firing squad, the death penalty, right? Or he says shoplifters should be shot. That's what should happen, okay? I mean, look at look at what he talks about. It's violence. Or what he said about, about, uh, about um, Attorney General Tish James, uh, I think it was couple of days ago when he literally he literally said um, you ought to go after this attorney general how is that not an explicit call at, on for others to attack physically attack uh, attorney general Letitia James right he called Justice Ngoron a rogue judge you know, who should be out of office and that the case against uh, Trump, obviously, he always says is a disgrace, a witch hunt, etc. And then yesterday he started posting about Angoron's staff member, this poor woman who's a civil servant, like a public servant who works for the judge. And starts. It's, it's, it just reminds me of Shea Moss and, and Ruby Freeman, somebody just doing their job. And he posts uh, pictures of them with lies, you know, and he, he posted a picture of her online. It's essentially doxing her and who she what she looks like and and and, and basically unleashing his his followers on her. And the judge had to issue what they're calling a gag order. It's not a gag order, you know, saying, oh, you're no longer allowed to threaten anybody. And his 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 uh, Trump's lawyers said, oh, there's no need for a gag order because threats are already punishable by law. I actually agree with his attorney. Donald Trump should be prosecuted and punished for his threats. He should be arrested, prosecuted, and put in 
jail. I don't understand why we treat him with such kid gloves. I don't think it matters that he's running for president anymore. It does not give you a license to create violence, to encourage violence, and to put real lives in danger. Someone is going to get hurt. And there's no doubt about it. Somebody is going to get hurt. There are already is 24-7 protection for the prosecutors here uh, and for, you know, for the judges, et cetera. But Jan Goron comes with a security detail that, that, okay. that, bring, that bring him into the courtroom. But, but let me ask you, I, I like it. And I don't want anybody to think I don't like this. However, let's think of the imagery of a guy that's going to run for president sitting in a jail for a period of time because he violated some order and um looks not he's not violating an order he's violating the law you're not allowed to say you know you should go after the attorney general because she's a racist like you're not mm -hmm. oh, that's not free speech you're not allowed to hold a baseball bat to you know some a, a prosecutor's head yeah, but it, if a it guy doesn't come with the ter it doesn't come with the territory as somebody yeah. as, as somebody who has had death threats right yeah. I had to have police cars outside my kids' school. I had a Molotov cocktail. It was all because of my husband, not me. But I had a, who, who used to be a, well, he used to be a prosecutor. No, I'm just saying, I, I did have death threats to myself. I did. And it's not fun. It's unsettling to have to be escorted in and out of a building or to guy... be escorted in and out home. And it doesn't come with the territory. You don't sign up for that. You're serving. But if a guy or a, if a person stood in front of the fountain of Washington Square Park on a soapbox with a with a with a speaker or microphone and yelled out and just repeated verbatim the things that Donald Trump has said, you should go after the New York attorney general and run her out of town. And the Angoron is a political animal. And and um, you and you and here's a picture that I've made of of me holding a baseball bat next to a picture of Alvin Bragg. Is, are the New York police going to arrest that guy and put him in jail? Depends on who he is. Or is that, or is that First Amendment political speech? Depends on who he is. If he's someone who, uh, in the past, when he said that, all of his followers, all of the people, his audience, turned around and, um, and created extreme violence, right? If that, like on January 6th, if, if that person had a history of being able to what you would call incite a riot and incite violence, and he knew that that's what his words would do, and you can show that with a history of, of this, and that and then you are, he is told over and over again and warned over and over again not to do it, but he does it anyway, you damn right would he be prosecuted for that. It's, it's, it's both objective and subjective, you know, analysis, like it's both reasonable. Um, it, it's not, it's, you know, everything is co context matters, right? You could run into a theater, a movie theater, where no one is there but you and scream fire. Is that a crime? No. You go in and you and it's crowded and there's a hundred people in that theater and you run in and you scream fire and everybody runs out and people get trampled and, and somebody gets killed. Is that a crime? Yes. So why haven't the, why haven't the judges done it? Because everybody is afraid of him. They are. They're afraid of. I don't know why he's being treated differently than every other defendant. If there was another defendant on trial in any other case any other case who threatened a judge, who threatened a prosecutor, who put a picture of the judge's court staff online 
that person would be put in jail. Mm -hmm. Period. I agree with that. That happens in every case, in every courtroom, for every defendant in this country, in in New York. I shouldn't say in this country, probably mostly in this country, but in New York. That is how people are treated. That is what happens when you do this, but not him. If he wasn't running for office, I I think they'd pull the trigger. Right. I I do. Guess what? He ran for office as a. To, this is his Teflon. This is his. Defense. Oh no, no! I know that's why he's running for office. <laughs> but if he was just former, if he was just real estate, whatever. What do they call him? I saw it today in the New York Post. Um, real estate mogul, um, Donald Trump, um, citizen Trump. You're right. I don't think he'd, he'd be able to get away with it. And what we're watching is the judiciary struggle to contain him. To treat him like anybody else, recognizing that he's not anybody else because he's going to be the Republican nominee for president. And while that shouldn't give him a free pass, you can see you saw the struggle start with Judge Mershon. Mm-hmm. How do I thread the needle between his First Amendment rights to campaign and to talk about the case outside the courtroom in a certain way and then not intimidate witnesses, my staff? You know, not the judge. Judges never say them because they don't want to. Th- they don't want to act like they've got a thin skin. Now it's really going to come to a head with Judge Chutkin. Um, he hasn't tested it with Judge McAfee. Judge McAfee not only made the the jury anonymous in Georgia. We're going to talk about Georgia next, but in a one page order, like okay, that's a good idea. We're going to make an anonymous jury, but suffused within that is a recognition, obviously by the judge, that there's somebody that needs protection from whom? From Donald Trump and the others. And so he just did it on his own. Sort of like Judge Kaplan making the E. Jean Carroll rape case an anonymous jury. So you have the judges doing that. He hasn't, Trump hasn't tested McAfee yet because McAfee has said, don't interfere, don't attack witnesses, don't attack, he didn't say prosecutors, but, but don't try to intimidate by social media or otherwise. This judge in Denver, handling the 14th Amendment disqualification case, also issued an order, but he hasn't gone after her. He he acts out in these, and Cannon isn't going to issue one. The um, magistrate judge, Judge Goodman, when he released Donald Trump um, in Mar-a-Lago, made it a condition that he not attack or go after witnesses. And so we haven't really heard violations of that, because you know Jack Smith would be the first one to complain if that were happening. So you have these limited orders, but the one that is the most on the nose to what you're trying to address, Karen, is being considered by Judge Chutkin. I guess the question for you is, is Judge Chutkin, does she have the cojones, given her background and her demeanor, to finally shut Donald Trump down with a gag order of the Department of Justice's request? And secondly, um, do you think Jack Smith sends in as a supplemental all of the um, bad things and bad conduct that Donald Trump has exhibited over the first three days of his trial in New York to Judge Chutkin to consider? It's a great, I think it's a great question. Uh, I think Judge Chutkin will do something limited. I don't know if she'll even go as far as what Jack Smith has asked for. I think she'll say things like can't threaten witnesses, et cetera. I think she'll, she'll, she'll be very narrowly tailored. Um, but she'll do something for sure. I mean, and and yeah, I think I think I think if I were Jack Smith, I would want to expand my record with with the rest of these threats. Because again, 
Context matters, intention matters. Yes, it's a separate proceeding, but look at what he does. And again, if I were Jack Smith, you know, and, and Goran doesn't have to worry about a jury pool being poisoned. It's just him. He's worried about the safety of his staff. But Judge Chutkin and Jack Smith have to also protect a future jury pool, not only from threats and violence, which is one issue. They also have to protect the integrity of the trial. And so that's kind of the the two separate issues at play here. And, and the protecting the integrity of the trial is one type of request, if you will, that, that Jack Smith is making about the jurors, about, you know, et cetera. But, but really what I'm talking about is, is protecting people's lives and, and protecting people from violence and from hate. Uh, death threats, because that's that's the thing that's happening. It happened to Ruby Freeman and Shea Moss. It's there's been lots of reporting about the judges and the prosecutors and even some of the witnesses receiving a lot of this type of um, this type of threatening uh, whether calls, emails, etc. And if something, God forbid, happens and someone gets hurt. I think you're going to see people react and judges react much differently. And um, although I say that, but then on January 6th, when you know the Capitol was being stormed and and there was extreme violence and people were getting hurt and police officers were 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 getting hurt and ultimately lost their lives, he sat there and did nothing, right? So, um, this is a test of the National Wireless Emergency Alert System. The purpose is to maintain and improve alert and warning capabilities at the federal, state, local, tribal, and territorial levels and to evaluate the nation's public alert and warning capabilities. No action is required by the public. So we're doing this uh, presidential alert 4370. National Wireless Emergency Alert System. Crybaby Trump arrives for trial day three, instantly loses his mind. Two hours ago. Did you know that people everywhere are recommending GoodRx? My neighbor showed me the app. Tell me. This trial is a disgrace. Where's the court ordered psychiatric evaluation?
horrible attorney general, this woman that ran for governor and failed. You know, she did this because she was running for governor. And then she ran and she failed. She had no calls and they forced her out. And she came back and she became attorney general again. And we got stuck with her. That was Donald Trump whining as he entered court for day three of trial in the New York Attorney General civil fraud case against Donald Trump. In addition to whining like you just saw and saying that he believes his disclaimer, which he calls a worthless clause, means that all of his statement of financial conditions and other financial representations and fraud should not even be evaluated by banks or tax authorities or insurers. It should just be completely viewed as worthless. Donald Trump here attacks New York Attorney General Letitia James and calls her a political animal. Play the clip. You borrow money, you pay it back, and you get sued by a political animal. And that's where we are. And that's the way it goes. And that's why New York State is failing, and that's why companies are leaving by the thousands. I'll see you later. So you have Donald Trump saying that he can commit fraud if he has a disclaimer, which is false. You have Donald Trump calling the New York Attorney General a political animal, dehumanizing her. And here you have Donald Trump whining, saying that if he had a jury, he would win, but because he doesn't have a jury, that's the reason why he is losing. Play the clip. But if I had a jury, we'd win this case very easily, but I don't have a jury. And you see what's happening. Because it's the railroad. Lawyer fucked up. And the lawyer forgot to check the box. Nah. Nah. <laughs> beginning of communism in our country. This is the beginning of communism. So, yeah, we're going back in playing the game and doing everything right. But just to remember, Esta es la prueba del sistema nacional de alerta inalámbrica de esta es una prueba del Sistema Nacional de Alerta Inalámbrica de Emergencia. El propósito es mantener y mejorar las capacidades de alerta y advertencia a nivel general, estatal, local, tribal y territorial y evaluar las capacidades de alerta y advertencia pública de la nación. No se requiere ninguna acción por parte del público. El propósito es mantener el purpose, propósito. Es mantener y me, me, improve, mejorar las capacidades de alerta y advertencia a nivel federal, estatal, local, tribal y territorial y evaluar las capacidades de alerta y advertencia pública de la nación no se requiere ninguna acción por parte del público on the part of the public.
<coughs> por parte. Okay. This is the test. Borrow money. The statements were perfect. Not only perfect, the statements are much more conservative than my real net worth. My real net worth is much higher, not well, much higher than the state. Well, you don't have a jury, Donald Trump, because your lawyer, Alina Haba, failed to check the box saying that you wanted a jury trial. You did not demand a jury trial, nor have you challenged the fact that there is no jury trial at all in any of the pleadings, in any of the paperwork. So let me get this straight. You're going out there every single day, you whine and saying that you have a disclaimer that allows you to commit fraud, which does, isn't true. You call the prosecutor a political animal. You're whining that you don't have a jury trial. Also, by the way, the judge, Judge Ngoron, has already granted partial summary judgment against you. Whether there was a jury trial or not a jury trial, the judge has the power to grant summary judgment, and the judge found, based on the undisputed facts, based on the statements that you made, based on the tax assessments, based on the statement of financial conditions, based on the statements by your outside accountants, like the one testifying today, Donald Bender from the Mazers firm, that there was persistent and systemic fraud by you, your adult kids, Don Jr. and Eric, and the various entities you control, like the Trump Organization. Here, by the way, is Donald Trump before he goes into court for the day. He's asked a question about becoming Speaker of the House because our media is completely broken, and they think that having someone like Donald Trump call the prosecutor a political animal is hilarious <laughs> and they're asked questions <laughs> like oh well Marjorie Taylor Greene said that you would become the Speaker of the House would you become the Speaker of the House and Donald Trump says that he thinks that Marjorie Taylor Greene's a great person and that he would consider it here play this clip roofers are furious about this new roofers. product that's going viral replace your whole roof in as little as eight hours person and that he would consider it. Here, play this clip. Try to make him have speaker. What are we gonna do? How do we? How do we? How do we? How do we stop that? Make him have speaker. Not speaker. <clears throat> Thank <laughs> you.
Follows Donald Trump having a gag order imposed on him after he threatened Judge Ngoron's law clerk in day two of trial. Donald Trump posted a false, and malicious, then, and, then and defamatory message on his social media platform with a photo of Judge Ngoron's law clerk, who's heavily. involved in these proceedings who's in court while Donald Trump is in court while testimony is taking place Donald Trump is like loudly whispering and whining to his lawyers and he's posting on his social media like a petulant third grade fascist bully he's posting that the judge's law clerk with a photo and her Instagram link is a girlfriend of Chuck Schumer and that's why he's losing just spreading utterly deranged and dangerous conspiracies so the judge called him into chambers imposed a gag order on him because of his despicable conduct and with the gag order Donald Trump is still doing all of the things I showed you and all of the thi all of these video clips of Donald Trump he's still engaging in that conduct so what's going on in day three of trial more testimony from Donald Trump's outside former accountant uh, from the Mazers firm, which no longer represents Donald Trump, Donald Bender, who's been providing testimony about Donald Trump's false financial valuations and how Bender warned them. And that will be in stark contrast to Donald Trump's CFO, who will testify soon, Alan Weisselberg. Here's a little portion of Alan Weisselberg's deposition where Weisselberg says he's not a CPA and he doesn't know generally accepted accounting principles. Play the clip. If I said the phrase GAAP, G-A-A-P, are you familiar with that I, acronym? I, I've heard of that, yes. Okay. Tell me everything you know about GAAP. What is GAAP? Generally accepted accounting principles. I, I don't know what's in GAAP. I never took the CPA exam okay. and never studied for it. So I don't know all the various components of what GAAP is. Are there any components you know about what GAAP is? Not really. Okay. No. Which is noteworthy, by the way, because Donald Trump, in his deposition testimony, and Trump's going to be testifying at trial soon, said that Alan Weisselberg was the one who knew generally accepted accounting principles. Play the clip. To meet your obligation here of presenting the information in accordance with GAAP, was Alan Weisselberg responsible for that? Check to the form. I would say yes. And folks, all of that is important because Donald Trump and the Trump Organization would sign documents that the statements conformed with generally accepted accounting principles and nobody at the Trump Organization knows what generally accepted accounting principles are so their certifications were false as well. We'll keep you updated as we get more information but there you have a petulant, whiny Donald Trump acting 
so disgraceful, which is par for the course with him, but he's a complete and utter embarrassment for our nation. Hit subscribe. We're on our way to 2 million subscribers here at the Midas Touch Network. And if you want to support the growth of this independent platform, check us out at patreon.com slash Midas Touch. Have a great day. Hey, Midas Mighty. Love this report? Continue the conversation by following us on Instagram, at Midas Touch. Keep up with the most important news of the day. What are you waiting for? Follow us now. <laughs> TikTok made me do it. If you use TikTok, you might have Persistent seen videos like and these systemic recently fraud. claiming that the combination of L-tyrosine and B vitamins is like a natural Adderall. If you thought about purchasing these... <sighs> They're going to try to make him house speaker, then he will be third in line. Very dangerous for the executive. Persistent and systemic fraud. Should be uh, dual podcasting because they've been shutting me down a lot. <coughs> Hi there. Welcome back. Thanks for, well, 266K on one podcast. And I'm trying to stay away. I mean, like... Like physically stay it because they're doing that test, and who the fuck knows what they're doing with those wireless? Yeah. I feel kind of like I'm being zapped, actually, and uh, like there's a little like ache in my. I got like an ache that's really good. Anyway, so, it's not a good time to be putting my face close to my phones, I figure. Well, I feel, that's what I feel. Um, I'm going to take, um, take a screenshot. Quickly. Oops. Skip pads. Very long. I'm going to use the fact that, uh, you know, space cells to um, to get, uh, you know, what I've been doing is taking a screenshot of my comments and the picture and then adding music to that and Turning that into a TikTok and put like just prayers, trip for prison. So I'm, this is, you know, what what you're supposed to do apparently from what I've learned is uh, you know you get kind of like a uh, template kind of. It's not the word they use to describe it, but a format, a format that's appealing. And anyway, so I'm gonna read. Uh, yeah, making TikToks out of that, and then spreading that all over. But 
thing with uh, YouTube, YouTube has violations for copyright. So I'm telling you, I'm telling you all my media secrets, my media blood secrets. And I should do it. This is this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do a podcast um, that you know, about my media blitz secrets and um, how to wage a public media campaign. We got fucking um, chopper or playing drums overheads. I'm not doing any fucking thing. I'm just thinking. They don't even want you to think. That's why they're spraying all that shit in the air. Yeah, Prince was right, people. By the way, I thought it was interesting that that Prince was on Warren Buffett's private plane when he had that like overdose in the air. Or something, some kind of medical emergency. Remember, they had to, they had to land the plane. And uh, yeah, secrets of the media blitzing. Tina <laughs> Donner and blitzing. Media blitzing. Secrets of the media blitzing. How to wage a public media campaign. Or media is already public. So a, a media campaign, a, a political is kind of my specialty. And then give this to the young Dems. Tell them to run for office. Here's how. Here's how to start a video. Did you know? Did you know? Eight million new millennial voters <laughs> become eligible to vote in 2024. Did you know? Diaper Donald lost to Hillary. To Hillary by three million votes. Well, even more important factoids is that uh, 
Joe Biden won by 8 million votes. Joe Biden won by 8 million votes. And there are 8 million new millennials. Joe Biden won by 8 million votes. Do you get the picture? Picture. <clears throat> Fucking success. Picture of success comes from success. campaign like it I'll do another another video to advise Joe Biden Joe Biden how to run the campaign <laughs> do a bit to advise Brandon how to run a campaign. Okay, this this will um what do you call it like uh kind of like flip the leverage over him by advising him. <laughs> I'm putting him in the subordinate position. thinking about how the, the popos, man, when they came here and raided, they didn't raid Mar-a-Lardo, that was a lawful search, but they raided Reiki Southwest. Southwest. Um, yeah, just to, like uh, utter impunity. Of uh, 
committee, well, um, you know, of, of uh, doing mis uh, open misconduct, blatant. So we told them we were recording. Though we were recording, they didn't give a fuck. Guess they thought we'd be in prison or jail. Yeah, prison. Um, eventually, uh, at least after the jail, and uh, wouldn't be able to get out because they put a high bond on it. This is the whole thing is fucking gazpacho. The whole fucking thing is gazpacho. As perjury, three-toed trader Greenman would say. As perjury, perjury, um, <clears throat> three-toed fucking lizard girl, lizard woman, three-toed trader Green. Turn, um, I should make AI turn, turn MTG into a lizard. <laughs> yeah, I have like slight aches and pains that I didn't have before this test. My wrist feels um, feels like a little pain in there. So I, I wasn't feeling any pain before before the test at all. Yeah. I was kind of scared actually because uh, you know the directed directed energy weapons and shit they're pulling on Hawaii and no fucking government's not doing anything about it even though I've been posting on you know. Joe Biden, POTUS, POTUS, hash, at sign, POTUS, at sign, Joe Biden, do your fucking job, no, do your job, and, uh, um, send in the FBI, and, and Habitat for Humanity, you know, builds, builds people homes, he just gave him $700, we are living this follows Donald Trump having a gag order imposed on him after he threatened Judge Ngoron's law clerk in day two of trial. Donald Trump posted a false, malicious, and defamatory message on his social media platform with a photo of Judge Ngoron's law clerk, who's heavily involved in these proceedings who's in court while Donald Trump is in court, while testimony is taking place, Donald Trump is like loudly whispering and whining to his lawyers, and he's posting on his social media like a petulant third grade fascist bully. He's posting that the judge's law clerk with a photo in her Instagram link is a girlfriend of Chuck Schumer, and that's why he's losing, just spreading utterly deranged and dangerous conspiracies. So the judge called him into chambers, imposed a gag order on him because of his despicable conduct. And with the gag order, Donald Trump is still doing all of the things I showed you and all of, the all of these video clips of Donald Trump. He's still engaging in that conduct.
So what's going on in day three of trial? More testimony from Donald Trump's outside former accountant uh, from the Mazers firm, which no longer represents Donald Trump. Donald Bender, who's been providing testimony about Donald Trump's false financial valuations and how Bender warned them. And that will be in stark contrast to Donald Trump's CFO, who will testify soon, Alan Weisselberg. Here's a little portion of Alan Weisselberg's deposition, where Weisselberg says he's not a CPA and he doesn't know generally accepted accounting principles. Play the clip. You having trouble paying for health care, rent, gas, groceries, and other bills? Then you've got to see this. The government is basically giving me 1,000... If I said the phrase GAAP, G-A-A-P, are you familiar with that acronym? I've heard of that, yes. Okay. Tell me everything you know about GAAP. What is GAAP? Generally accepted accounting principles. I I don't know what's in GAAP. I never took the CPA exam. Okay. I never studied for it. So I don't know all the various components of what GAAP is. Are there any components you know about what GAAP is? Not really. Okay. No. Which is noteworthy, by the way, because Donald Trump, in his deposition testimony, and Trump's going to be testifying at trial soon, said that Alan Weisselberg was the one who knew generally accepted accounting principles. Play the clip. To meet your obligation here of presenting the information in accordance with GAP, was Alan Weisselberg responsible for that? Check to the form. I would say yes. And, folks, all of that is important because Donald Trump and the Trump Organization would sign documents that the statements conformed with generally accepted accounting principles, and nobody at the Trump Organization knows what generally accepted accounting principles are, so their certifications were false as well. We'll keep you updated as we get more information, but there you have a petulant, whiny, Donald Trump acting so disgraceful, which is par for the course with him, but he's a complete and utter embarrassment for our nation. Hit subscribe. We're on our way to 2 million subscribers here at the Midas Touch Network. And if you want to support the growth of this independent platform, check us out at patreon.com slash become the speaker of the house. Would you become the speaker of the house? And Donald Trump says that he thinks that Marjorie Taylor Greene's a great person and that he would GoFund.me one oh five four three
little a, zero, two. Christopher Price, Trump the prison. Christa. Christopher Justice. Christopher Sin in 2024. I don't know if I get on the ballot and I can win. Um, over. Um, Hmm. There's a there's a great guy um, running for that seat against, uh, you know, to take it back from Carson Cinema. It should be actually pretty easy because, uh, you know, once. So I'm I'm in it for the primaries. If I can get on the ballot, I should post on my Christopher Senate page and and. Then, Spread that around, you know, like if you want me to run for Senate against, uh, um, not Manuel, not Gabriel, Gallego, Gallego, um, who is Kate Gallego's husband, so we have like a power couple, like an Arizona power couple, so that would be really cool. America, what about your plan B? What if either or both of these old fogies broke? What then? I want to be your plan B or your plan A if you're smart enough to know what's good for you, what, which you don't, obviously, from your choice of president so far. Granted, Like power concedes, like Frederick Douglass said, power concedes nothing without demand, so let's make some demands. Both main party candidates are decrepit old farts. One is too part of the establishment. The other is the worst criminal in human history. Donald Jackass Trump, a.k.a. Diaper Donald. Diaper Don is so old goes around crapping in his pants, literally stinking to high heaven, as well as committing 91 felony acts so far and four criminal indictments. Anyone who supports such a POS must be a lunatic. Supporting Trump at this point in time is tantamount to treason because Trader Trump is an unindicted terrorist and traitor. We need a moderate to progressive woman candidate, pre woman, woman president who is tough on crime, like me. We need a moderate woman president who is tough on crime like me. Smiley face.
Joseph for prize, Trump for prison. I'm filing election com complaint. I'm filing election complaint against Gary Lake. Disqualification based on seditious conduct. Has Gary Scary Lake conceded? Yet we know she's conceded, but has she conceded yet? No, I rest my case. Turns out old diaper Don Donald has a secret bank account, Chinese bank account. Did y'all know about that? Trader Trump has been a Russian asset since the 1980s. Lame-ass corporate media should look into whether fucker Carlson accepted that job with state propaganda. Russia Today. Immediately after I got fired from Fox so-called news. Fox News. Um, and why weren't... Fox executives and anchors charged as I'm the only presidential candidate. Why weren't Fox executives and anchors charged as co-conspirators in the January 6th insurrection? Why weren't they ever find out of existence? Why wasn't Fox find out of fucking existence? They, Fox, Fox. GOP traders turned out, oh yeah. Why weren't Fox ever find out of existence by FCC? Bring back fairness doctrine. Oh, yeah. Shut down. And bring back the fairness doctrine. GOP traders turned us into a shithole country. Things that make you want to go, hmm. Things that make you go, hmm. Things that make you go, hmm, hmm, hmm. Be kind to the homeless. Bring something with you when you go drive so, so you can give it away to the homeless.
call on your um Give it away now. It's our fucking resources. Help us fight the unreasonable search and seizure of our pets in the courts. HTTPS, GoFundMe. Um... Fucking healing ranch. Hashtag ACLU. Um, now giving them away.
with reparation. Give back Tristas and Anthony's pets now. Fucking money grubbing shitheads. Money grubbing monsters. Join our multi-million dollar lawsuits. They violated our in the worst country in the country. Violated, stripped. We're fighting so this can never happen to never ever happen again to any other loving pet owners in America. And now you can help us Help us demand our pets back. Call Payment Animal So-Called Care Center. Center. Hack.
also known as Pima County, Pima County Animal Care Peacock. They stole, Pima County stole my pets. Pima County stole my pets. Help us fight the unreasonable search and seizure of our pets in the courts. Any? FBI didn't raid Mar Lardo, but sure as hell raided. Ricky Southwest. A healing ranch. Reiki. I wonder if uh, following Reiki Southwest. Swiss just? It's not coming up. Ricky Southwest. Pima Sheriffs. Pima Sheriffs. Pima County Taxpayer paid Civil servants About 50 of them Swatted my home The Pima County violated violated our civil rights, human rights, in the worst jail in the country. Through us, unlawfully charged, arrested. Unlawfully
and threw us into the worst jail in the country, Pima County Jail. Pima County Jail. Has four times more deaths than Rikers. Raped us of our of our constitutional rights. Raped us. Of our constitutional rights to due process and protection against unreasonable search and seizure. Of all rights. Fucking okay, and worst in the country. Hashtag no jail deaths. No jail deaths. Fewer than 1,000 posts. Okay, I'm gonna copy, select all, copy. Okay, all right, it's pretty good. And then I'm gonna. Political beatdown of Michael Cohen. I've been doing a doing compilation compilation podcasts compilation podcasts. That's good. Bit. Midas Touch podcast. I'm gonna tag them. Midas Touch. Podcasts. Against all enemies. Fred Wellman. And more. This one goes out to the modest money. Politics girl. Politics girl. Politics girl. We like politics, politics. Politics girl. Michelle Krause comes up. That's weird. Hmm. Politics girl. And more. Okay, so. Mm. <gasps> Oops. Just accidentally did it. Pasted it again. Turns out all the kind of happened. Didn't read Marilarda. Oh, shit. Mm. Okay. 
Hey there, welcome back. Let's see what's going on with Midas Touch. Did they put him in fucking jail yet? No. Pepper Don never goes to fucking jail. Game over, Donald. Donald or Trump. Cyber Don screws himself and Jack Smith. Prosecution with threats and fraud trial. Hello, I'm Martin Sheen with an urgent message. Would you chip in? This is a disgrace. That was Donald Trump oh, attacking baby. New York Attorney General Letitia James, the prosecutor in the New York civil fraud case that is currently in trial. Donald Trump has been continuously attacking the prosecutors like New York Attorney General Letitia James. He's been attacking the judge, Arthur Ngoron, and then on Tuesday, Donald Trump attacked Judge Ngoron's law clerk and posted a message on his social media platform putting her name out there saying that she was the girlfriend of Democratic Senator Chuck Schumer, which is utterly false and defamatory. He then provided a link to her Instagram so that his followers would harass and attack her. That derailed the proceedings in day two of the trial, and special counsel Jack Smith is absolutely watching what is taking place in the federal case in Washington, D.C., where special counsel Jack Smith is prosecuting Donald Trump for his attempt to overthrow our democracy. Federal Judge Tanya Chutkin has set a hearing for October 16th where the special counsel's motion for a limited gag order will be heard. The uh, motion for a limited gag order has been briefed. Special counsel Jack Smith submitted his brief. Trump submitted his opposition. Special counsel Jack Smith has submitted a reply with additional threats made by Donald Trump. But the fact that Donald Trump is spending his time at the civil fraud case attacking the judge's law clerk, the judge, the prosecutor, the fact that a gag order had to be issued by Judge Ngoron in the civil case, in a civil case, is definitely going to be brought up in the Washington, D.C. case. And here's the minute order by Judge Tanya Chutkin, the federal judge that was issued last week. This is a minute order as to Donald J. Trump, where the court scheduled a hearing on the government's motion to ensure that extrajudicial statements do not prejudice these proceedings on October 16, 2023 at 10 a.m. in the federal courthouse in Washington, D.C. So it will be very important for Judge Tanya Chutkin to learn that a gag order was necessary in a civil case over monetary damages where Donald Trump could not conduct himself like a normal litigant and engaged in threats every single day. There is another lesson, though, that can be gleaned as well from Donald Trump's behavior. And I think this is important for Jack Smith to know. It's important for Judge Chutkin to know. It is important for law and order judges across the nation to know, which is Judge Ngoron called Donald Trump into his chambers during the lunch break, as well as after day two of trial, and shortly thereafter, Donald Trump removed the post. He stopped speaking.
speaking with the press, and it went relatively quiet after all of the other threats that we saw. So the lesson here is you can't let him get away with this behavior. You have to confront these fascist bullies, because when you confront them, what actually turns out is that they're incredibly weak, and they're all bark, and then they want others to bite. They want to inspire stochastic terrorism while they stay out of it themselves, and they're in their safe spaces. It is important to call their behavior out and hold them accountable. That is a critical lesson from what we're seeing in the New York Attorney General case. So one of the filings we covered here on the Midas Touch Network, for example, in the uh, brief that was filed by Special Counsel Jack Smith, he talked about the posts that were being made by Donald Trump that were threatening, for example, since the indictment, the defendant has deployed misleading and inflammatory statements about this case to undermine the confidence in the justice system and will prejudice the jury pool. They posted Donald Trump saying, if you go after me, I'm coming after you. And then special counsel Jack Smith pointed out where Donald Trump attacked witnesses. Wow, it finally happened. Little Mike Pence, the man who was about to be ousted as governor of Indiana, went to the dark side. He called him out. Here you have um, Special Counsel Jack Smith pointing out that Donald Trump called for the execution of Mark Milley. In a footnote, Special Counsel Jack Smith showed that Donald Trump claimed to have purchased a Glock that he was holding up, which was a violation of the terms of his release from the indictment. And then you have Donald Trump's lawyers arguing, and this is actually the brief that Donald Trump's lawyers filed, Trump has not intimidated anyone. The prosecution argues without evidence that it needs the proposed gag order to prevent purported intimidation of the prosecution, the court, and potential witnesses. This claim is meritless, Trump's lawyers argued, in the federal case involving the gag order. It's absurd to suggest the prosecution and the court are intimidated by critical social media posts. That's how Donald Trump's lawyers refer to the threats that are made to witnesses like General Mark Milley, Pence, or in this case, what we're seeing, the threats that were made to the law clerk of Judge Boron. So this is going to be brought up. And in addition, I think we're going to see posts like this where Donald Trump is also threatening Ingoron, threatening uh, New York Attorney General Letitia James. Or here's this clip where Donald Trump says that the judge Ingoron should be indicted that the judge should be disbarred. Here, play this clip. It's a judge that should be disbarred. This is a judge that should be out of office. This is a judge that some people say should be charged criminally for what he's doing. He's interfering with an election, and it's a disgrace. Thank you very much. And although this isn't a threat, just to show you how utterly delusional Donald Trump is, I mean, how unfit this person is, posting photos of himself with drawings of himself next to Jesus on the witness stand and saying this is the most accurate court sketch of all time because nobody could have made it this far alone. Folks, he is a charlatan. He is a traitor. He is a coward. He is a criminal. Do not mince words when you talk about the threat of fascism, the threat he poses, and now Special Counsel Jack Smith has an arsenal of evidence to bring to Judge Tanya Chutkin. And not only that, but there is an 
experience here that a significant amount of data and info can be gleaned that Donald Trump, when confronted by a judge, where the judge says, come into my chambers right now, Donald Trump backs down. I think Jack Smith will be bringing this up. We'll cover that hearing here as well. If you want to make sure you're up to date on all of our coverage here at the Midas Touch Network, hit subscribe. We're on our way to 2 million subscribers thanks to your support. Support the growth of this independent media platform by going to patreon.com slash Midas Touch. Have a great day. At Midas Touch, we are unapologetically pro-democracy, and we demand justice and accountability. That's why we're spreading our message to Convict 45. That's right. Gear up right now with your Convict 45 season pin at store.midastouch.com. That's store.midastouch.com. Vote chaos. Live motion to vacate and remove Kevin McCarthy with GOP in total chaos. I'm Ben Mike Dulles from the Midas Touch Network. We are live on this historic day. As you see right now here on our live feed, next up on the House floor is a vote regarding the motion to vacate Speaker Kevin McCarthy and know that that was introduced yesterday by Matt Gates. And so why are we waiting around right now? What's taking place? Well, there's some gamesmanship being played. There's some marksmanship taking place right now amongst all of the various parties because there are a number of absences of members of Congress who are not there to vote right now. Members of the House of Representatives, for some reason or another, that aren't there. For example, Nancy Pelosi is in California um, as a result of the uh, funeral of the late great California senator. And so Nancy Pelosi has to now show back up, and um, will she be casting these types of vote that will remove Kevin McCarthy? As we're doing some back of napkin math right now, it does seem that there are about seven or eight votes to join with Kevin McCarthy on his motion to vacate. And while all of the Democrats voted, plus those seven or eight, that would normally be enough for the motion to vacate to prevail and therefore Kevin McCarthy to be removed. There are a number of absences here. For example, we are learning that right now, Democrats are slow walking to the vote as they literally try to pick up Nancy Pelosi, who just arrived at the airport. The speaker can't gavel down while members are waiting in the well to vote. So you have certain members there that are waiting to vote right now so that you can't gavel down on this debate rules for 2024 energy and legislative branch uh, spending uh, bill that's taking place because there's a stall tactic here to try to get as many uh, members of Congress to vote whichever way they're going to vote for their respective uh, position. We're learning, for example, that uh, uh, Cory Bush, Democrat, has texted members saying, 
she is not coming back, that she's not able to be there. She tested positive for COVID-19 uh, about six days ago, so she's not there. So there, if all of the Democrats were there, there would be enough votes right now based on our math, about seven or eight, who seem to support Matt Gates' effort. But with the absences, that becomes uh, the question right now. Moments ago, Kevin McCarthy entered um, uh, the, the chamber, the House of Representative Chambers. I want to show you a video clip of him as he arrived. Play this clip, sir. How do feel, Speaker? Feel good? Uh. Are you hopeful that you're going to stay in because I think there's no point of being anything else. I think this is a big honor to be able to be there. I think we've been very successful at different points. I just would not understand if there's a handful of Republicans who join Democrats who get to determine who's the Speaker of the House next time. It is what it is. What, but what about these Republicans who are opposed to you? I mean, what has gone on here? What do you think is their thinking? These, these are the same ones who opposed me before, and so... And they're turning the floor over to the Democrats. And what does this say, the fact that you're the first speaker to face this since 1910? I know that Joe Cannon obviously moved this resolution on his own, but the fact that you're facing this, doesn't that say something about the speakership, or is that the narrow majority, or just the fact that you... Well, no, no one thought about using it before until the Boehner part, and then Boehner didn't go through with me. I continue to work through it. Yeah, I know you don't like hypothetical questions, but if this goes to a speaker vote eventually, will you continue to stand for speaker vote after vote after vote? Like Talk to me. We'll see what happens. So let me give you the math as well right now. So five Democrats who are absent from this vote right now. There are three Republicans who are absent right now. The Democrats that are absent are... Bush, Pelosi, Peltoa, Sykes, and Wilson. Uh, Pelosi, we know they're trying to get from the airport right now. Sykes is uh, home at a personal matter. I've previously noticed. Clerk will report the resolution. House Resolution 757. Resolved that the office of the Speaker of the House of Representatives is hereby declared to be vacant. Yeah. Resolution qualifies as a question of the privileges the house for what purpose does the gentleman from oklahoma seek recognition motion uh, to table at the desk the clerk will report the motion mr cole of oklahoma moves to lay the resolution on the table the question is on the motion to lay the resolution on the table those in favor will say aye, aye. those opposed no. no in the opinion of the chair the ayes have it gentlelady from pennsylvania yes we would request the yeas and nays on this vote the yeas and nays are requested. Those favoring a vote by the yeas and nays will rise. Official number having risen, the yeas and nays are ordered. Members will record their votes by electronic device. This is a 15-minute vote. Then why can't they vote in absentia? So we will keep you posted on this. Uh, the, the shot clock, 15 minutes, we are going to be... Uh, watching if Pelosi is able to get there in time, if Sykes is going to be able to get there in time. And so here it is. House lawmakers now. There are five Democrats absent, three Republicans who are absent. 
showed you that clip of Kevin McCarthy. Now, Kevin McCarthy, if he wanted to, if he cared about governing, if he cared about bipartisanship, he could reach across the aisle right now and he could cut a deal with the Democrats and that we could focus on important issues on a bipartisan uh, basis. And we're just getting word that Pelosi's not going to be able to make it. She's going to be staying in uh, San Francisco right now. So no Pelosi's there. And so, you know, one of the reasons why we think McCarthy rushed the vote is also given the Democratic members' absences, you know, just for various reasons, COVID, family reasons, attending a funeral in, in California. Um, does Matt Gates have the votes? We believe Matt Gates has seven or eight votes in favor of the motion to vacate, but we will be uh, keeping you posted as we look at the from earlier in the day as well, where Kevin McCarthy was talking about he's not going to cut any deal uh, with Democrats. Here, play this clip. Call your cable company and cancel your subscription. This new groundbreaking discovery gives you access to your favorite channels and movies for free. Whether you're in the United States, Canada, the United Speaker, what are the Democrats asking you for? As, as, as you try to build support, I imagine, from Democrats in this case, I imagine they're going to try to drive a hard bargain. You know what? They haven't asked for anything. I'm not going to provide anything. And let's just be clear. Uh, when Nancy Pelosi was the minority leader, she would always come in and she told Boehner and, and Paul uh, that she didn't believe in them utilizing this, how they removed Boehner, that she would always vote it down, not based upon saving an individual, but based upon what's good for government, what's good for the institution as a whole. And that's the question has to be, are, are we now in a situation in our government that we just provided keeping government open, that we're going to play politics with how you become speaker? If that's the case, then I think we've got real problems. So, in other words, don't make a deal with the Democrats. He'd rather lose his job and turn our country into chaos and work with Democrats to try to reach a bipartisan solution to things. So, of course, because he's saying that, let me show you how Democrats are responding. This is Democratic Congresswoman Jaya Paul, and here she's saying, look, why, why would we vote to save this guy? Why would we vote to save Kevin McCarthy, who lies about everything, who's spineless, and who doesn't care about bipartisanship. No, we're not going to help this guy at all. Here, play this clip. They are destroying our institution. Well, what does that, that mean? Does that mean voting impact. present? Like, how is this no, going to play out? We are, we are not voting in any way that would help save Speaker McCarthy. So either present or voting against impact, him. This does impact Democrats in a sense, right? I mean, you guys are trying to fund the government. You're trying to pass the farm bill. You're trying to pass a democratic problem. As much as anybody out here might want to make it a democratic problem, this is not a democratic problem. This is a Republican problem. They supposedly have the majority. They should be able to pick their own speaker. Our speaker is Hakeem Jeffries. It always has been. It, it was for 15 rounds. It will continue to be. So does that mean I'm here that just nobody trusts Kevin McCarthy? Nobody trusts Kevin McCarthy.
Nobody trusts Kevin McCarthy. And why should we? He has broken his commitment over and over again. And it's not just the deal with President Biden. It's not just the Ukraine funding, which apparently was also a deal, but then it wasn't a deal on, you know, unless we secure the border. It's also going back to January 6th. And I think for a lot of us, we we were here. It is still deeply emotional for us because it is about our country. It's about why we came to Congress. And Kevin McCarthy stood on the House floor and said one thing and then talked to Donald Trump and immediately did something else. He has supported the insurrectionist president that enabled January 6th to happen and tried to obstruct the peaceful transfer of power. So th there are a lot of reasons to not trust Kevin McCarthy. You could probably go back before January 6th, but certainly January 6th uh, was was a, a really key example. And the most recent history of how he's governed as speaker is another example. So where we are right now, just so you can kind of follow the inside baseball right now, um, you've got a motion to table so basically a motion to not do the vote right now. Um, so when this motion to table fails, it looks like based on the numbers, it's going to fail. Um, then there's going to then be the vote on the motion to vacate. And so you saw the gamesmanship a little bit earlier by allies of Kevin McCarthy. One, making it a strict 15-minute uh, time limit to cast these votes, but also acting like the motion to table passed without a roll call vote, even though it would seem to be that there's more votes not to table than there is to table. You saw uh, when the member of Congress uh, who's serving as the pro temp gaveled down said the yeas have it when it didn't appear that the yeas actually had it. And then you had a roll call vote being called right now. So here you have 202 on the motion uh, to table. You've got 178. You see the Democrats and then the Republicans there who want uh, Kevin McCarthy to be removed. Now, if that same group of people, 10, um, stays the same for the motion to vacate as it does for the motion against tabling, that will be very telling there as well. We know that Nancy Pelosi, unfortunately, is not going to be able to come back. Here's a statement that she just released. There was some speculation that she could potentially uh, return from the airport where she was at the funeral of uh, late Senator Feinstein. Uh, Pelosi wrote, sadly, Pelosi's spokesperson wrote, sadly, Speaker Pelosi is grieving the loss of her dear friend, Diane Feinstein, and will remain in San Francisco for the next few days to participate in official memorials and pay tribute to Senator Feinstein's towering legacy. She is very saddened not to be there for the historic vote. And as she said, the Speaker of the House is chosen by the majority party. In this Congress, it is the responsibility of the House Republicans to choose a nominee and elect the Speaker on the House floor. At this time, there is no justification for a departure from this tradition that was just released by uh, Nancy Pelosi. Um, so we will, uh, we will be keeping you posted as we learn more. I'll show you this clip uh, from moments ago from the Democratic leader, Hakeem Jeffries talking about the complete and utter chaos 
that MAGA Republicans are in and that they are just a chaos party. Here, play this clip. So these are all the challenges that I think we confront uh, as part of the chaos, the dysfunction, the extremism that we see on the other side of the aisle. It's not one or two individuals. It's the approach that they have taken to governing, and it is hurting the American people. And a lot of people are telling me I wouldn't read too much into the 10 Republicans there who are voting not to table um, because a couple of them might be trying to do this to force a vote on the motion to vacate right now while there are a number of Democratic members of Congress who are absent. It seems to be clear that if these Democratic members were not absent, there would be enough votes to pass the motion to vacate Kevin McCarthy, that McCarthy would be removed. But for a variety of personal reasons, emergency, COVID, uh, and, and other personal issues, like again, Nancy Pelosi being there for the funeral of the late uh, Senator Feinstein, can't make it back in time. There may not end up being enough votes, but you know, there you see right here, uh, the motion to table AKA, see above, to kill the motion to remove, harsh language there, but to kill the motion to remove Representative Kevin McCarthy as Speaker, this is not going to pass, which means you then go on to the next step, which is the actual motion to vacate. If the numbers were the same here, with the 203 Democrats and the 10 Republicans for a total of 213, 214, you see the numbers are being run up. Um, that would be enough to remove Kevin McCarthy. So that's where when we look at the motion to vacate that will soon be coming up. Will all of those, this is what you need to be looking at. Will all of those 10 nays change to become yays on the motion to vacate? Will all of those 10 people, those Republicans, vote on the motion to vacate. For example, I know that one of them is not going to. Aga Republican Sparks or Spars, I think she goes by both. She's already said that she will not vote on the motion to vacate. She will just be present, but will vote on the motion to table, which occurred. So you can go subtract one from that. So that's nine. Um, and then the question is, you know, will there be others who end up doing the same? So ultimately, if the motion to vacate passes, you see how it's shaping up right now, right? We know from looking at this, there's going to be 206 Republicans who are going to be voting against a motion to vacate, right? We know that because they're voting on a motion to table. They don't even want motion coming up right now. So we know that McCarthy's got 206 right now, right? We know that the Democrats got 205. We know that there are 10 people right now who are voting against a motion to table, but how will they ultimately vote on the motion to vacate? That's the major decision right here. Um, and we will we will keep you posted as well. And you see the no votes as well from uh, each side. Six no votes, five no votes for 
um, uh, Republican. So some people not there, some people voting present. I want to show you this clip again. This is uh, Kevin McCarthy as he was entering the chambers today. Let's play this clip of uh, Kevin McCarthy as he walked in. How's Phil, Speaker? Feel good. Are you hopeful that you're going to stay in? Still stand by the idea that you're going to be Speaker of the House tonight. Yes, look, I'm an optimist because I think there's no point of being anything else. I think this is a big honor to be able to be this. I think we've been very successful at different points. I just would not understand if there's a handful of Republicans who join Democrats who get to determine who's the Speaker of the House. Is, but it is what it is. What, but what about these Republicans who are opposed to you? I mean, what has gone on here? What do you think is their thinking? These, these are the same ones who opposed me before. And so... Uh, they're turning the floor over to the Democrats. And what does this say, the fact that you're the first speaker to face this since 1910? I know that Joe Cannon obviously moved this resolution on his own, but the fact that you're facing this, doesn't that say something about the speakership, or is that the narrow majority, or just the fact that you have well, no, just no one thought about using it before until the Boehner part, and then Boehner didn't go through with me. I continue to work through it. And I know you don't like hypothetical questions, but if this goes to a speaker vote eventually, will you continue to stand for speaker vote after vote Sorry. after vote? Like Talk to me. We'll see what happens. Then I'll show you as we watch the time remaining go down, it appears uh, that the motion to table is going to fail. We will uh, just notice we got an 11th no vote from Republicans. Um, voting no on the motion to table. In other words, bring on motion to vacate. Bring on the motion uh, to remove Kevin McCarthy, right? If these numbers held, 218 being the magic number, ultimately you would have Kevin McCarthy removed from the speakership. The question becomes, are, are the nays going to hold? or are they going to vote a different way when this comes up as a motion to vacate, or are we going to see them vote present or not vote at all? That's going to become the big question. Earlier uh, in the day, I want to show you some other clips of Kevin McCarthy, but let's just go pull up the screen right now as the time remaining goes down and the motion to table is going to fail. Let's watch this live together on the volume. We expect the gavel the down shortly. The nays are 218. Motion is not adopted. Pursuant to Clause 2A2 of Rule 9, gentlemen from Florida, Mr. Gates, the gentleman from Oklahoma, Mr. Cole, will each control 30 minutes. Chair recognizes gentlemen from Florida. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. I yield such time as he may consume to my colleague from Virginia, Mr. Good. Gentleman from Virginia, Mr. Good, is recognized for such time as he may consume. And before the gentleman speaks, 
And I remind my colleagues that all parties need to be heard. Would you please clear the well and clear the aisles? And any extraneous conversations need to be taken from the floor. from Virginia, recognized. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Like so many others, I deeply regret that we are here in what was a totally avoidable situation. I must take you back to January, however, which for many of us was about not repeating failures of the past and letting Republican voters across the country down once again. And in the past, for many years, Republicans have had majorities in this chamber we have passed our major spending bills, dominantly Democrat votes, something the other side of the House has never and would never do with majority control. Back in January, I expressed my concern. The previous two years, during my first term here in this House, we had not used every tool at our disposal. Radical Democrat agenda that is destroying the country, bankrupting the country, and under which the American people are suffering. Most in here wouldn't know, I helped persuade my five colleagues who comprised the remaining resistance in the wee morning hours of January 7th to switch our votes to present and let Mr. McCarthy become speaker. And I went to him on this very floor to tell him that he was finally going to become speaker on the next vote. In that moment, it was clear to me that I or we could have asked for anything in exchange for switching our votes to present, I and we asked for nothing. Very next week, I requested and had a meeting with Speaker McCarthy to tell him he had my full support and that I wanted him to be successful because the country needed him to be successful. In the ensuing months, I helped him narrowly pass the Parents' Bill of Rights, the Limit Save Grow Bill, I think both of those by just one or two votes, helping persuade some of my most conservative colleagues to come along despite some of the concerns they had with those bills. And we remained united as a conference through the Limit Save Grow vote as we passed a bill that was cutting spending pre-COVID levels for non-defense discretionary spending for just over $100 billion, historic spending cuts, as the Speaker had committed to do in January. It also included a host of other conservative fiscal reforms. Unfortunately, however, that unity and that commitment to significant year one cuts and spending reforms were discarded were discarded in the Failed Responsibility Act, as I call it, which passed overwhelmingly, once again, the majority of Democrat votes, validating the concern many of us had in January. Many of us had begged the Speaker, pleaded with the Speaker repeatedly, to utilize the debt ceiling to leverage spending cuts and reforms. But instead, he negotiated an unlimited increase to the debt ceiling through January of 25. As much as we can come together and gleefully spend through January of 25, no significant wins for the American people in that FRA or Failed Responsibility Act. The Speaker then said that we would use appropriations. We would use appropriations to bring the fight to finally reduce our spending. He 
said the levels of the FRA are the ceiling, not the floor, and committed, recommitted multiple times to go back to the $1.471 trillion, that was the limit saved grow levels, radically, historically, saving $100 billion, lowering the deficit this year under Republican majority from $2.2 trillion to $2.1 trillion. That's what we were asking the Republican House to do, to go to $2.1 trillion. Meanwhile, the Speaker had committed to bring a balanced budget vote to this floor, something that still has not happened, despite the work that's been done in our budget committee, mark it up and have it ready to come to the floor. He also promised that we would bring all 12 appropriation bills well before September 30 fiscal deadline. He did not. He simply, as Republicans, needed the Speaker to cast the vision, request the support, the support of the entire conference, all of whom voted for the limit save grow levels, except for four who wanted to go even further, to lead us in joining him, sticking with him, supporting him, and sending the most conservative spending bills with the, the most conservative cuts possible to the Senate. It's the best starting position in negotiations with the Senate. Many of us begged and pleaded with the Speaker to do that over the past five years, five months. And the Speaker failed us to pass our spending bills, bringing only one of 12 to the floor for the August district work period. Members began to negotiate amongst themselves without the Speaker to find compromise. I was among those who reluctantly agreed last month to split the difference between failed responsibilities 1.586 the limit saved grow 1.471. I reluctantly agreed to do that, to go to 1.526 in order to pass our bills onto the Senate. He then essentially forced the Speaker, the pressure of the calendar, the debt ceiling, or excuse me, the, the shutdown threat of the calendar, bring those four bills to the floor last week, all of which I voted for, despite some of them not cutting the levels we'd agreed to and other concerns I had with the bill. I reluctantly voted for the 30-day conditional CR, or continuing resolution, because it cut an additional $10 billion in the month of October, going back to the pre-COVID 1.471 levels for defense, on defense discretionary, 30%, and it had border security. I voted for that. However, when that vote failed, the Speaker this past Friday in the Republican conference meeting made it abundantly clear that he was willing to do anything avoid the temporary discomfort and the pressure of a pause in the 15% of the non-essential federal government operations, which would guarantee that we would lose to the Senate Democrats and the White House. If you're not willing to say no, you're guaranteed to lose. And that was confirmed with the passage of the unconditional 45-day CR this past Saturday, once again with 209 Democrat votes. Republican bill, 209 to 1, Democrats, 51 to 0 on the Senate side. The Speaker fought through 15 votes in January to become Speaker, but was only willing to fight through one failed CR forced rendering to the Democrats on Saturday. We need a Speaker who will fight for something, anything, besides just staying or becoming Speaker. If there was ever a time to fight, $2 trillion deficit this year, 40-year high inflation, 20-year high interest rates, a downgraded credit rating for the first time in modern history, polls showing, despite all the help of the media, blaming Republicans in the House, polls showed 
the public was blaming Biden and the Democrats for an imminent shutdown. If not fight now, when would we fight? Now is and was the time. If the Democrats driving the fiscal bus off the cliff at 100 miles an hour, we cannot simply be content to be the party that slows it down to 95 just so we can sit in the front seat and wear the captain's hat. Our current debt and our spending trajectory is unsustainable. We need a speaker, ideally somebody who doesn't want to be speaker, hasn't pursued that at all costs for his entire adult life, who will meet the moment, do everything possible to fight the country. The red line was crossed for me, I regret, on Saturday. I chose regret, and I must vote against the motion to table, as I did, to vote to vacate the chair. I yield back. Gentleman from Florida reserves his time. Gentleman from Oklahoma, Mr. Cole. Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. I share one thing in common with my uh, friend from Virginia. This is a very sad day. Certainly a day I never expected to have to live through. I think broadly speaking, as I look across this floor, you can divide members into three groups. I'm very happy to be in the first group. The overwhelming majority of my party supports the speaker that we elected. We're proud of the leadership he's shown. We're proud of the manner in which he's been willing to work with everybody in our conference and, I believe, this chamber. There's a second group, small group. Uh, honestly, uh, they're willing to, to plunge this body into chaos, this country into uncertainty for reasons that only they really understand. I certainly don't. Then there are friends on uh, the other side. I mean friends honestly, uh, with great sincerity. I have a lot of friends over there. I recognize that my friends on the other side have a very complex set of partisan, personal, and political calculations to make. I certainly wouldn't presume to give them any advice about that. But I would say think long and hard before you plunge us into chaos, because that's where we're headed if we vacate the speakership. Now, I personally think there's really three reasons why we've come to this point. That's because at each three of these critical minutes, the speaker did the right thing. First, there was a speaker vote. You know, he got 85% of the vote in our conference, 90% of the vote from Republicans on this floor. But we had a small group that decided, no, they would dictate what they want. He didn't let that happen. He fought. He fought for himself. He fought for 90% of us, too, that wanted him to be the speaker. And I appreciate that. Then, of course, we had the debt ceiling deal. Nobody here thought he could pass a bill. Nobody in America thought he could pass a bill. He did what speakers were supposed to do. He passed the bill. Then he sat down and negotiated with a Democratic Senate, a Democratic president, and came back with a good deal, a deal that will limit spending. He did the right thing. Finally, last Saturday on this floor, we were on the verge of a government shutdown. A government shutdown the vast majority of members in this chamber did not want. Substantial majority on my side, an overwhelming majority on the Democrat side. Put his political neck on the line, knowing this day was coming, to do the right thing. The right thing for the country, without a doubt. My friends and I agree on that, whether or not we agree on the speaker did the right thing. He did the right thing, I think, for this institution. He showed it could function in a time of crisis. And finally, I think he did the right thing for our party. He made sure that we could continue to negotiate and achieve some of the very objectives my friend uh, from Virginia laid out and achieve them in divided government. He 
calls for some degree of give and take. So I'm very proud of this speaker. I'm very proud to stand behind him. Tomorrow morning, whether I win or lose, I'm going to be pretty proud of the people I fought with. Kevin McCarthy. And with that, I reserve the balance of my time. Gentlemen from Oklahoma's time is reserved. Gentlemen from Florida. Mr. Speaker, my friend from Oklahoma says that my colleagues and I who don't support Kevin McCarthy plunge the House and the country into chaos. Chaos is Speaker McCarthy. Chaos is somebody we cannot trust with their word. The one thing, the White House, House Democrats, and many of us on the conservative side of the Republican caucus would argue is that the thing we have in common, Kevin McCarthy said something to all of us at one point or another that he didn't really mean and never intended to live up to. I don't think voting against Kevin McCarthy is chaos. I think $33 trillion in debt is chaos. I think that facing a $2.2 trillion annual deficit is chaos. I think that not passing single-subject spending bills is chaos. I think the fact that we have been governed in this country since the mid-90s, a continuing resolution, an omnibus, is chaos. And the way to liberate ourselves from that is a series of reforms to this body that I would hope without last Speaker McCarthy's time here, without last my time here, and without last either of our majorities. The forms that I have heard some of the most conservative members of this body fight for, and some of the reforms that we've been battling for that I've even heard those in the Democrat caucus say would be worthy and helpful to the House. Like open amendments, like understanding what the budget is. We have been out of compliance budget laws for most of my life. Most of many of your lives. By the way, if we did those things, if we had single subject bills, if we had an understanding on the top line, if we had open amendments, if we had trust and honesty and understanding, there would be times when my conservative colleagues and I lose. Might be a few times when we'd win. There'd be times that we would form partnerships that might otherwise not be uh, really predictable in the American body politic. The American people would see us legislating. These last few days, we've suspended momentum we had established the week earlier. We were bringing bills to the floor, voting on them, staying late at night, working hard. That's what the American people expect, something Speaker McCarthy hasn't delivered. That's why I've moved to vacate the chair. I reserve. Gentleman's time is reserved. Gentleman from Oklahoma, Mr. Cole. Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. I yield two minutes to my very good friend, Mr. Emmer from Minnesota. Gentleman from Minnesota, Mr. Emmer, is recognized for two minutes. McCarthy has earned this. Under Speaker McCarthy's leadership, our House Republican majority has actually defied all odds and overperformed expectations again and again and again. It all started with a speaker's race. And our speaker, Kevin McCarthy, showed the American people how he would never give up. He carried over into the speaker spearheading a rules package to create the most transparent, member-driven legislative process I've ever seen since I've been here. Since then, Speaker McCarthy's Republican majority has been successful in bringing common sense back to our nation's capital and passing legislation to affirm a parent's right to be involved 
in their child's education, bolster American energy production, fully fund veterans' care and benefits, fight back against the regulatory state, and continue delivering on our promise to rein in Democrats' reckless spending by passing fiscally responsible appropriations bills. We've also achieved historic conservative wins like passing the strongest border security legislation in history, passing the first Republican-only NDAA in history, and passing the first Republican-only state and foreign operations appropriations bill. So many Americans are better off because of Kevin McCarthy's leadership. American families, job creators, entrepreneurs, service members, law enforcement officers, and the list goes on and on. These are just a few of our House Republican majority successes. Make no mistake, we need Kevin McCarthy to remain speaker if we're going to stay focused on our mission of delivering common sense wins for the American people. We've shown Americans what success looks like when we come together as a team. Now it's time for us to stand together stronger than ever so we can get back to the work our majority was elected to do. I'm proud to support the speaker as we continue championing conservative priorities will put our country on a better path. Thank you, Speaker McCarthy. Gentleman from Florida. The, the opening line of my colleague's speech was that Speaker McCarthy always overperforms expectations. After tweeting, bring it, and after engaging in profane lace tirades at House conference, just lost a motion to table. So I wouldn't necessarily consider that overperforming expectations. Time and again, I've heard my colleagues say that, well, deserves it because he's been through a tough speaker contest. Let me let everyone know, he prevailed in that speaker contest because he made an agreement to fulfill certain commitments to make this an open and honest process, and he has failed to meet those commitments, and that's why we are here, I reserve. Gentlemen, reserves this time. Gentleman from Oklahoma, Mr. Cole. Thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. I yield three minutes to my very good friend, Mr. Jordan of Ohio. Gentleman from Ohio is recognized for three minutes. I thank the gentleman for yielding. On January 3rd, we said the 118th Congress is about three things. Pass the bills that need passed, do the oversight work that needs to be done, and stop the inevitable omnibus that comes from the United States Senate right before the holidays. Kevin McCarthy has been rock solid on all three. We have passed the bills we told the American people we would pass. 87,000 IRS agents, that bill, that bill passed. Parents' Bill of Rights, that bill passed. Energy legislation passed. Border security, immigration enforcement legislation, the strongest bill ever to pass the Congress passed earlier this year. We've done what we told them we were going to do. We can't help that the Senate won't take up those good common sense bills. We'll have to answer to the American people come Election Day. Oversight. We have done the oversight that we're supposed to do because of our oversight. We know that parents were targeted by the Department of Justice. Because of our oversight, we know that 51 former intel officials misled the country weeks before the most important election we have. And because of our oversight, this information governance board at the Department of Homeland Security is gone. Because of our oversight, the memo attacking pro-life Catholics has been rescinded. Because of our oversight, unannounced visits to Americans' homes at the Internal Revenue Service has stopped. That happened under Speaker McCarthy. On the third one, on this side of it, we know there's a big old ugly bill coming at the end of the year. All kinds of spending, all kinds of garbage in it. We're still in that fight. Frankly, to Matt's point, we don't know how that one's going to shake out. But we do know this. We do know this. On Saturday, 
we didn't take the Senate's bill. They tried to send over and shove it down our throats on set. We didn't take that bill. It was a tough position he was in for five options on the table last week. Option one was send a long-term CR over there. Would have leveraged the 1% cut, something a bunch of us voted for. Both parties didn't get the votes for that one. Second option was to focus on the one issue the country now is completely focused on, border issue. Couldn't get the votes for that one either. When the Senate tried to send us that bill, he said no to it. I think the Speaker has kept his word. I know my colleagues and friends are saying different. I think he has kept his word on those three things that we talked about on January 3rd, frankly, that entire week. He has kept his word. I think we should keep him as Speaker. I yield back. To those who cheer louder at the tailgate than the game. Plop, plop. Fizz, fizz. Gentleman from Florida is recognized. Yeah, the, the problem with my friend from Ohio's uh, argument is that many of the bills he referenced as having passed are not law. We are on a fast track to an omnibus bill, and it is difficult to champion oversight when House Republicans haven't even sent a subpoena to Hunter Biden. It's hard to make the argument that oversight is the reason to continue, and it sort of looks like failure theater. I yield such time as you may consume to my colleague from Arizona, Mr. Speaker. Gentleman from Arizona is recognized. How much time? So much as he may consume. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. This is a serious time. My, my mind immediately goes to the young deputy, Cochise County. Two nights ago, I was trying to apprehend a runaway vehicle smuggling humans across the border. Suffered major injuries, transported to Pima County, where he's in a Tucson hospital fighting for his life. I'm talking about a border that remains wide open. The drugs come through Tucson sector. <coughs> Most gotaways known and unknown of any sector along the border. Terrorists coming in. People conducting criminal conduct coming in. Criminal gang members. Human smugglers. Sex traffickers. Coming across our border of hundreds of thousands every month. Now, I appreciate my colleagues and their position. I would suggest something. I don't think you can just skip to last weekend and say, oh my goodness, CR came out last weekend on Saturday. I think we need to go back to January. Just say this. This body came together on the Republican side, and we passed a good border security piece of legislation, H.R. 2. It's good. Didn't last week we passed the DHS bill and the DOD bills, which had funding for our CBP, ICE, military leaders, military men and women. But why? We, why were we successful in doing that? What happened to motivate us to get there? Well, for one thing, we didn't bother to pass the 12 appropriations bills as required under the Budget Control and Impounds Law 
1974. You can do it. You know how many times that's not been done? 25 years in a row. You know how many CRs this body has passed in that same period of time? 130. You know what that gets you? Two trillion plus uh, uh, structural deficit we had in fiscal year 23. You know what that leads you to? $33 trillion national debt is where we sit today. Leads you to somewhere north of $700 billion in interest payments. And you know why that happened? Because this body is entrenched in a suboptimal path and refuses to leave it. Refuses to leave that path. You cannot change if you're unwilling to change. We had every opportunity to change. We were promised to change. We were promised we were going to go ahead. We were going to get those 12 bills done. And if we got those 12 bills done, do you know why you do 12 bills? Because it allows you to reduce spending, get rid of wasteful, duplicative programs. It allows you to set an agenda to restore fiscal sanity. We chose to not do it again. We were promised we'd do it. That's why at the end, some people said, we'll vote present. Go ahead. We're going to put our trust in Mr. McCarthy to become the speaker. It didn't happen. I suspected that would be the case. That was my struggle. That was my struggle last November and December. I iterated it to this body, our conference anyway. When we got to the debt ceiling, again, that seemed to spring upon everybody like a surprise. When that happened, I was in there for some of those negotiations on where that number would be. And I was astonished how that 1.5 trillion number Negotiated. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I will tell you this. To his credit, the speaker told us one thing that I believe to be true. He said that that's basically the ante in a poker game. He can sit down at the table. And I told my colleagues who supported that, that $1.5 trillion in eight months, that you're willing to raise the debt ceiling. That's the opening marker. And indeed it was. Now, projections are many trillion dollars above that. Yes, I think it's time to, con to make a change. Not the only one. And that's it's somber. Thus it is somber. But what have we failed to accomplish? Why, why didn't we get this stuff done? When we're, when we're campaigning, talking about an extension of the debt ceiling to January of 2025. Talking about additional Ukraine funding. Is that going to be, maybe that's good in your districts. Maybe it's not. But that money's not offset. We're not paying for it. We haven't designated how we're going to pay for it. Same with the disaster package. The IRS remains 80% increase. 
I will tell you, I could, get, I, will go, I could go down the list, but I will just tell you why this happens. When you don't do your 12 budget bills, and you rely ultimately on a CR, and I'll get to the calendar in a second, what happens is you cannot leverage this administration to actually enforce the border laws you need to have enforced. This is a lawless Biden regime. They will not enforce border laws. We can pass them till we're blue in the... Hello. Welcome back. Oh, it's the middle of the night. Um, weekend show. Saving with Liberty Mutual, Mom. They customize your car insurance, only pay for what you need. You could save $700 just by switching. Let me put a reminder on my phone. disciplined or as um, careful as his, as his father. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. It's always interesting to think about the kind of influence that comes from the top. And if you were to watch Succession or The Morning Show has a new season on uh, Apple TV+, Plus, which I'm a huge fan of that show, it really does kind of show the way that the media operates. How, how much influence do you think that the the news anchors take from the the family or do you think that they just you know the, the company just employs people who are as, as as extreme as they can find and let them just get on with their with their work of spreading propaganda well from what i know the uh they it's a little of both primetime shows have more autonomy they're allowed to kind of do what they want within a range uh, the Five and Fox and Friends, which are the other two shows I focus on, are more controlled by management. It, especially um, Fox and Friends, apparently, is very tightly controlled. They act like it's just off the cuff and they're making little statements, but apparently that's not the case. The management's very on top of them. 
and uh, they definitely uh, want the content as they want the content. They don't like them to go rogue or go off off cuff or anything like that. But yeah, I definitely think like Hannity, Sean Hannity is a true believer. Laura Ingram is a true believer, hundred percent. Jesse Waters, not the sharpest knife in the drawer. I think <laughs> he he's been there. It's been his only job. He's only worked for Fox right. News, and so, he's the rising star, really, isn't he? And I, and I, I do think amazing. it's interesting how. Fox kind of like people who are, you know, uh, authentic and natural. You know, that really is the key to being, to getting on in the TV business, to be authentic and, and, and natural. But he's also institutionalized. So mm -hmm. his authenticity is, as I read it, it's pure Fox through and yes. through. Like he, he yes. has never operated outside of that world. Yes, it's, it's, a, it's kind of amazing to watch. Um, because he, he basically got an internship there when he was really young, and he never had any other job. He just slowly worked his way up. And he's not nearly as bright as Laura Ingram. Laura Ingram was a Supreme Court uh, clerk. Uh, justice, she was a Supreme Court justice clerk, I should say. Um, and, uh, Hannity is very bright, even though I may not agree with anything he says. He's not stupid. And, uh, Waters just seems like a naive, kind of befuddled, like he just believes it because he doesn't know any better. And will spout out, he will read something on a goofy website and do no background research and just say it immediately say it. that night. And yeah. it's just astounding. And the misogyny with him is a repeat oh, thing, isn't it? I mean, he, he clearly has a very odd relationship with women. Yes, because he's had his mother on his show right, uh, more yeah. than once. And she's a Democrat, all right? <laughs> yes. Or she's anti-Trump, so she's always yes. putting him straight. Yeah, his mother is uh, one of the, a type of person who calls him, like, honey bun, and she's, like, overly kind of maybe too supportive of him yeah. and that she's, like, blindly, like, you're amazing and you, I love you, and you're like, what? And I, which I get, I mean, I'm expect, it's her, it's her son, but she's very supportive of him. And it's very odd because he seems very, um, attached to her. Like he, he wants to know her opinion. He's, he gets nervous when she talks. He's, he's like he, a mummy's boy. He's a mummy's boy. And yet yeah. he trashes women constantly. So it's a very, and he cheated on his first wife with an intern who was 14 years younger and, um, like blatantly cheated on his wife. Apparently they, they, they didn't really hide that. And now he's with wife number two. And he said kind of mean things about wife number two on the show. It constantly trashes his co uh, co-workers. It says horrible things about women all the time. And I just sit there going, this is just so bizarre to watch. A mommy's well, voice. It's not journalism. I mean, that's, that's yeah, really no, the thing not. that you get from, from people like him becoming a kind of star of a fox is that it is not journalism. These people are not journalists. It is, it is angry bigoted, misogynistic commentary. And, and I think, you know, I'm hoping that people even on the right are starting to realize just by nature of the kind of the, the blind worship of, of any kind of right wing, far right or extremist policies. So the reason that we're talking today is because, you know, it's been a very crazy week. You know, we on the verge of a government shutdown. Mm -hmm. We had the death of Diane Feinstein, uh, just a couple of days ago at the age of 90. Um, came as no surprise to, to anybody, but still she has devoted her life, uh, you know, in San Francisco 
he's been heavily involved in, in bringing about gun control legislation, various various things. Um, so we'll, we'll maybe come to her a little bit later. But um, the thing that really is most pressing is these debates that the Republicans are having. The most recent one this week was Fox News Business um, hosting this, this debate with one absent individual. Individual yeah. one, I should say. <laughs> individual yeah. one was absent. Yeah. Uh, Donald Trump refusing to take part in these Republican debates. Just before we kind of get into the analysis of, of the debate, tell me why you think Donald Trump is choosing not to be involved. I don't think he wants any criticism. I think he wants to remain, he knows he's so far ahead of everyone else that he doesn't have to debate and that his fans are loyal to him, his followers don't really care what he says because he, he's, he's been caught in a number of gaffes recently and they don't seem to react at all. Like he, he was talking about Obama when he meant Biden. Um, he, you know, he's kind of out to lunch himself. Um, but I, I think he just doesn't want extra criticism. He wants to remain on top. He wants to remain untouched. Um, you know, he, he think he doesn't, he feels he's above it. He doesn't need to sully himself. Um, with debates where he would obviously, at least Chris Christie, uh, would attack him relentlessly. Uh, if you've been injured in a car accident, don't call an attorney. Use this AI app instead. That's what I did, and it's how I got this. Um, so, and he, Chris Christie's actually very good at that. I'm not a huge fan of Chris Christie as a politician. Yeah. He's very skilled at attacking Trump. Well, he used to, he trains Donald Trump for the for the first set of debates. You know, he, he was a, effectively a, a coach and media trainer for, for him in, in 2016. This is true, yes. He's very skilled at it. He's, you, you can tell he knows what he's doing uh, as far as debate is concerned. But uh, yeah, I think Trump feels like he's above it. He doesn't need it, so he's not gonna bother. My, my theory on the reason why Donald Trump doesn't want to be involved is it's twofold. I kind of agree with you that he, you know, he's so far ahead in the polls that he doesn't need to sully himself with the, that kind of hot mess because <laughs> both of these debates have been car crash events and to the, to the extent that like they're unwatchable and, mm -hmm. and, and, it, and it proves that these people are not serious. You know, they're not serious politicians. They're not serious people. Many of them, like Vivek Ramaswamy, are performative. They, you know, they, they really, they don't care about kind of civic duty or societal responsibility or leadership. It's about power. It's about money. It's about just um, growing the kind of ego. You know, he, he clearly is himself a bit of a narcissist. And so, you know, so the cast of characters is so depressing. Of course, there's only one female there, which is yeah. Nikki Haley. <laughs> she she got so angry in in the uh, Vox uh, business debate. Just we saw another side to her. I think you know she was just like done with these men. She's like, get me out of here. But I think that Donald Trump, deep down, knows that actually he doesn't have the knowledge to debate. Like you know, on his rally stages. It's just him, and he can say whatever he wants, whether it's talking about whales being killed by windmills or any of the kind of eccentric and chaotic language that he comes up with. And he can go off on tangents and he can make mess because he's on stage for an hour and a half or two hours mm -hmm. and he doesn't care. His show. I think this is about ego and sharing the stage. You know, he wants to be the star. He doesn't know anything about policy. 
You know, he, no, he when, when we see him make these policy videos in Mar-a-Lago <laughs> with, with, with this kind of weird Stalinistic background, you know, <laughs> he, um, he's just reading it. And, and they're not, it's not words that he's written. This is, you know, Stephen Miller or people who've written this stuff for him. So you can tell that he's reading it for the first time because his ego is such that he won't pre-read this policy, mm -hmm. he won't discuss it. When he's talking about segregating cities, you know, or arresting the homeless and putting them in what I translated to be internment camps. Mm -hmm. It's like, if you were to read that policy, you'd be like, I think you're describing internment camps. <laughs> but of course, he, he, he doesn't read. So he, he wouldn't be able to engage with them on policy because he doesn't know anything. He just knows those kind of headlines that we built the wall and, you know, we... We did this, we did that, but no, no, no detail. And obviously, some of the others up there are a little more well versed on this, including those who were blaming him, like Ron DeSantis, for adding seven trillion dollars to the national debt. I mean, Donald Trump doesn't want to be involved in that conversation, does he? No, and he lies about it. When he was on Meet the Press, he said, "I cut taxes and revenue went up," and I'm like, "No, it didn't. Yeah. Absolutely did not. That is complete fiction." And um, his, he, his camp, his people are trying to spin it as, well, it went up to $7 trillion because, uh, because the... Um, the pandemic, they say. The pandemic, right? Yeah. And it's like, n no, it was a reckless... Uh, yeah. You cut taxes too much on the very, very wealthy, and they make a lot more than everyone else. And so when their taxes get cut dramatically, tax revenue plummets, and that's what happened. And, and anything you read about it will say over and over, it was his tax cuts that part of the reason why our deficit is so out of control and our debt is so out of control right now. It's not spending, it's the tax cuts. But he just lies. He doesn't, I don't think he even knows. I don't think if you asked him, he, yeah, he doesn't know, he doesn't care. He's just off on his own planet. He just wants to go to rallies and have people say USA and cheer and wear MAGA hats and, you know, worship him, basically. That's all he really, that and staying out of prison. That all he cares about. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, that's the only reason he's running for president, is to mm -hmm. stay out of prison, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, he, he's obviously not really in a, in a place mentally or physically to, to be the president. Um, and I actually, people say, oh, he hasn't really aged like Joe Biden. And I really do see Trump's aging. You know, I do think that this has taken a toll on him. And, you know, I, I'm a little bit obsessed with hair, because probably because <laughs> I don't have any. But I, I, I'm looking at the comb over and I'm seeing that now it's just become a bird's nest, like a fluffy bird's nest at the front. Gone is that kind of the directional parting. And whilst that might not mean anything to anybody, to me, to, 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 to Baldman like myself, um, it actually, we can tell, because I'm obviously not a vain person, I've never really cared about that, but to people who are vain like him, that is that is going to upset him and frustrate him that he can't brush his hair, you know, as he has been for the last 20, 30 years. And, and that there is change there. And we saw it with Barack Obama. He went from, from, you know, dark hair to gray hair during his presidency, but that's because he actually was the president and did presidenting, <laughs> I guess. Um, so yeah, it is taking a toll on, on Donald Trump. He now needs three hands to drink a glass of water. Basically. I mean, I, I've definitely seen it. Others have seen it. They've done compilations where they've put together the recent gaffes where he's just saying things that aren't true or he's not sure where he is. He, he said things like, we know I was in the White House last week. And people are like, no, you weren't. What are you talking yeah. about? Yeah. So he's he's definitely not, you know, the spry 
young man that they try to pretend that he is. He's also pretty old, and he showed signs of cognitive decline when he was in the White House, in my opinion. And I'm not the only, I mean, that's why they wanted to give him a test about it. And then he bragged about the test and the test was like ridiculously stupid. A woman, man, yeah, TV, TV. <laughs> whatever it was. <laughs> I don't remember that exact order, but it was like, oh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be bragging about that test. It's like kind of goof. He's just, uh, yeah, we're in, a, we're in a bad place with that man. It scares the heck out of me. It's like, I laugh at him and then I'm like, nope, he could be president again. <laughs> and that is the serious threat here, isn't it? You know, it's, it's, I know it's amusing to talk about Fox as entertainment, and, but the reality is that it is, has been spreading propaganda for two or three decades to the point mm-hmm. that it has pushed the country further and further to the right. And, you know, I never really know whether they're supporting Donald Trump at the moment or not. You know, it's yeah, they've been a little odd. One week to the next, they kind of ch- their allegiance seems to change based upon his... Uh, he's like a kind of volatile stock, isn't he? You know, like yes. if, if he's on top, then they'll support him. But if there's a chance that he might lose because he screwed up that week, then they kind of drop him like a stone. Um, I would just say, going back to the debate, that the biggest issue here is that whilst these eight candidates on the... Was it eight or 12? Seven. No, eight, eight, seven. seven. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, whilst they might not seem necessary in this whole thing because they're so far behind in the polls that is fine provided donald trump doesn't get prosecuted and prevented from running for for president mm-hmm. and that and and you know with 91 charges and four indictments there's a good chance that one of them might stick and so then we are going to have to look to nikki haley or to mike pence or to vivek ramaswamy or or, or tim scott or any of these gallery of curios so do you think that that's the reason why they're still fighting? Because actually they're all hoping. I know Ron DeSantis is, because this has always been his plan. Is, is in the hope that Trump goes down and then they have to step up. I think that's part of it. I think uh, the debate this week was the first time I saw Ron DeSantis actually make a direct stab towards Trump, like direct. And it was immediate and it was quick. It was at the very top of his statement, and I was kind of shocked. And I was like, finally, you should have been doing this months ago, because he's been playing this kind of passive, like, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, make him mad, because I still want his followers, uh, but I'm still going to act like I'm, he was just sort of ignoring Trump's many attacks, and it didn't work. It didn't work at all. He just got more and more diminished, and he's also very awkward and odd. He comes across as awkward and odd, and I think people who were really promoting him didn't realize that, that he was kind of an odd man. Um, but I think that that's what he's hoping is he's like, I'm the reasonable one. I mean, I don't think he is, but I think he views himself as that. Yeah. Uh, he also keeps pushing. I have the results. Look at Florida, look at Florida. And I'm like, actually yeah. most of the country kind of makes fun of Florida. You know that, but I mean, I don't want to diss Florida, but I have many friends. Well, in Florida. It is difficult to live in Florida at the moment. Yeah. You know, the the yeah. cost of insurance rent is very high. You know, cost of living generally is is a is a big problem. Not to mention the fact that they have Nazi rallies semi regularly yeah. now, yeah. and no one seems to bat an eyelid like that. Oh yeah. yeah, that's normal. There's a whole bunch of people doing Heil Hitler on 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 the freeway. I mean, you know, the, uh, and also they've changed the laws on on guns recently on on uh, permitless carry. So you know, it, it is not the unless you live in the villages. <laughs> With, yeah. with all the white people, <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know that necessarily it is the greatest place, the great state of Florida, as he describes. 
Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it is what it, they also have a high rate of uninsured, uninsured people. Yeah, a lot of people don't have health insurance there, and they, he got called out on that during the debate, and he didn't really have an answer to it. He had some non-answer about oh, we need to put patients first or something. It made no sense. And he talked about oil. Literally talked about oil in his response. We need to drill and open up the economy. And I'm like, what are you talking? What are you- they asked you about insurance, but yeah, um, yeah no, Florida's. It's always been kind of an odd state because it used to be more purple. It's gone far more red, uh, and it's always attracted older Americans from the north, and also has its own unique culture that's very, very Florida. It's like it's kind of like three different states depending on what part of the state you're at. So high rates of homelessness, high rates of crime in most of the cities. So it's not really this place to brag about. I mean, it's I don't again, I don't want to diss Florida. I have a lot of friends that live there. They're good people all over this country. But it's certainly it's odd that he's like, look at my gorgeous, perfect state. I'm like, eh, I don't know yeah. if the rest of the country sees it that way. But and he also manipulated the data on COVID in in Florida to make it look like it wasn't as bad as it was. Yeah. But actually, it was it was actually one of the worst states for, for COVID deaths. And, you know, I would say that I really do feel that Ron DeSantis will end up just going back to Florida and, and, yeah. and being the governor there and arresting black people for voting, as he has been yeah. you know, before he got on the road as a, as a, um, a presidential candidate. Um, and I say that with a huge amount of sadness and irony, incidentally, because, you know, that is that was the story for me out of Florida that was the, the most upsetting, was, you know, people that had had criminal records in the past who'd been told that they could vote. But, of course, he changed the rules on that at the 11th hour. They didn't know. They go to vote, and then the next thing you know, his task force is arresting yeah. them. And, and so much of this we've seen on, on camera. And, and really, you know, very sweet, regular people being handcuffed and being like, what are you doing? Yeah. And it's even the police it. officers were saying, you know, I'm sorry, I have to do this. Yeah. I mean, that is authoritarianism. That is totalitarianism. That is fascism. And, and, and to think that Ron DeSantis is not a, a fascist is, is foolish, considering his relationship with, with the Nazis and the far right. And the way he acts, too, when he's confronted or he has to deal with conflict, he acts in a very kind of fascist way. It's like, my way or the highway, shut up. Yeah. The way he's treated Disney... Um, his relationship with uh, anybody who questions the his his policies on um, LGBTQ issues in schools, he's got a very. Um, it's like he wants to be a dictator. The way he he acts with everyone is just very. You know, you how dare you question me? Tries to shut everybody down. He fired um, district attorneys who right. he didn't he didn't agree with that. They were freely elected. I mean, that is outrageous. But he he. He fired freely elected district attorneys. But that was only in the news for like three days. Yeah. I mean, it's like, w- yeah. why is it that these these fascism flags that keep popping up, you know, like Trump the other day talking about executing Mark Milley or shutting down NBC or any of these, you know, fascist tropes, they don't seem to stay in the news cycle very long. And they get completely ignored by Fox News, of course. Oh, yeah. So Fox viewers have absolutely no idea that this type of rhetoric is is being spun because even people on the right should be appalled to know that that duly elected people are are being fired yeah it's it's very dangerous i found out about one of them because tucker this is when tucker was still on the air he and i didn't know the man was jewish this was this was dark 
the the DA had gotten fired. Tucker Carlson, at one point during COVID, the DA had made a statement about do unto others as you would do unto you. He he was like quoting the Bible, and um, Tucker made a comment that made me go, why? That's odd language that you're using. And then Tucker said, oh, it's disgusting that he says those words. It's disgusting that he says those words. And I'm like, why would it be disgusting? So I Googled and I kept looking and I'm like, oh, that's dark because the man's Jewish. Because that's what I read from it. That Tucker was angry that a Jewish person would make, would, would quote the, the Bible because it, it didn't make sense. His reaction did not make sense. And I went, that's really disgusting and sick. And Tucker had done numerous, had numerous anti-Semitic flare-ups like that that were subtle. But if you were looking a little bit deeper, you would catch what he was doing. And it was, it was nobody cared. I mean, and on, that was the only mention of that one on Fox is uh, Tucker Carlson, like almost glorifying the fact that the man was fired. He was excited about it. Again, disgusted that this man would quote the Bible. And I just, I was very deeply disturbed by that. But Tucker Carlson was... Um, thankfully right now he's on Twitter doing his own thing and kind of barely, I don't, I don't know if anyone's paying attention to him, but we'll see what he happens. He could step in, in as a presidential candidate. I mean, this is, yeah. you know, some people are saying that, Yeah. that, you know, the problem with not having a well-paid job, I mean, I'm sure that he's still making plenty of money and I'm sure his deal with Elon Musk is significant, but the problem with having time on your hands is that you do start sniffing around for things and, you know, he thinks Donald Trump is an idiot. Right, we, we've mm-hmm. that's been proven time and time yeah. again with the text messages that were exposed in the in the Dominion case and, and various things. Now, I have no doubt that he has the ego to think that he could step up and be the Republican presidential candidate, because the seven on that stage clearly are yeah they don't in have it total disagreement about it anything, mm-hmm. and, and and the problem with Tucker Carlson and people like him is that they are very good at communication. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, as much as I hate to credit people like that, I used to train politicians for speeches in the UK. That was one of my wow. side hustles. And he doesn't need any help. You know, he really knows how to get the message across. And, he was, and that he, is dangerous. Yeah. He was a very dangerous person. When he was on Fox, every time anybody asked me who's the worst person on Fox, without hesitation, I'd say Tucker Carlson. Yeah. Without hesitation, uh, because he also spreads conspiracy theories and uh, racism and white supremacy, and it's definitely anti-Semitism that flared up more than once on his show. And uh, I was horribly disgusted by him all the time. He he taps into. I'm actually going through all of his old Tucker Carlson Today episodes meticulously, like a like a crazy person. But I like doing You're this. You're amazing. <laughs> I like doing this kind of research because you can yeah. understand them inside and out. Yeah. And he has 262 episodes, and um, I'm literally going through them, making notes. I have a whole spreadsheet and m- turning everything into transcripts. And the thing that I pick up is there's like a deep resentment in him uh, towards the changing demographics in the United States. He wants yeah. to go back to this like mythical 1950s. He- Hence his kind of white replacement theory yes. kind of concept that he keeps going back to. Like he used to do it as specials, didn't he? Where it would yes. be a, a kind of special episode on, on this idea of, of, of white people being replaced. Yes. And now it's like, it's now that's openly talked about on Fox. Yeah. Uh, he's not, he started that and now Fox hosts and guests open. They may not say the great replacement. They'll say, 
they're doing this to change the demographics of the country. Yeah. And I'm like, do you realize how hard it is to be, go from undocumented immigrant to voter in this country? That's years. That could never happen. Many undocumented immigrants never get the right to vote because they never become a citizen yeah. because the process is so difficult. So this attitude that they can just, we're just importing all these people and they're all going to just immediately vote like Democrats and change the country. It's like, it, I don't know what you're talking, because, I mean, a Venezuelan is going to vote very differently than a Mexican, than, than a Cuban, yeah. than But it's just pure racism, Julia, isn't yeah, it? I mean, it is. you know, and, and we have so many conversations about this on this show and elsewhere. And unfortunately, so much of it can be traced back to racism as the kind of core, the kind of nucleus of their policymaking and their thinking. Yeah. It all goes back to kind of Jim Crow era um, attitudes and how... They never wanted to come out of that. They wanted segregation. They wanted public lynchings. Mm -hmm. and, and I was actually reading through some of the kind of Jim Crow etiquette, as it was called. I mean, it, it is so completely... I actually think that people now, generationally, have forgotten what that stuff really means, you know. And, and I think instead of saying Jim Crow, we should be much more specific about segregation was reading about handshaking, how a, a black man can't reach out to shake a white man's hand, the white man has to reach out to shake it, and how a black man can't light a cigarette for a woman, because that would be seen as a sexual um, act. So much stuff, like fine detail, that I was researching, and I, and I was like, we need to be talking more about this stuff. Yeah. Because, you know, generationally, I think people have forgotten how... Uh, black and brown people have had a completely different, been treated completely differently by by America as a country uh, over the years. Um, listen, we have to take a little pause for our sponsor, but I'd like to come back and uh, talk more with Juliet Jeske here on The Weekend Show. Did you know that your temperature at night can have one of the greatest impacts on your sleep quality? If you wake up too hot or too cold, I highly recommend you check out Miracle Maid's bed sheets. Inspired by NASA, Miracle Maid uses silver-infused fabrics and makes temperature-regulating bedding, so you can sleep at the perfect temperature all night long. Using silver-infused fabrics originally inspired by NASA, Miracle Made sheets are thermoregulating and designed to keep you at the perfect temperature all night long, so you get a better sleep every night. These sheets are infused with silver that prevent up to 99.7% of bacterial growth, leaving them to stay cleaner and fresh three times longer than other sheets. No more gross odors. Miracle sheets are luxuriously comfortable without the high price tag of other luxury brands and feel as nice, if not nicer, than bed sheets used by some five-star hotels. Stop sleeping on bacteria. Bacteria can clog your pores, causing breakouts and acne. Sleep clean with Miracle. Go to trymiracle.com slash weekend to try Miracle Made Sheets today. And whether you're buying them for yourself or as a gift for a loved one, if you order today, you can save over 40%. And if you use our promo code WEEKEND at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. Miracle is so confident in their product, it's backed with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you'll get a full refund. Upgrade your sleep with Miracle Made. Go to trymiracle.com slash weekend and use the code weekend to claim your free three-piece towel set and save over 40% off. 
That's trymiracle.com slash weekend to treat yourself. Thank you, Miracle Made, for sponsoring this episode. We're back with the weekend show and uh, decoding Fox News' Juliet Jeske. Just tell us, because, you know, for people who might not know, and I love to kind of, you know, give you an opportunity to, to promote your work because you work so hard. And it is something that is, you know, it's thankless, isn't it? When you know, <laughs> people don't know, for those of us who kind of edit videos and, and upload and, and spend time, it's, it's quite a solitary job. And it requires you to have an incredible, like a Rolodex in your brain yep, of yep. like things that you've seen that you can connect a clip of that to something like this and reference this and that. So just tell us, um, for those who don't know, how Decoding Fox News came about and, and your mission, effectively. Well, I started off uh, sort of accidentally researching the Proud Boys before anybody really knew who they were. And um, it's a long story how I got into that. And uh, I ended up amassing 407 episodes of the Gavin McInnes show. That was the show that they, they started on. Yeah. And so I had this weird background. And I'd worked with a bunch of journalists. And I was anonymous, just a researcher. Went to grad school. Decided I still wanted to work in that, that genre, I guess, or that beat. I should say that beat. And so for my capstone, I did... a Similar project to what I'm doing now, only Tucker Carlson, um, um, uh, Nick Fuentes, who's like this horrible, basically a Nazi. Yeah, and then a, a one guest Ameri at Mar-a-Lago one time. Yes, and he was a guest at Mar-a-Lago. This is yeah. true. And then um, One American News Network, and then I compared that to nonpartisan uh, media. And then I turned that in when I graduated in 2021 in December. And Jeff Jarvis, who helped found my school, he's, he's well-known in media. He founded... Entertainment Weekly, he basically read it and within 24 hours offered me a grant. Which this is very rare what happened to me. Most people don't get an MA and get a grant. And then I started Decoding Fox News February 2022 because he just said, will you do what you did in your capstone, but do it about Fox? And I said, sure. And I had no idea what I was getting myself into. Um, and I designed the project and I designed it kind of it's a lot of media to watch, and then when something crazy happens, I usually pick that up too. So my weeks can be very intense, and it's a lot of... I didn't realize until I did it that consuming right-wing media is considered a skill, and that a lot of people can't do it and won't do it and don't want to do it. And um, I can handle it, so that's how I got into it. Um, yeah, it is, <laughs> it is very challenging. It's very challenging. Let's explain to people who, who don't quite understand, because... You know, if you've grown up in the U.S. after the 80s, when Reagan and Donald Rumsfeld, I think it was, removed the Fairness Doctrine mm -hmm. and this, you know, prevented this um, balance in reporting, now we have this thing called both sides reporting. And, and I've never really understood what that is because it's not journalism. It's, it's basically channels like... The mainstream legacy networks, CBS, ABC, NBC, who feel compelled to both sides something. This is what the Republicans say, and this is what the Democrats say, and, you know, you go away and work it out. And I've spoken to so many people who, when I say, well, what news networks do you watch? They're like, oh, well, I watch a bit of Fox and a bit of NBC, and then between it I can kind of work out what is, what is true. And I'm like, that's not a way to consume the news, because one of them is completely untrue and that's not yeah. me being partisan that is just journalistic from a journalistic perspective you just tell the facts and people have a this it's called like um uh, projecting they project their positive bias 
Yeah. So if if you were to cover a story that was uh, about Donald Trump and his, I don't know, infidelity, let's say, they'd be like, that is biased, that is liberal. And it's like, it's, it's a story. It's a true story. And so that kind of editorial decision to leave stuff out, which is what Fox does, mm-hmm. and to only focus on stuff that is going to grow audience and get people riled up and angry and make them think that Democrats are extreme and and terrible and we're going to take away guns and take away your rights, make you wear a mask, all this rhetoric. The, The danger there is that it makes the viewers very angry, very hateful, and the division that we are struggling with in this country to the point that they can't decide, you know, on the, on the, on the debt and government shutdown, like things that should, there should be consensus over is now never going to happen because channels like Fox and, and One America and Newsmax and all of these channels are, are basically brainwashing people. It's, it's dangerous and it's, it's, I mean, maybe it's what America deserves because, you know, this is, it hasn't happened who, who would you say is, is responsible? And, and, and do you think that we, as viewers, need to like do more work and not just sit there like couch potatoes and consume this garbage? I think it's partly, uh, and I don't mean to diss it, but I'm going, I'm going to have to. I think cable news is part of the problem. The idea of 24-hour news channels is problematic. Because it's all, uh, you, you want to keep eyeballs on your screen, and so that causes a push to sensationalism and it causes a push to kind of stories that really aren't important, but will get people watching um, celebrity nonsense and just, just that kind of garbage news that's out it's like there. It's like clickbait, isn't it? Clickbait. Yeah. And that's part of it. Keep up with that kind of constant obsession with ratings and, and income and all that. It, 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 it brings out kind of the worst in news. So that's part of it. And then I also think that Rupert Murdoch is a huge part of the problem because he came, uh, he was, he's Australian, of course, but he, when he built his media empire and he broke into the United States market, his attitude was, I'm going to build this machine and it will be Fox News and I will influence politics with it. And he, he was successful. And in insofar that when you watch the network, it is a constant rage spiral, paranoia, fear, and they just push the same five stories over and over and over again the whole day, whatever it is, they'll show a 30-second crime clip and on a loop. You watch it, they'll have part of the screen that's just dedicated yeah. to, they'll have two people, and then the third part of the screen, the third panel will be whatever crime clip it is. And they, they did that with BLM riots, didn't yes. they? With the fires, yes. the burning of the, of the shops and things. They just kept looping those. Kept looping it. And what's amazing about it is I was talking about it when I was, I was just in Texas, I was in Austin, and uh, for the Texas Tribune Festival, and I said one of the things that's very strange about it is they'll show something that really should be a local story, like it'll be a subway crime, which anywhere else out of New York City is, people don't have subways, they don't really, you know, they do sort of in some cities, but they don't have this like vast network of a subway system that New York has, so they just don't have the same type of situation, and that... Fox acts like it's the most important story uh, in the country, and they'll dedicate a, a crazy amount of time to it, and they're like, let's go back to the tape. And I'm like, let's not. You know, it's just this, it's unfortunate that this happened, 
But there are bigger stories happening all over the world that you're not covering. But they covering. know, don't they? The hosts yeah. know that they are forcing a diet, an unhealthy diet. It's like just eating fast food and never touching a vegetable. Yeah. And, and this is so dangerous for humanity because part of the problem is that Russia will take clips of Tucker Carlson's show as it was and broadcast it on state television, state news TV in, in Russia and claim that that is America's view, that America is on the side of Putin that they, you know, that they don't want the war in Ukraine and, and, and all this, all this stuff. And, and so it helps our adversaries. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's really bad too, because sometimes they're so petty, go after anything. Like, uh, I'm working on a montage for my newsletter podcast for next week, which is just about Biden tripping. And so it's, they're like, they got some inside information that Biden has is meeting with a physical therapist and has better shoes and they're trying to work on not tripping. Now he did break his foot and he is right. an old man, an older man. So he has an odd gait and that could be any of us. If we broke our foot, we could have, we could be stuck with an odd gait and be a little unsteady. Um, that's normal. Uh, but Fox blew it up and they're like, uh, they dedicated an insane amount of airtime to this story that was not a story and then they were like look he he fell again and i'm like he did not fall and it was just him like walking down stairs and just ever so slightly sort of didn't trip didn't fall but they're like see see and they just kept showing it and then they start showing past trips and then past falls and oh look he fell off his bike again i'm like you've shown that like hundreds of times and it's something like that petty and that stupid will turn into a major story on the network because they know it, since they've already worked up their audience to believe that this man is in cognitive decline and that he's falling apart, it's like it's like like a sporting event. Like let's watch that replay again and yeah. and get people all worked up. And it's so inhumane. Like it, it lacks yeah. all humanity, and and any sense of 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 kindness and and desire to. I mean, how, how have we how have we got to the point where humanity has been pushed aside in favor of, of, of propaganda and, and politics. It's, it's, it's such a shame because, you know, nobody benefits. I say this all the time on the show, like nobody benefits. Some people just get angry, their blood pressure goes up, they spend more time at Kaiser Permanente as a result of it. You know, I, I really do feel that. You know, I almost feel like the healthcare companies are in cahoots with the news. It's like, get the blood pressure up, get people eating the wrong food. It's almost like profit yeah. is is what is, is the most powerful entity at every level, whether it be in the news that we consume or the hospitals that we go to. It's all for profit, and and profit really has prevented the country from ha having a kind of genuine and respectful political discourse because there is money to be made. Yeah, it, and there's like a ruthlessness that is uh, underneath the surface of. Uh, that is very much a part of the Fox kind of philosophy of pull yourself up by your bootstraps, yeah. survival of the fittest, and this kind of nastiness. Uh, and because you say healthcare, and that's the first thing I thought of is just yeah. like, oh, you can't get healthcare? Well, figure that out. You know, that's yeah. kind of the conservative way attitude towards it. And uh, yeah, it's it's very unhealthy, very unhealthy. Um, I hear constantly from people. Uh, I'll, uh, you know, people will email me or they'll 
make a comment on something and they'll say, my mother doesn't talk to me anymore because she watches Fox News all day long. She's angry all day long. And, uh, or my parents, they fight over Fox News, or I don't talk to my brother because of Fox News. And it's absolutely tragic. And it's like, why? You're just watching these, you know, basically clowns on, I'll call them that, you know, sitting behind a desk in a little suit, you know, saying the same nonsense every single day. It's like the Truman Show, isn't it? It's like a yeah. fake version of America. Because in the meantime, the country has done very well to get back on its feet after yeah. COVID. The, the infrastructure... Uh, Bill has has helped, no, you know, in in untold told amounts, with these new projects and, and with broadband and and you know the Chips Act and there's Chips a lot to be very proud of at the moment and mm -hmm. and Biden, to all intents and purposes, no matter what shoe he is wearing, <laughs> has played uh, an excellent game as as president. Some people say he is the most effectual president in history, for what he's been able to do and turn around in this period. He is a serious person. We want serious people, and we want it to be boring, you know? and, and <laughs> yeah. because I don't want a, an entertainer to be the president. I, yeah, I want no. the president to be um, a nerd. I want them to be a, uh, a kind of numbers person or, a, or a, somebody who just is obsessed with detail. Yeah. You know, that, that's politi politics should be boring. And, yeah, and I completely agree. We've got plenty of drama in our lives. We don't need it to be. Yeah. I mean, I, I always find that funny, people who lean into drama, like online yes. or whatever. I was just yeah. think, why? You don't need to. Just, know. You know, it, it, just wait long enough and something bad will happen. You don't need to search for it. So. Maybe these people don't, you know, I mean, I don't know. I, I have kids and so, you know, I'm, I have so much drama <laughs> dealing with them and taking them to doctor's appointments and like doing stuff that I want to use up my my energies for. And so that's why I don't have the time to engage on social media or do any of these things you know it's like i, I and I, I feel that who are the people that are trolling or getting involved in this stuff do they have nothing else going on because i don't have room in my head for all of this um, anger and 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 chaos and divisiveness you know like i i really enjoy talking with conservatives i mean i have a show now each week uncovered with Ron Filipkowski, who is a conservative, and we talk. I mean, I actually threatened to wrestle him to the ground in, <laughs> in this week's episode, Just Gone, over his, over his views on universal basic income. But I said it in a very nice way. Um, and, and isn't this the point? Like, the ability to communicate and converse in a civil and respectful manner has been lost because Fox and similar networks have turned us into enemies they treat they treat it like sports and it's not sports you know yeah. they treat it like it's a game um like if this side believes in this we absolutely cannot agree right and i think covid was a lot school. of that yeah covid was a lot of that to the point that you're like so we've found that in areas where people watch more fox and vote for voted for trump the death rate from covid was much higher and you still don't care. You're still doubling, tripling down on all this nonsense that you pushed during the pandemic. And then they act as if 
um, because if, you know, it was a new disease, we didn't know, nobody knew what it was, nobody could understand it. It was a constantly readjust, 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 do this, no, do this, do this, do this. Changing you know, do this. guidelines yeah, because you we get didn't, more data, yeah. Which is the, the kind of nature of science. Normal, yeah. Yeah, it's normal. And they turned that all into, they were lying. It was all lies. Yeah. And I'm like, how is it a lie? It was a brand new disease. Nobody knew what the heck was going on. And, and it was, we were constantly guessing and trying, everybody was trying their best. And like, were there mistakes made? Of course there were. But telling people that the vaccine's not safe is lunacy. Telling people to take these snake oil cures is incredibly reckless and dangerous. And, and um, you know, I, I live in New York where we, we had 800 people dying a day at, at the peak. 800 a day. And you could feel it. I mean, it was, the entire city was just freaked out and terrified. And it was a horrible, horrible time. And so that's why I, it's hard for me to, that, that still gets me mad that they still push COVID nineteen nonsense on their ne- like they can't help themselves they can't let it go. Well, we're seeing and, a, we're seeing a resurgence of the of the yeah. of the virus. Yeah, there are new vaccines out, and Republicans are just not going to take it. Yeah. So the only people that will be vaccinated are Democrats. Yeah. The same yeah. way that the only people driving electric cars will be Democrats. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, th- th- this is what what worries me. Because you know, I don't want Democrats to to have a, a better a better life than Republicans. We're we're all the same fundamentally, you know. Prick us and we shall bleed. But people are going to be left behind. People who are not getting with the program are going to be left behind. And, yeah. and the world is changing at such a rate. I mean, New York, where you are, just declared a state of emergency on Friday because eight inches of rain is falling in twenty four hours. Yeah, I mean the the the, the cities are the, they're not built for this climate change, and yet mm, I'd say all maybe, but Chris Christie on that debate stage on the on the Fox Business debate don't believe in climate change. They claim it's a hoax. I mean, Republicans are going to be left so far behind from the rest of the world who are really, you know, taking this very very seriously. Yeah, I made a I made a clip last week uh, where Brian Kilmeade said he made a comment about, uh, oh, the country's going underwater right now because of climate change. What country? I'm like, Pakistan last year, one third. How do you not know that story? It was huge. One third of the country was underwater because of flooding. And that's not normal. It's not like, oh, that happens every year. <laughs> you know, it's not like some areas the flood every year, but no, that was not normal. And you had millions of people displaced. And it was... It, it, it's to, they haven't really recovered. So this attitude of, it's like when you live your life that blindly, which is what they do, or they just focus, you know, hyper-focus on these petty little issues that they want to push, and they don't pay attention to the rest of the world, that's part of the problem, because these people have no idea what's going on, that we, we broke every single heat record last yeah. year, that sea ice is the lowest it's ever been. Um, that there were wildfire records broken all over the world, that there was flooding records broken all over the world, Norway, Portugal, uh, Greece, North Africa, flooding, you know, Canada, record level of, of wildfires. wildfires. And nobody, and in the U.S. we had catastrophic climate events all over the place. And they still make excuses and they'll say, oh, well, you know, they twist it and they just make their own reality and they have fake experts on, like, this one, I talk about him a lot because he's like the epitome of the fake expert. But uh, Michael Schellenberger, well, right. he has an MA in anthropology <laughs> and he calls himself a climate expert. And I'm like, that's funny. That's interesting. I wish I could do that. I could just make up 
I'm an expert in this. I don't have any training in it, but I'm just going to call myself an expert in something, especially a science that takes a lot of diligence. And, you know, that's that's not something you just kind of. And yet people like know. Anthony Fauci have been marginalized. Yes. And, 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 you know, they call him the Antichrist. You know, they, yeah. they really have so much vitriol for somebody who arguably has been one of modern history's greatest public servants, both yes. through the AIDS epidemic and, and, and into, into uh, Ebola, certainly, and, and then into, into COVID-19. And, and so that is what is so sad about this, is that it's all untrue. It's all lies. They credit the government with having skills that no government would have, developing mm -hmm. bioweapons to, yeah. you know, and yeah. all that. It's like, are you kidding me? Like, have you seen a government? You know, public ser service takes years for the system to churn. You know, and, and, and I, I just wish that people were, did more, had more critical thinking and did more due diligence. Because to believe what these people say, or the problem is that they corroborate it across the, the network, don't they? So if it's said in the morning on one show, oh, yeah. then in the afternoon they'll be doing the same thing. And this is all editorial guidelines that are put out by the channel editor to make sure that they're doubling down on topics to give the impression that it's true. Oh, yeah, yeah, and, and that it's super important. I always make jokes about the government, too, because it's like it can't be this secret secret covert operation and the post office that's right it's the post office like if you've been to the post office lately yeah, yeah. that's that's basically the government yeah. that's the government because it's yeah. underfunded overworked yeah. and outdated it and has ceiling like, tiles missing that's <laughs> yes, that's basically yes. the government yeah. yes and they're like oh we got to find a form and you're like a form we got to go find a form and you're like oh <laughs> yeah i think that about uh, car registration stickers why are we still putting stickers that someone could peel off on our license plates. Like, <laughs> is, is that not like the weirdest thing ever in 2023 to be using stickers? Because in every other country in Europe, there's, there's no physical anything. It's all yeah. done through number plate recognition and technology, and it's just normal. And, and yet here we're still like, oh, the red sticker, the yellow sticker, the blue sticker. And I'm like, I don't know. Maybe it's just California, but that's how it feels. Well, we also do, we also, this is something that I've been told by Europeans that they just are baffled by. They're like, you still use paper checks? And I'm like, yeah, we do. <laughs> and they're like, what? Why yeah. can't I just get your routing number? And I'm like, what? It's like, I got paid for a couple of things from Europe a few years ago, and it was just hilarious because they couldn't figure out how to pay me yes. um, because our system was so like, bank transfer it was just it was humorous this is the world we live in okay let's take <laughs> another quick pause and then we're going to come back and uh, talk more with juliet jesky here on the weekend show everyone knows how annoying cheap razors are the cuts the irritation the frustration and don't get me started with subscription razor services the headaches those can cause that's why you've got to meet henson shaving Henson Shaving is a family-owned aerospace parts manufacturer that has made parts for the International Space Station and Mars Rover. And now they're bringing precision engineering to your shaving experience. Razor blades are like diving boards. The longer the board, the more the wobble. The more wobble, the more nicks, cuts and scrapes. A bad shave isn't a blade problem, it's an extension problem. 
by using aerospace-grade CNC machines. Henson makes metal razors that extend just 0.0013 inches, which is less than the thickness of a human hair. That means a secure and stable blade with a vibration-free shave. And it gets better. The razor has built-in channels to evacuate hair and cream, which makes clogging virtually impossible. Seriously, Henson Shaving wants to be the best razor, not the best razor business. That means no plastic, no subscriptions, no proprietary blades, and no planned obsolescence. The Henson Razor works with standard dual-edged blades to give you that old-school shave with the benefits of new-school tech. Once you own a Henson Razor, it's only about 3 to $5 per year to replace the blades. My first shave with the Henson Razor was incredibly refreshing. The design is sleek, the durability is top-notch. The Henson Razor is truly so much better than your run-of-the-mill, quote-unquote, traditional razor brand. And the affordability factor is absolutely game-changing. No more wasting your money on expensive blades. With Henson Shaving, you can get a year of blades for $5. It's time to say no to subscriptions and yes to a razor that'll last you a lifetime. Visit hensonshaving.com slash weekend to pick the razor for you and use code weekend and you'll get two years worth of blades free with your razor. Just make sure you add them to your cart. That's 100 free blades when you head to h-e-n-s-o-n-s-h-a-v-i-n-g dot com slash weekend and use code weekend. It's the weekend show. We're back with Juliet Chesky as we've been looking back at the, the week. Um, we had Joe Biden making a, a fourth speech about the fall of democracy and the rise of fascism. And, you know, this is a very, it was one of the most powerful speeches I've, I've ever heard. And I, and I do believe that, you know, he knows about the threat of authoritarianism. He recognizes that democracy is not a given. And unfortunately, you know, Fox didn't cover it you know they switched to other things we had we also had a historic period this week when joe biden went to a picket line the auto workers and joined the auto workers on the picket line which no president has has ever done and you know he spoke for a few minutes and it was it was very powerful and and yet that is ignored in place of donald trump going to a non-unionized um uh, auto uh, workers um, factory and, and just talking garbage, like pure garbage, knowing nothing about the industry or the situation or the, the, the whole point of even being there. And obviously that gets, gets plenty of coverage. Let's just talk about how Fox plans to install Donald Trump into the presidency and overlook his litany of crimes. How are they managing that? And, and how are they, and how are they, presenting the the notion that this career criminal is effectively running for office to save his own neck. They have basically been very selective about what they cover. So they ignore a lot of it. And then they're trying to make it into Hunter Biden being the equivalent of Trump, which makes no sense because Hunter Biden never worked for the government. Hunter Biden, uh, they can't prove anything that he's done yet other than the gun charge and, um, you know, his terrible habits of drug use and um, tax problems, drug use and then, you know, hiring sex workers, but that's not, no one's going to go after him for the sex workers or the drug use. 
and uh, it's just not how it works. But they're trying to make that a, a false equivalency there, and it's it's ridiculous. And anyone who breaks it down goes, no, this is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, but they just keep insisting upon it. So they just make Hunter Biden a, an incredibly important story on the network. They push it every single week. Sometimes it's the top topic. Sometimes it's number two. But it is inordinately covered. And then they'll just talk about Trump, but they do it in a very selective way. They don't talk about the criminal charges he's facing. Often they don't mention it at all. They'll talk about, oh, he had a rally or, or um, oh, he said this thing on Truth Social. Let's show that. And they just ignore it. They just ignore a lot of it. Um, they ignored the E.G. Uh, Carroll case um, completely. They act like it didn't happen. Um, they, he just, <laughs> New York State basically, I mean, he'll appeal, of course, but New York State basically said, you're not allowed to do business here anymore. We're going to shut you down completely for fraud. Fox didn't mention that at all. It didn't even happen. Fox just didn't even mention it. And I'm going, that was a huge story. So that's kind of how they deal with it. They just... Um, are very selective about what they report on. And, and they didn't even report on any of his legal scandals until, really, they ignored all of them until the Mar-a-Lago search. And then they finally, like, oh, right. yeah. Well, because it's it, 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 it... 3 p.m., you were hearing my voice outside? Yeah, I was hearing your voice outside, and I went outside. And I thought, because I only, at that point, I, I only thought Anthony got arrested. So I heard your voice, and I thought, oh, let me talk to Trista tell her Anthony got arrested or what's up with that and I went outside and they were all over the place and your voice was really uh, that they loud. were uh, yeah they, they had your voice amplified in a loudspeaker and you were in jail something about a corner you were saying something you were talking about a corner something about a corner and I thought what so it was 3.30, so I went inside, and then I came out at 6, they were still there. I came out at about 8, 8.30, they were still there. Wow. They didn't leave till like 9, 9.30. Fucking rats, man. Pretty rats. Yeah, apparently they all went to school together. They all said, you know, they're, they're a team. A dirty team. Dirty team of cops. Trump should be their leader. Trumpers. Yeah, they're they're all Trumpers. Must be. Absolutely. He got hit with a gag order. Nah, yeah. Gag order issued. Uncivil law. It's a nasty situation. I mean, who do you want? Biden or Trump? It's like, you know gotta choose Trump over Biden because he's the lesser of two evils. We're like, talking about Trump over Biden. Well, yeah. Trump has been tar- indicted four times in 91 felony counts and you say he's the lesser oh, of Biden, two evils? Biden what the is hell is worse. Wrong with you? He, Biden is worse of a criminal than Trump is. Yeah, prove it. Where's worse. the evidence? Show some evidence. shut down the Keystone Pipeline and the barrels went from $30 a barrel to $130 a barrel of gas. Trump did, did, Trump did much worse. Uh, you know, yeah, I agree. That That's, that's fucked bad. up. 
Um, and he, um, you know, there's like the polluted art. But that has nothing, that doesn't even compare. I can't understand why you would, why you would compare that with 91 felony what? counts of fraud and, and, uh, and, and what, what are you talking about? He's the only president who lost jobs, but from what, when he was a president. You, you don't know what you're talking about, obviously. Economy was much better. He fucking drove it into the ground. And he and those PPP loans are billions of dollars in those PPP loans. Those are, those are supposed to go to to small business owners. And they instead they went to like Marjorie Trader Green, you know, representatives. She got one hundred eighty thousand dollars and. Jared Kushner got a couple million from that too, and, and like the sushi person in Trump Tower got, you know, all kinds of money. He, he was giving it out to his his supporters. How fucking unfair is that, dude? Yeah. So I don't. Yeah. I don't. How can you, how can you say that Trump is better than? Better than Biden. Fucking crazy. What about the million dead Americans because of Trump? He wouldn't even wear a fucking mask. And he made nurses wear trash bags. What about that bandmate? I'm Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch Network. A gag order has just been imposed yeah. on Donald Trump in the New York Attorney General's civil fraud case against Donald Trump on day two of trial. 
when during day two of trial, Donald Trump posted on his social media platform a photograph of Judge Ngoran's law clerk made defamatory wow. and disparaging remarks about her, attacked wow. her, and provided her Instagram account what? to all of his followers on his social media platform. I will redact her name and I will not show you the photo of her in this image that Donald Trump posted, but here is the message that Donald Trump posted attacking Judge scumbag. Arthur Ngoran's law clerk who was sitting there in the courtroom on day two of trial while testimony was being taken of Donald Trump's outside accountant from the Mazers firm, Donald Bender. Here's what Donald Trump posted. Schumer's girlfriend and referring to Democratic Senator Chuck Schumer. Schumer's girlfriend, and then the name, I'm redacting it, is running this case against me. How disgraceful. This case should be dismissed immediately. And then you see Donald Trump posts the Instagram. I'm obviously redacting the name of the Instagram account, but Donald Trump posts the Instagram account. Then he posts a photograph of the law clerk who's in the courtroom with Judge Ngoran. Um, with Chuck Schumer, and he's reposting an account called Judicial Protest that says, why is Judge Ngoran's principal law clerk, then it's the name which I'm redacting, palling around with Chuck Schumer. She's not Chuck Schumer's girlfriend, so it's further disparaging them and defaming them on that. Chuck Schumer's been happily married for over 40 years. But Donald Trump made this post during the trial proceedings. So then what went down is during the lunch break, Judge Ngoran found out about this, called Donald Trump into chambers. Then Donald Trump had to remove the post. So Donald Trump took the post down from his social media platform. Trump had to go into chambers with Trump's lawyers. He was called in to speak with Judge Ngoran. Then he removed the post. Then Judge Ngoran remained with Trump's lawyers in chambers. This has been delaying the trial proceedings. I mean, it was total chaos in the courtroom when this went down. And then Judge Ngoran took the bench and then issued a gag order and said, let this be a gag order against all of the parties, anybody at all, from threatening, from attacking, from engaging in conduct like this against my court staff. Here's the direct quote from Judge Ngoran. Consider this statement a gag oh, order forbidding all parties from posting about any member of my staff. Failure to abide by this order will result in serious sanctions. And Donald Trump removed the post. This comes uh, after escalating threatening conduct by Donald Trump against the judge, against the New York Attorney General's office, against New York Attorney General Letitia James. You have Donald Trump just posting completely unhinged, deranged things during the trial, like here's another post that he made. He reposted himself sitting with Jesus, and it says, this is the most accurate sketch of all time, just to show you how unhinged he is. He's been posting things like this in all caps, just arrived at the courthouse to fight the corrupt and racist attorney general and a rogue, out-of-control, Trump-hating judge. Here's what he said yesterday. He called for Judge Ngoran to be criminally arrested. Here, play this clip. Wow. This is a judge that should be disbarred. This is a judge that should be out of office. Tournament judge. This is a judge that some people say could be charged criminally, but what he 
here he calls uh, Judge Ngoron a democratic operative. Stupid fuckers. This is Bruce Springsteen. This is Pat Benatar. This is Elton John. KHYT Tucson, a cumulus media station. Cowards. Cowards. And attacks him again. Play this clip. Violent crime that's being committed in our city and our state is disgraceful. And we're going to be here for months with a judge that already made up his mind. It's ridiculous. Ridiculous. It's disgusting. So, folks, a gag order has been imposed on Donald Trump. Trump was called into the judges' chambers. Trump removed the post, which is rare for him to do that. I think his lawyers had to tell him, what are you doing? You know, you're going to get hit with a judgment here in the amount of hundreds of millions of dollars. And in addition to that, you're going to get sanctions. And by the way, where this could now be used and where it undoubtedly will be used is with special counsel Jack Smith. Remember, on October 16th, special counsel Jack Smith has a hearing before Judge Tanya Chutkin in the Washington, D.C. federal criminal case. And Jack Smith, in his most recent briefing, in addition to showing all the posts that Donald Trump previously made requesting a limited gag order before Judge Tanya Chutkin, Jack Smith also included some of the recent statements by Donald Trump threatening to execute America's former top general, Mark Milley, as just one example. In footnote 9 of special counsel Jack Smith's brief, he showed how Donald Trump went to a gun store, actually the same gun store that was used to um, sell the gun to the racist mass shooter in Jacksonville. And Donald Trump said, I want to buy this Glock. And then his spokesperson said he bought the Glock, which would be a violation of the terms of his release. And he held the gun up. And so Jack Smith showed that to Judge Tanya Chutkin. Now, I have no doubt Special Counsel Jack Smith is going to show this conduct where Donald Trump threatened a law clerk of the judge during the proceedings as witness testimony was being taken. That will go before Judge Tanya Chuckin on October 16th. I expect a gag order to be issued by her as well. Folks, as Donald Trump becomes more unglued, more unhinged, as the facts about his fraud keep on coming out, he continues to escalate, but consequences will be coming. Consequences will be following because, folks, the facts are not on Donald Trump's side here. For all of the bravado and bluster, here is his CFO during deposition. The top financial person at the Trump organization, Alan Weisselberg, doesn't know about generally accepted counting principles. Here, play this clip. <laughs> If I said the phrase gap, 
GAAP. Are you familiar with that acronym? I've heard of that, yes. (laughs) Tell me everything you know about GAAP. What is GAAP? Generally accepted accounting principles. I I don't know what's in GAAP. I never took a CPA exam. I never studied for it. So I don't know all the various components of what GAAP is. Are there any components you know about what GAAP is? Not really. And so other than the gag order being imposed on Donald Trump, today's testimony came from Donald Trump's outside accountant, Donald Bender. Bender testified about all of these kind of misrepresentations in Donald Trump's financials, how Bender wasn't responsible for any of them. Bender pointed out some of the details about the various properties and the malfeasance that took place there. Also, earlier in the day, as I reported earlier, the judge also made it very clear that he was not overturning his prior statute of ruling, and he simply is reiterating that if a loan transaction was the subject of fraud within the statute of limitations, when the fraud was committed, not when the loan transaction took place. So there's nothing different about the scope of this case, despite the fact that Donald Trump and all the MAGA people were trying to act like there was some big ruling where the judge reversed himself. Because folks, everything is gaslighting. Everything is a lie. Everything is not fact-based when you come from these MAGA Republicans. And the conduct that they engaged in, the conduct that Trump is engaged in, horrific stuff, we're going to keep calling it out here on the Midas Touch Network. A gag order imposed on Trump. Chaotic day. This delayed the proceedings. Updated as we learn more. Hit subscribe. We're on our way to 2 million subscribers and check us out at patreon.com. Have a great day. At Midas Touch, we're unapologetically pro democracy. So and we demand. Americans in particular. Wanna be tyrants? Pendants is still allowed to run free and incite insurrection.
post. I shared it with YouTube. I shared it with mm, Facebook. Um, fed up Fox News host humiliates Trump legal team live on air. That sounds cool. <laughs> Well, this is off to a great start. I was going to come out and say that, as you know, we're not entitled to a jury, which is pretty unusual in the United States of America. So, no, that would be because your attorney, you know, the one trying to stick her head in the frame behind you, failed to tick a box. Now, if only there was someone on Fox willing to cut into this incoherent rambling and say something. But it seemed that she forgot, or I don't know what happened, she checked the box saying that they wanted a jury to check the box 
saying that they wanted a jury trial. And then Donald Trump is complaining to the cameras and on Truth Social that it is un-American to have a trial without a jury when his own crack talk team asked for that. Can I point out one thing? Sure. The sketch artist loves Trump. It is incredible. <laughs> this comes merely a week after the Midas Mighty fan favorite delivered a scathing takedown of Donald Trump after her co-hosts tried to present Joe Biden as too incoherent and old to run for president. Meanwhile, their candidate thinks that he beat Obama in 2016 and that Jeb Bush led into the Iraq war. It's less than four months before the Sham impeachment hearings and turn a blind eye to 91 indictments in counties. President of the United States has committed. But when we start talking about things that look like evidence, they want to act like they've lied. They don't know what this is. These are our national secrets. Looks like in the center to me. Seven counts related to obstructing the investigation. Girl. Three false statements. Thank One you, count of
You get everything you need in just a few clicks. Knowing your T levels is the first step in understanding if you have low T. Your testosterone level impacts your energy, libido. Testify. Trump losing his mind in fraud trial as Michael Cohen gets ready. Breaking Kevin McCarthy removed the Speaker of the House one hour ago. Shorts. Kevin McCarthy's speakership is officially over. After Matt Gates filed a motion to vacate, House Democrats joined several fringe House Republicans to remove McCarthy from the speakership. And now Republicans in Washington are in complete disarray because we don't have a Speaker of the House. Here's what to expect next. House Republicans will put forth a yeah, new candidate for Speaker. Time to House attack Democrats America. will do the same, who will be Hakeem Justice. But remember disarray. back in January, we went through this process and it took 15 votes Blame for McCarthy to win. And House Republicans are more divided than ever before. One note, the House will remain in session until a new speaker is chosen. And by the looks of it, that could be several days, weeks, or potentially months, because House Republicans right now are in complete disarray. For a full breakdown of this and more, go to MidasTouch.com right now. Kevin McCarthy's speakership is officially over. After Matt Gates filed a motion to vacate, House Democrats joined several fringe House Republicans to remove McCarthy from the speakership. And now, Republicans in Washington are in complete... We love you! Trump tried for his young children in an ice cream shop. And your fake attorney general of New York, who's driving business out, who's letting murderers run all over the city. They don't do anything to murderers that are running all over the city. The attorney general is a racist, Letitia James. How you and your fake attorney general of New York who's driving business out, who's letting murderers run all over the city. They don't do anything. Trump terrifies. Donald Trump and the other defendants have con committed persistent and repeated fraud. Last week, we proved that in our motion for summary judgment. Today, uh, we will prove our other claims. My message is simple. No matter how powerful you are, no matter how much money you think you may have, no one is above the law. And it is my responsibility and my duty and my job to enforce it. The law is both powerful and fragile. And today in court, we will prove our case. I thank you all for being here. And again, justice will prevail. Thank you. Donald Trump and the other defendants have been committed persistent and repeated fraud. Last week, we proved that in our motion for summary judgment. Today, uh, we will prove our other claims. My message is simple. No matter how powerful you are, no matter how much money you think you may have. Thank you, Tish James. We love you. Thank you, Tish James. We love you.
Tiger. Camelot. Money. Some of the mo most moderate members, quote unquote moderate members oh of the Republican Party, casted votes for things like 80% cuts under the Department of Education to low income schools. This is not a moderate party, period. There are not moderates in the Republican Party. There are just different degrees of fealty to Donald Trump. Some of the mo most moderate members, quote unquote moderate members of the Republican Party, casted votes for things like 80% cuts under the Department of Education to low-income schools. This is not a moderate party, period. There are not moderates in the Republican Party. There are just different degrees of fealty to Donald Trump. Some of the mo most moderate members, quote-unquote moderate members of the Republican Party, casted votes for things like 80% cuts under the Department That's of Education to low-income schools. This is my gosh, she looks gorgeous. Enjoy specials on favorites like Bud Light and Dos Equis, along with discounts on our world-famous wings, served for you hot and fresh by the Hooters Girls. See you at Hooters From the O'Reilly Chevrolet traffic Suspend the Republican Party. Remember that? A collision on Sarita Road to the west of Houghton. And I'm Cricket with your KHIT 1075 traffic. This report is sponsored by Allworth Financial. Suspend the Republican Party for cheating elections systematically. We succeed. That's uncompromised. And persecuting minorities and immigrant groups. Financial advice that's always on your side by calling 833 Go Allworth or visit allworthfinancial.com to book your appointment today. I always hear um, John Mellencamp. He follows me on Instagram. She's fucking gorgeous. She looks gorgeous. You look gorgeous, darling. Chica, muy hermosa, muy bella, buena. Bueno. Buena. Buenota. Más buenota. Chica. Let's see what else we got here. It's fucking gorgeous. She looks gorgeous. <laughs> Asked Kevin McCarthy announced his decision on if he will run again or give up. He's <laughs> fucking retired, fucker. Trump losing his mind in fraud trial as Michael Cohen gets ready one hour ago. I finally solved my pet problem in my Georgia home. Bugs would come into any crack or crevice of our house. Welcome to Political, Political Beatdown! My cell is 
joined by Michael Cohen. Cohen, I've been hearing your name over the past 48 hours, not just on political beatdown. There's been a lot of news, obviously, with the New York Attorney General civil fraud case starting the most recent piece of breaking news and quite horrifying during day two of the trial it appears that happened is donald trump act while testimony was taking place the law clerk of judge and goran were not going to post her photo here or put her name up but he posted it on his social media platform with a link to her instagram account and basically said that she was chuck schumer's uh, girlfriend, Chuck Schumer's happily married for 40 years, defamed her there, and then it basically had all of his people, you know, go over there, attack her, harass her. Judge Ngoron, uh issued a gag order. I mean, we're talking about a civil case. The judge had to issue a gag order during the lunch. During the lunch break, Donald Trump was leaving, and then Ngoron like called him back into chambers. Donald Trump took down the post, and then Ngoron says, I take this very seriously, all threats against my staff. Like, what was supposed to happen today was we had Donald Bender, Trump's outside accountant from Mazers and former, was testifying, just going through the financials, and Donald Trump could not control himself. He couldn't, he couldn't handle himself in a courtroom so he just started threatening people and we've seen that conduct throughout he started off by showing up on day one threatening judge and Gore. he called for judge and Goran to be arrested he attacked the new york attorney general letitia james just he called her a racist because be she's a black arrested. woman he said the same thing about you Bonnie willis like the da in georgia you also have the lunatic Jack Smith, the special counsel. This is the problem with Donald Trump. This this is the problem. You know, and I want to talk to you. I don't know how much you're able to share or not share. Obviously, you're a witness in the case, so we, of course, want to respect the boundaries that exist right there. Um, you know, portions of your deposition were apparently released. I did a video on that. I saw the video depositions of Donald Trump where he said that um, he doesn't know about GAAP, generally accepted accounting principles, and he said in the video deposition that it was Weisselberg who's the one who handles GAAP. Weisselberg's not a CPA. He's the CFO who's not a CPA. He says he doesn't know what generally accepted accounting principles are. Then you had Don Jr. who was saying that other than knowing that they're generally accepted he doesn't know what gap is and you had eric trump stating that he just doesn't believe he's looked at statement of financial conditions and then we had the very credible deposition testimony that you gave in the video that i did i contrasted all of these things and i was just telling the people i was just like the reason that donald trump is doing what he does is because look when he's under oath how he behaves and how he acts and when asked very simple questions that anybody who's a who's a cfo would know generally accepting accounting principles 
if you run the business like Trump said Eric did, you would know your statement of financial conditions. And again, I, I want to make sure everybody knows there are boundaries here, of course, what you can and can't say. But I want to get your reaction as much as you can tell us, Cohen, about what's been going down. So clearly I've been receiving hundreds of phone calls and messages from journalists that are there over at 60 Center Street. That's the courthouse uh, where Judge Ngoron is presiding upon. The crazy thing is yesterday, the very first day, all of a sudden what ends up happening? They end up, as Ben said, in Salty, if you have that video, that'd be great just to show the brigaders. The crazy thing is... They put up, and I'm talking about the Attorney General, the prosecutors, put up the videoed deposition of me from about six months ago, something that I had spoken to, um, you know, on political beatdown when I received the summons in order the non-party witness summons. This deposition is part of the death touch. That it's that it's. The, it's the death penalty to the Trump organization and to Donald. You see, the problem is when they're asking Don Jr., Eric, Donald, Weisselberg, when they're asking any of these folks um, questions during these depositions, they don't want to give the answer. And the reason that they don't want to give the answer is because any answer that they give can put them in additional legal jeopardy more so than what they may even potentially be in. It's exactly why Donald doesn't want or didn't want to appear for the deposition in the $500 million, um, you know, frivolous lawsuit that he brought against me in the Southern District of Miami. And so he's now forced to sit this week at the courthouse, despite he wants to do a thousand other things. The last place in the world he wants to be is in that courthouse, thinking he's going to stare down Judge and Goron. He's going to stare down Tish James, and it means anything. It's almost like, you know, back in fourth grade or fifth grade, you have an argument zone, and you're giving him mean looks the whole time. I mean, this guy is truly an absolute... Baby. They turn around and they tell him, you cannot, I guarantee you his lawyers turned around and said to him, you cannot say these things about the judge. You cannot say these things about the prosecutors. You cannot say these things about Attorney General Tish James. Certainly they never expected that he was going to be saying or doing the things that he did against a law clerk. So now it's interesting to see what, if anything, these three lawyers going to do in order to curb him because the judge has issued a gag order. He is now prevented from doing this sort of bullshit again. And if he does, well, then again, it's now going to be up to Judge Ngoron to decide what the penalty is going to be for that. Will it be a monetary penalty? I don't think Trump even cares. Why? Because he knows that Ngoron's um, case that he is presiding over is the death penalty to the Trump Corporation. So what will be left? Who the hell knows? So does he care, I guess, whether or not that they hit him with additional penalties and fines? Well, he should, but maybe he doesn't because he's just a man baby. And that's the problem here. He has no regard for the law. He has no regard for process. He has no regard for anyone. And you may remember yesterday, 
for a very brief second, Donald came out and he turned around and he said, at the end of the hearing today, all of a sudden, Ngoron made a statement that validates his point that 80% of the case has been dismissed. Well, that's not true. And the first thing Ngoron did this morning, the very first thing he did is he corrected the record. And he said that what Donald said, and then what he brought out Cliff Robert, who's no legal genius, I promise you that, brought out Cliff Robert to turn around and to espouse the same lies and the same misinformation and disinformation as he was spewing. That the statement that Ngoron made does not get rid of 80% of the claims. So Ngoron felt it necessary in order to correct the record this morning. There is so much going on right now in our political lives, the lives of America that it is really hard, Ben, for us to figure out just <laughs> which needs to come first. Well, you know, I want to start start with New York Attorney General, because right now on the Midas channel as well, we've got the votes on the motion to vacate. That was a surprise that this is even happening over the past 24 to 48 hours. <laughs> votes being taken right now. Um, we're going to have that audience come here, and it looks like the motion to vacate is going to pass. So I want to be able to report that here first on Beatdown. When that happens, it hasn't happened yet. Talking about the New York Attorney General case, yeah, I mean, it's just lie after lie. You know, in a case involving inflating numbers, right, Donald Trump goes out, takes what the judge says, and then lies to all the right-wing media, which publish it, and by the way, legacy media covers it as well, and says 80% of the case has now been dismissed as a result of what the judge just said about the statute of limitations. And Donald Trump went from earlier in the day attacking the judge, calling for Judge Ngoron to be indicted, calling for Judge Ngoron to be arrested, disbarred, to saying, you know what, you made a very reasonable uh, ruling there at the end. And, and I said immediately, because you and I have been following the appellate division um, and what they're saying, the first department, and like, these issues have been addressed. Like, this isn't confusing, complicated stuff, right? This is where a decision in June reached by the appellate division overturned Ngoron on certain limited issues, and that's where Ivanka Trump was dismissed from the case. Mm -hmm. But what was not dismissed was the Trump organization, Donald Trump and his adult kids. Donald Trump's argument is that for purposes of statute of limitations, the date a loan transaction closed is when the statute of limitations should start. And what the court has said and what common sense says is no, when the fraud is committed, that's when the statute of limitation occurs, because that's when the injury takes place. So, for example, if you all bought a house in 2011 and then used the mortgage that you got in 2011 to commit a fraud in, let's say, 2022, Donald Trump's theory about the statute of limitations is it's not the fraud in 2022. You go back to when the mortgage was put on the house in 2011, and Judge Ngoron's previously stated, and we've covered this, that's why follow beatdown, that that is like a very bizarre interpretation of statute of limitations and would have this very strange, like, 
reversionary view of, of statute of limitations that would disqualify like every fraud case because it's when the fraud is committed. So the case day two and Goron says, no, the case isn't gutted. The case is the same. It's always has been. So this it's morning, what, the and what ends up happening is you have Donald Bender, who is the accountant, um, and he is a CPA, the accountant represented for the Trump Corporation with Mazers. That's the accounting firm that was handling it. And again, my name gets invoked in terms of who he maintained relationships with, which is why I find it so interesting and odd when you have some of these pundits. And look, Ben and I talk about this all the time. Why is political beatdown? Why is Midas Touch Network the right place to come to get your info? Because there is no misinformation. And I'm not going to say anything to you unless I know it to be factually accurate. I can't tell you the number of pundits. And it doesn't make a difference which station it is. It doesn't matter if it's Fox, Newsmax, OEN, CNN, or even MSNBC, where some of these pundits, they just need to answer the question, feeling that if they don't answer the question, one of two things happens. Either they lose credibility because they're supposed to know everything, or they don't get called back, which they want neither of. So the other day, I'm listening to these two pundits talking about me and say, well, I may not make a great witness for the attorney general. Let me be very clear, Brigaders. I am the witness for the New York Attorney General. I don't have to go back and show you the clip where she acknowledges the whole thing basically started from my own testimony. The documents, how do they know what documents you know, I provided to the Attorney General? How do they know the testimony that I provided to the Attorney General that they built this case on over time? They don't, right? Now, that doesn't mean that Trump or the Trump Corporation is guilty. There is a presumption of innocence in this country. Now, I think he's guilty. Yeah, I do. And I think that's the way Ingoron will find it as well. The question is, he was already found guilty on the first count. The question that remains is, what are the damages? How much? That's the million-dollar question. And Salty, if you have that uh, clip, the one from the New York Post that came out, it explains everything incredibly well. It's terse to the point. They took my deposition for over seven-plus hours. That deposition does not benefit the defense. It, it promotes prosecution, but it does not um, benefit the defense. And the funny thing is, third-party subpoena of me came from the defense, which just goes to show you how incompetent they actually are. I think we are moments away from being able to announce that Kevin McCarthy, it is official right now, I have word, the motion to vacate has officially passed. Kevin McCarthy has now been removed as Speaker of the House. The uh, just happened moments ago. It is official eight Republicans against Kevin McCarthy. Um, so we will be keeping you updated there. We will be sending the audience. Uh, and by the way, Cohen, right now we have beat down and our live coverage of what's going down on the motion to vacate. But that, the numbers, both, baby. that are both the top videos of all of YouTube um, right now. But here's what I want to show our brigaders. Before I show your deposition, 
I want to show because I want them to see that how different yours is from the others. So in connection, when a case goes to trial, a lot of evidence remains sealed until it goes to trial, then it gets released. That's why we have these deposition testimonies. Um, video depositions that are now made available to us. So the first one I want to show you is sure. Donald Trump. And in this deposition, Trump says that Weisselberg is the one who knows about generally accepted accounting principles. Play this clip. To meet your obligation here of presenting the information to counter in accordance with GAAP. Was Alan Weisselberg responsible for that? Back to the floor. I would say yes. Okay, well, what does Alan Weisselberg have to say about that? Play the deposition of Weisselberg. Like I said, the phrase GAAP, G-A-A-P. Are you familiar with that acronym? I, I've heard of that, yes. Okay. Tell me everything you know about GAAP. What is GAAP? Generally accepted accounting principles. I, I don't know what's in GAAP. I never took a CPA exam. Okay. I never studied for it. So I don't know all the various components of what GAAP is. Are there any components you know about what GAP is? Not really. Okay. No. Not I've got really. some questions I want to ask you there, Cohen. But before huh? doing that, let's see. Does Eric Trump know anything about the statement of financial conditions? Because in Donald Trump's deposition, Donald Trump said over the past six years, Eric was in charge of the statement of financial conditions. So, Eric Trump, can you tell us about the statement of financial conditions? Play the clip. I don't remember a video conference in 2021 talking about the state of financial condition. Uh, did, did I? I mean, maybe you could show me something, but I, uh, you know, again, I don't think I ever signed a statement of financial condition. I, I, I don't. Uh, you know, I've done a lot to try and jog my memory, and I simply can't because I don't think I've ever had any involvement in the statement of financial condition, to the best of my knowledge. Okay, well, Don Jr., you went to Wharton, Don Jr. You must know what generally accepted yeah. accounting principles are, right? Play the clip. Do you have any familiarity with an acronym GAAP, G-A-A-P? Generally accepted accounting principles, yeah. Okay. How did you become familiar with that acronym? Probably in Accounting 101 at Wharton. Okay. Um, what do they teach you about generally accepted accounting principles in Wharton? Uh, well, I'm not an accountant, but that they are generally accepted. <laughs> Anything else? That's, that's pretty much what I remember from accounting when I want to say. Have you told me everything you know about that? <laughs> uh, basically. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm sure I could come up with some creative uh, <laughs> stuff to kill time, but I'd be doing neither of us a favor in terms of educating ourselves. Okay, the attorney asking him those questions, though, is great. She's like laughing in his face and kind of mocking him. And he thinks she's like flirting with him because he's a malignant narcissist like his father. Yeah, I don't know anything about GAP. <laughs> I mean, okay, well, y'all signed certifications saying that this conformed with generally accepted accounting principles. And here's the thing, Cohen. What I just showed going through all of that is ridiculous. And now I want to compare that, though, to the deposition of yours that was released. So play the portion of Cohen's. You're welcome. Play the, play the portion of Cohen's. How did the Trump Organization value an asset? Let's call it um, Seven Springs. How would the Trump Organization value that asset for the SOSC? For what year? 
2000, I mean, it's a general question. It's frankly not per year. It's, they, they have a process. What was the process? Goal mm -hmm. was to use each of the assets and increase its value in order to get to the end result number. It was basically backing in numbers to each of the asset classes in order to attain the number that Mr. Trump wanted. Okay. So, correct me if I'm wrong, what you're saying is there was a number for Seven Springs, for instance. Let's use Seven Springs as an example. And you had to back into that number? No, no, no. Okay, so... I, I, what I'm saying... So, Mr. Trump would call Alan and I into the office and let's say it said he was worth six billion dollars. Well, he wanted to be higher on the Forbes list and he then said, I'm actually not worth six billion, I'm worth seven. In fact, I think it's actually now worth eight with everything that's going on. Alan and I were tasked with taking the assets, increasing each of those asset classes in order to accommodate that $8 billion number. Okay. Michael Cohen, that was your deposition just released. Um, as viewers start arriving here who were watching the other proceedings on the Midas Touch Network, it is official. Kevin McCarthy is no longer the Speaker of the House. The motion to vacate um, was just ruled on, and McCarthy has lost the motion to vacate. There's going to now be a whole host of proceedings there to figure out who the next Speaker is going to be. We're going to be covering that here on Political Beatdown, of course. But for those watching right now, we have a very rare ability to speak with Michael Cohen, my co-host, who I couldn't be prouder of as I'm watching what's going on in the New York Attorney General civil fraud case. We just went through the different depositions, including Michael Cohen, your deposition. And I remember when you sat for that deposition, you weren't able to really talk about it. You mentioned that... And if you're playing Hopper was the one who was asked. But to see your deposition where you provide facts and data and you come with receipts, right? You hear, here are the documents. Which then goes directly to what I had just said about these pundits on these other stations. 
these pundits are, well, he's not really going to be a good witness for the attorney general because, no. you know, um, he doesn't have uh, credibility because he doesn't, um, he, you know, he wasn't there. And I'm saying to myself, how do they know I wasn't there? They listened to this nine-hour, eight-hour deposition, or seven-hour, whatever. I don't even remember how long it was. All I remember is it was all day. It was the maximum that they're allowed to keep you. In fact, that they watched it, they would understand. No different than when I did the House Oversight Committee hearing live. No different. I came with the receipts. I came with the documentary evidence as well as the testimony that was corroborated others. Today, as I was stating, Donald Bender from Mazers invoked my name yet again, and I'm certain that the invocation of my name was to corroborate certain information that the Attorney General is putting forth in order to be successful in the outcome of this specific uh, part of the case. And that, again, is for the damages, to show the liabilities already been established, but to show damages. Um, this is not a good position for Trump to be in. This deposition is very, it's very harmful to um, their position uh, and to their, and to their um, legal point. Part of this that to me is confounding is the fact that they again were the ones that called me knowing the information that I had. And that's based on Donald's arrogance. It's the same arrogance that Donald Trump employees when he starts to go after the clerk of the judge now he has a gag order again what the judge hey there welcome back um they keep shutting down my podcast they just destroyed three hours of programming scared little five-year-old mary trump exposes her uncle donald's cruel and disgusting behavior 10 minutes ago might have touched with the Fries app, you can always save big on your favorites with personalized coupons and deals. So you. Against all That's enemies. Ken Harbaugh with Against All Enemies on the Midas Touch Network. Every time I think the former president can't sink any lower, he does. In an extraordinary new article in The Atlantic, Jeffrey Goldberg covers just how close we came to losing our democracy during Trump's first term and how the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Milley, held the line. One of the stories that jumps out to me is about a comment Trump made within earshot of several people regarding a wounded veteran. Here's Nicole Wallace with a breakdown of what happened. From that piece, quote, at his welcome ceremony at Joint Base Meyer-Henderson Hall across the Potomac River from the Capitol, Milley gained an early and disturbing insight into Trump's attitude towards soldiers. Milley had chosen a severely wounded Army captain, Luis Avila, to sing God Bless America. Avila, who had completed five combat tours, had lost a leg in an IED attack in Afghanistan, and had suffered two heart attacks, two strokes, and brain damage as a result of his injuries. To Millie and to four-star generals across the Army, Avila and his wife Claudia represented the heroism, the sacrifice, and the dignity of wounded soldiers. After Avila's performance, Trump walked over to congratulate him, but then said to Millie with an earshot of several witnesses, quote, why do you bring people like that here? Nobody wants to see that, the wounded. Never let Avila appear in public again, Trump told Millie. And that was day one on the job for Millie. 
After I left the Navy, I spent the next decade advocating for veterans. I went back to school, but I felt restless and honestly guilty with so many of my buddies still in Iraq and Afghanistan. I know a lot of the vets watching can relate. At one point, a few months into law school, I found myself driving down to Bethesda Navy because I wanted to meet with the Marines recovering there. This was at the height of the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, and I had this idea that I was going to this military hospital and provide the patients there with some comfort and some comfort. It didn't take long sitting with those Marines to realize that just the opposite would happen. They were inspiring me. I'll never forget what one young Marine said as he was being wheeled into his tent reconstructed surgery. He looked me in the eye and said, Sir, I lost my legs. That's it. Didn't lose my desire to serve or my pride in being an American. Now, I know that's not the story of everybody, but it's what I think about when I see someone like Captain Avalos. the National Anthem for his president. I want you to watch this. And putting all of us in harm's way. I'll never forget what one young Marine said as he was being wheeled into his 10th reconstructed surgery. He looked me in the eye and said, Sir, I lost my legs. That's it. I didn't lose my desire to serve or my pride in being an American. Now, I know that's not the story of every veteran, but it's what I think about when I see someone like Captain Avalos singing the national anthem for his president. I want you to watch this clip. who rush to his defense every time will point out that we don't have those comments on tape. But who should we believe? General Milley, who has served his country bravely and honorably for decades, or a known pathological liar? There is extensive reporting Captain Trump's for those who serve, including credible sources saying he called Americans who died fighting for their country suckers and losers. And let's not forget Trump's comments about John McCain 
a certified war hero with the medals to prove it. In this case, we have the actual receipts. And I said, somebody should run against John McCain, who has been, you know, in my opinion, not so hot. And I supported him. I supported him for president. I raised a million dollars for him. It's a lot of money. I supported him. He lost. He let us down. But, you know, he lost. So I never liked him as much after that, because I don't like losers. But, but Frank, Frank, let me get to him. He hit me. He's not a war hero. He's a war hero. He's a war hero because he was captured. I like people that weren't captured, okay? I hate to tell you. Do you agree In my world, I don't know anyone who looks at a POW and thinks, loser. Or at a wounded vet and thinks, embarrassing. Maybe that's because I spend a lot of time around vets. But I suspect the vast majority of those watching this show feel the same. I suspect the vast majority of Americans feel the same. Thanks for listening, everyone. I've got a quick break here, but I need a favor first. Shows like this depend on your support. Please, if you can spare five seconds, click the link to the podcast version of the show below and leave us a five-star review. It really does help. Thanks. Great video, the one singing out of tune with Trump. Thanks for sharing. <sighs> Seems like I'm first to come in here about MTN. Americans love Trump. Captain Bone Spurs. Okay. Captain Bone Spurs. I wrote, I always wonder what do American veterans of the Middle East wars think about the fact that they were illegal wars of aggression. If I were a veteran, I would be very angry at the Bush administrations for dragging us into them. Million people, millions of people were displaced because of the Bush family. Okay. God bless America. Land that I love, stand beside her and get her. Okay, let's see what else Midas Touch has. <laughs> hey, bo- hey, vets. Hey, veterans.
load that. Said, hey, veterans, Captain Bone Spurts calls you suckers and looters. So vote that. La la la. <laughs> Cruel and disgusting behavior. Trump event instantly gets unhinged at it. Recently, Mr. Williams from Florida suspected that his wife might be cheating on him. She hadn't been working for six months, yet she also had... I'm Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch Network. Today is day one of trial mm -hmm. in the New York Attorney General Letitia James civil fraud lawsuit on behalf of the state of New York against Donald Trump for his systematic and persistent fraud in his financial valuations. Also, co-defendants include Eric and Don Jr., as well as the various Trump organizations. The judge presiding over the matter, Judge Ngoron, has already found partial summary judgment against Donald Trump, resulting in the cancellation of Donald Trump's business entities, and Judge Ngoron has ordered the dissolution of the business entities. We're now at trial for the purpose of determining the remaining causes of action, as well as for disgorgement claims. In other words, the damages portion of the trial is taking place. Donald Trump showed up to the first day of this trial and further admitted to the claims that he is being charged with, the fraudulent valuations. Donald Trump also attacked the judge, attacked New York Attorney General Letitia James, and generally did everything that you should not do when facing a very serious lawsuit like this that could result in all of his businesses completely shutting down. So first, let me show you right here. This is nah. Donald Trump further admitting to the fraudulent valuation scheme before he stepped into the courtroom. This was a press conference that Donald Trump gave outside of the court. Play this clip. They have one property that's worth anywhere from 50 to 100 times what this judge put down as a value. Put down a value, $18 million, and the property's probably worth, could be anywhere from 50 to 100 times more than that. And a lot of those numbers could even be low. We have other properties, the same thing. So he devalued everything. I didn't even put in my best asset, which is the brand, in terms of value. Coca-Cola, take a look at their value. They have a value. The value of their brand is more than everything else put together. My brand is extremely valuable. I didn't even use it in my financial statement. If I wanted to build up a financial statement, I would have built it up by using brand in addition to everything else. We have the greatest properties. We have among the greatest properties in the world, and I have to go. So you see in that clip, Donald Trump is claiming that Mar-a-Lago is valued at, I think he said, a hundred times what the judge ruled, he said. And Donald Trump also said he didn't include the Trump brand in the valuations of his properties. Well, let's take the latter uh, thing first, which is Trump absolutely did include his brand in some of his properties and valuations. That's one of the claims. That's one of the stipulated and essentially admitted facts uh, that's at issue in the trial. 
Um, and then when Donald Trump says that the value of Mar-a-Lago is 100 times what the judge ruled, Donald Trump is further demonstrating his liability there. Judge Ngoron didn't rule on the valuation of Mar-a-Lago. Judge Ngoron looked at what the tax appraisers said the valuation of Mar-a-Lago and all the other properties are. And what did Donald Trump say the appraised value of Mar-a-Lago and his other properties is? Donald Trump asked for a lower valuation of Mar-a-Lago so he can play, pay less property taxes. Donald Trump stipulated that the value of Mar-a-Lago was less than $26.6 million in the recent 2020 tax assessment after Donald Trump tried to challenge the Palm Beach tax assessors when they came up with the valuation of $26.6 million. And yeah, there are some people who can say, well, the tax assessment is always lower than the market value, but not 2,900% lower, and that is the underlying fraud at issue there. Um, I'll show you this next clip as well, where Donald Trump says this is all a scam. He's saying that the judge is after him, and he calls New York Attorney General Letitia James a racist. Play the clip. This is a continuation of the single greatest witch hunt of all time. We have a rogue judge who rules that properties are worth a tiny fraction, one one-hundredth, a tiny fraction of what they actually are. We have a racist attorney general who's a horror show who ran on the basis that she was going to get Trump before she even knew anything about me. She used this to run for governor. She failed in her attempt to run for governor. She had virtually no polling. She came back and she said, well, now I'll go back to get Trump again. And this is what we have. It's a scam. It's a sham. If you've got loved ones who depend on you like I do, why leave anything up to chance in a worst case scenario? Life insurance gives your family a safety net that can cover expenses like mortgage payments or college costs so they won't have to worry about money while getting back on their feet. Luckily, Policy Genius makes finding the right policy simple, and their team of licensed experts are on hand to help talk you through it. Even if you already have life insurance policy through your work, it may not offer enough protection for your family's needs, and it may not follow you if you ever leave your job. With Policy Genius, you can find life insurance policies that start at just $292 per year for $1 million of coverage. Some options offer same-day approval and avoid unnecessary medical exams. Policy Genius knows how valuable your time is. Their technology makes it easy to compare life insurance quotes from America's top insurers in just a few clicks to find your lowest price. Policy Genius has licensed award-winning agents who can help you find the best fit for your needs. They work for you, not the insurance companies. That means they don't have an incentive to recommend one insurer over another, so you can trust their guidance. Policy Genius is for parents, caregivers, and our reviews on Google. Link in the description to get your free life insurance quotes and see how much you could save. That's policygenius.com. Again, not something you want to do before you step into court like that. And by the way, Donald Trump, by doing that, is basically just generating more evidence that's going to be played at trial, in addition to his deposition, which New York Attorney General Letitia James is going to play. Uh, the New York Attorney General's office is going to show these clips and say, look, Judge, he's still making the fraudulent valuations. Donald Trump may have claimed the valuation of Mar-a-Lago was 600 or $700 million in the lawsuit. Now he's saying it's $1 billion or more than $1 billion. This is part of the persistent fraud, Your Honor, and here's why you should rule 
in favor of the state of New York. This is the uh, press conference given by New York Attorney General Letitia James where she says no one is above the law and no matter how rich you think you are, you are not above the law. Play the clip. Would you ask it? Are you are not above the law? Play the clip. Good morning, everyone. Donald Trump and the other defendants have con- committed persistent and repeated fraud. Last week, we proved that in our motion for summary judgment. Today, uh, we will prove our other claims. My message is simple: No matter how powerful you are, no matter how much money you think you may have, no one is above the law. And it is my responsibility and my duty and my job to enforce it. The law is both powerful and fragile. And today in court, we will prove our case. I thank you all for being here. And again, justice will prevail. Thank you. And folks, the trial was off to a powerful start. You had New York Attorney General Letitia James sitting there. Donald Trump was in the trial. The uh, trial began with playing a footage of the various depositions where essentially all of the Trumps, from Eric Trump to Don Jr. to Donald Trump himself, all denied responsibility for the statement of financial conditions. Like each was saying that they had no role in preparing them. And Trump said Eric did it. Eric said he didn't do it. Don Jr. said he didn't do it. And then they played the deposition testimony of Michael Cohen, my co-host here on Political Beatdown. And Michael Cohen stated that Donald Trump wanted to inflate the valuations of his properties so he could be higher on the Forbes list. That was one of the most important things for Donald. Trump to be up on the uh, Forbes list. So there you have it, folks, all of that taking place on the first day of trial. We reported here first on the Midas Touch Network that Donald Trump would be attending. But to have Donald Trump in the courtroom with those images, New York Attorney General Letitia James in the courtroom, you see at the council table as well, you have Christopher Keis is Donald Trump's lawyer there on the left. You have Alina Haba, looks like a, a dear and headlights there on the right. Folks, that is what accountability looks like. Going back to what New York Attorney General Letitia James said, no one is above the law no matter how rich you think you are. We will keep you up to date here as breaking news develops in this trial. I expect there to be, after the presentation of all of the evidence over the next days and weeks, a verdict against Donald Trump to the tune of hundreds of millions of dollars that he's going to have to uh, pay back. And we know he only has about $400 million in the bank in cash, if you believe that. I'm Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch Network. This is the first update of the New York Attorney General trial uh, in connection with the fraudulent valuation case against Donald Trump. Hit subscribe to make sure you stay up to date on all the breaking news. Check us out at patreon.com slash Midas Touch if you want to support the growth of this platform. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com.
stepping into conferences. Convicted of persistent fraud. <laughs> Diaper Donald demonstrates persistent fraud at a at a press conference right before stepping <laughs> into a courtroom <laughs> to be convicted of persistent fraud. Midas touch is God for us. Trump steps in it with rally both that will backfire two hours ago. If your dog sleeps with you, this parasite might be sleeping with you as well. If you have any of these symptoms. And last year, I was able to do something that nobody thought was possible. And you have to really think about this and study this because it's very important. We ended Roe v. Wade. You just think about it. Well done, Donald Trump. Aren't you a wonderful, generous, kind, and spirited man? Yes, that you right. managed to prevent women all over the United States from having an abortion. That is just wonderful. Congratulations yes, to you. It must mean so much to you. Look, seriously, the United States as a whole, women, when polled, men, when polled, they do not want, seriously, states from having an abortion. That is just wonderful. Congratulations to you. It must mean so much to you. Look, seriously, the United States... Yes. Few, adult, few U.S. adults support... U.S. adults support for abortion bans even in states that have them full abortion bans even in states that have them an AP NLRC poll finds the whole women when polled men when polled they do not want abortion to be illegal that is basically how it goes Poll after poll after poll, the majority of Americans believe that a woman should have the right to choose. And let me give you a statistic that you might not be aware of, something that actually never really gets spoken about, and that is that one in three women in this country will have an abortion in their lifetime. One in three. Just think about that. Donald Trump is taking away a, a right from one in three women in the United States. These people have to get elected. We have to get elected. But I did something that for 52 years, people talked. They spent vast amounts of money in fighting it, but they couldn't get the job done. 52 years they fought, and they fought hard. 
They spent large. They have fundraisers every night. They couldn't get the job done. I got the job done. I got it done. And the polling might be in support for Donald Trump and his delicious plan to remove health care from women. If you are asking, I don't know, Christian nationalists or, or evangelical Christians or, you know, groups of, of religious extremists. But we're looking across the entire country. We're looking at the majority of the United States and the... I support orchidectomies for convicted rapists. Polling does not support the argument from these groups. The majority of U.S. adults, including those living in states with the strictest limits on abortion, want it to be legal at least through the initial stages of pregnancy. That was a poll from the Associated Press, Nork Center for Public Affairs Research. Anyway, a recent poll, months. all of my quotes here will be... Diaper Donald, switch parties. Which um... Recent polls, that was from late June, a year after the undoing of Roe v. Wade in the Supreme Court. The nationwide right to an abortion that had been in place for 50 years. And it's thanks to the three great Supreme Court justices and others on the court that I appointed this issue has been returned to the states where all legal scholars on both sides felt it should be. A few points. Now the pro-life community has tremendous negotiating power. You had none. The poll found 73% of all U.S. adults, including 58% of those in states with the strictest bans, believe abortion should be allowed at six weeks of pregnancy. Gallup did a poll that showed 85% of Americans believe abortion should be legal. NPR, PBS NewsHour, Marist did a poll. They, they discovered that 61% said they mostly support abortion rights. 61% supporting abortion rights, and yet Donald Trump is convinced that to get elected, he needs to be saying this stuff. He needs to be confirming that he was the one that brought this about and taking ownership for removing a woman's right to choose in the United States. A third of Republicans also qualify themselves as mostly supporting abortion rights. A third of Republicans, not an insignificant share in a party that has made opposition to abortion rights a litmus test for political candidates. Now, a pollster for Vox.com, Teresa Undam, wrote that the standard measure used to report the public views on abortion Polling questions used by Pew Research Center, Gallup, Washington Post, ABC News, and others, she said, are, are likely at best flawed. They don't capture how people really think about abortion. The standard measure asks respondents about when or in what cases abortion should be legal. The question wording and the response categories vary across pollsters, but when collapsed into two categories, legal and illegal, you tend to get a divided opinion. 
Pew, for example, the question they ask people is, do you think abortion should be legal in all cases, legal in most cases, illegal in most cases, or illegal in all cases? Well, when it comes to real-life views on the issue, how people actually experience abortion, the numbers get even more intriguing. Among people who said abortion should only be legal in rare cases, 71% said they would give support to a close friend or family member who had an abortion. 69% said they want the experience of having an abortion to be non-judgmental. 66% said they want the experience to be supportive. 64% want the experience to be affordable. And 59% want the experience to be without added burdens. So what's going on? When some respondents say abortion should be legal only in rare cases, are they thinking of an ideal but unrealistic world? Are they answering the question yeah. in personal terms, cases in which they personally yeah, would consider an abortion? In reality, they want each person to decide, there and then, as individuals, rather than have the government decide. Meanwhile, states are passing laws that are closing clinics and limiting access. And more than 200 anti-abortion bills have been proposed in state legislatures across the country. Republicans in Congress are attaching anti-abortion legislation wherever they can. Recently to a bill about doctors' reimbursements for Medicare patients. We need to ask questions about how the public views abortion policy and do so in a real and accurate way. This is the reality that, you know, nothing is black and white, that life is nuanced. Healthcare in the U.S. is a bit of an oxymoron. You know, it's like for those that can afford it, they're going to have abortions, whether they are Republican or Democrat. But what we need to get to is a point where women can choose between them and their health professional what is right for them, not for a white, rich lawmaker or even a deranged and disgraced ex-president to decide for you. We ended Roe v. Wade. You just, just think about it. You just think about it. I'm Anthony Davis. You can hear me every day on the 5-Minute News Podcast, on Wednesdays co-hosting Uncovered, and on Sundays on The Weekend Show with Midas Touch. Hey, Midas Mighty. Love this report? Continue the conversation by following us on Instagram, at Midas Touch. Keep up with the most important news of the day. What are you waiting for? Follow us now. Hello, I'm Martin Sheen with an urgent message. Will you chip in before midnight? To help re-elect well, Sheriff Brown to the version of the show below and leave us a five-star review. It really does help. Thanks. Where's the part about Mary It makes Trump? me wonder about the psychological state of the former president. What kind of person meets a wounded soldier and says, no one wants to see that? It's classic bullying behavior. And anyone who stood up to a bully knows that deep down, they're all just cowards operating from a place of deep insecurity. I asked a clinical psychologist about this during an interview on Burn the Beds. Mary Trump, the former president's niece, brings a unique perspective on just how damaged the former president is. In the time we have left, I, I, I want another <laughs> clinical psychologist's 
insight. Growing up, I I was fortunate enough to come around to the realization that the bullies I encountered were actually pitiful characters. They were all invariably from broken homes, and they were bullying as a way of, of compensating for something. You have described your uncle as a scared little five-year-old, and that that story of the mashed potatoes, maybe I can link to in the show. I'm not going to ask you to to rehash it again, but, you know, it just captures every little bully I, I ever knew. Is there ever a part of you that feels sorry for your uncle? No, um, not at all. Although, what I will say, because, uh, listen, I, I know plenty of people who've had much worse childhoods, without the benefit of the enormous advantages that he experienced, um, who turned out to be decent, kind, empathetic, productive human beings. So uh, there's no excuse for what he does and who he's chosen to become. Um, But, you know, if you read my book, I would hope, the first book, which is mostly about my family. Uh, I would hope that people come away having a great deal of compassion for the five children, including Donald and my father, who were raised by uh, a sociopath, my grandfather on the one hand, and a deeply personality disordered mother on the other hand. Uh, So, you can feel, listen, uh, you know, bullies, serial killers, all, all sorts of people, horrible people, had terrible childhoods, and we should have compassion for that. Uh, the children and what they experience. But that's, that's a very separate issue. Uh, Donald Trump, as he currently exists, deserves none of our compassion. Um, and all of our uh, enmity and we should do everything in our power to make sure that he never, ever ascends to any office in which he has power over the lives of the American people. Yeah, I am with you 100% on that. My sympathy for bullies stops when they get the nuclear codes, and probably <laughs> a lot before that. That's, wow, that was stark, but true. <laughs> I think the great irony here is that the former president, who cannot stand the sight of actual heroes, is himself a bully and a coward. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever thought about your blood flow? Redwood uses just a few simple, completely natural ingredients to increase your body's nitric oxide production. This, in turn, lowers your blood pressure and increases the rate of blood flow in your body. This results in several different positive effects, including increased metabolism, heightened memory and concentration, and a fortified immune system. What Redwood does is actually very simple. Redwood optimizes your blood flow. My name is Chris, and when I was 19 years old, I was diagnosed with a pituitary tumor that almost killed me. Long story short, the tumor was blocking my hormone production. I was put on antidepressants and synthetic tea for treatment. I ended up gaining over 70 pounds. Everything in my life from grades to girls fell apart. I was personally experiencing how big a role hormones can play in one's life. 
Lucky for me, I was at Duke University studying neuroscience. I became obsessed with hormones in the brain because now it was personal. First thing I found out was how awful antidepressants and synthetic hormones are for your body. Step one was to immediately get off the pharmaceuticals. Step two was finding a natural solution to my problem. I used the academic resources and laboratories at my disposal to accumulate mountains of research, and I found one thing that everyone needs and nobody has enough of, blood flow. You see, blood flow is the basis for nutrient delivery. My research began to illuminate natural mineral-based solutions to common problems, but most natural minerals need a chance to be delivered efficiently in order to work. That kept leading me back to one thing, blood flow. So how did I end up here? I increased the rate of my blood flow. This was being done using some ingredients I bet you've heard of, vitamin C, garlic, horse chestnut, and pine bark. You see, redwood isn't just a magic pill. It's just an extremely effective combination of vitamins and minerals and barks, 100% natural. It's a simple but precise formula based off nature's innate wisdom and ingredients certified effective by 57 modern medical research studies. I'm glad you're still watching because right now I'm gonna tell you exactly what Redwood has done for me and hundreds of thousands of other Redwood customers. It's been massively effective and life-changing for those who've used it. In short, results of increasing blood flow were even greater than I expected. As I sped up my blood flow, the rest of my life seemed to speed up along with it. Since then, I've gotten into the- Okay, um, I'm gonna listen to you. Again, but you know, it just captures every little bully I and we have left. I I, I want another <laughs> clinical psychologist's insight. Growing up, I I was fortunate enough to come around to the realization that the bullies I encountered were actually pitiful characters. They were all invariably from broken homes, and they were bullying as a way of, of compensating for something. You have described your uncle as a scared little five-year-old. And that, that story of the mashed potatoes, maybe I can link to it in the show. I'm not going to ask Fucking you to, to rehash it again, but you know, that it nobody just loves. captures every little bully nobody I, loved it. I nobody ever hated him. Was fucking pain Is in there the ever ass. a part of you? They sent it to military school because they fucking hated him. Yeah. No. Um, not at all. Although what I will say, uh, it, cause uh, listen, I, I know plenty of people who've had much worse childhoods. terrorist Without home. the benefit of the enormous advantages that he experienced. Yeah. Um, who turned out to be decent, kind, empathetic, productive human beings. So, not uh, Trump, there's no excuse for what he does and who he's chosen to become um but you know if you read my book i would hope the first book um which is mostly about my family uh i would hope that people come away having a great deal of compassion for the five children including donald and my father who were raised by uh a sociopath, my grandfather, on the one hand, and a deeply personality disordered mother on the other hand. Uh, so you can feel, listen, uh, you know, bullies, serial killers, all, all sorts of people, horrible people had terrible childhoods, and we should have compassion for that. Uh, the children and what they experience. But that's 
that's a very separate issue. Uh, Donald Trump, as he currently exists, deserves none of our compassion. Um, and all of our uh, enmity. And we should do everything in our power to make sure that he never, ever ascends to any office in which he has power over the lives of the American people. Yeah, I am with you 100% on that. My sympathy for bullies stops when they get the nuclear codes. And probably a lot before that. <laughs> That's... Wow, that was stark, but true. Malignant, narcissistic, not <laughs> I think uh, the great irony here is that the former president, who cannot stand the sight of actual heroes, is himself a bully and a coward. Is that it? Where's the rest of this interview, man? Where's the rest of your interview with Mary Trump? That's what happened at all. fucking short. My grandfather was a PAW and spent years in a prison camp overseas during World War II. Trump's comments about John McCain being a loser and not a hero because Donald Trump likes the ones who weren't captors was the beginning of my deep disdain for him. For a draft-dodging cowards. Draft dodging coward. America, please come to your senses and ensure that this man never gets near the White House again. I'm the only uh, presidential candidate calling for. Fourteenth Amendment. Said I'm the only presidential candidate calling for court-ordered psychiatric evaluation of Diaper Donald, as well as additional ch charges of treason and terrorism. Many step any definitely must not get on the ballot. Must not. Get on the ballot. Everybody make sure your Secretary of State did not put his name on the ballot. Diaper Don. Fucking Diaper Don. Diaper Don disqualified himself when he incited insurrection.
Fucking one maggot. Uh, oh man. Yep, he's ready to oust McCarthy as speaker after a massive defeat. I already called um fucking pervert Matt Getz. Already called for his ouster. Um, Jack Smith's powerful footnote smokes out Trump's serious threats. Smokes them out. Huh? So what's the best way? I'm Ben Micellis from the Midas Touch Network. When you read a legal filing, make sure you read the footnotes, <laughs> especially when it's a legal filing by Special Counsel Jack Smith. Footnote 9 in Special Counsel Jack Smith's reply in support of a limited gag order against Donald Trump is so powerful, and it calls out something that we covered here on the Midas Touch Network when Donald Trump's spokesperson Stephen Chung posted on social media a video of Donald Trump seemingly purchasing a Glock, purchasing a firearm, which would be a clear violation of the terms of Donald Trump's release for the various felony indictments that he is under. Once that became public and it became obvious that Donald Trump had violated the law. If indeed he made a purchase, Stephen Chung then put out a statement statement that there was a misunderstanding and that Donald Trump did not purchase the Glock, which is a complete and total lie. But Special Counsel Jack Smith addresses that in the reply in support of a limited gag order in footnote number nine to show that, number one, either Donald Trump's and Donald Trump's spokespeople lie about everything, Number two, and equally true, yeah. that he poses a clear and present threat and is violating the terms of his release. Let's yeah. take a look at footnote nine right here. It says the following. The defendant recently was caught potentially violating his conditions of release and tried to walk that back in similar Shocker. To I said Donald shocker. Diaper Don again violated the terms of his release. How about one night in pretrial incarceration? Okay. Trump tried to walk back his other threats. More on that in a moment. In particular, on September 25th, the defendant's campaign spokesman, Stephen Chung, posted a video of the defendant in the Palmetto State Armory, a federal firearms license in Somerville, South Carolina. The video posted by the spokesman showed defendant Donald Trump holding a Glock pistol with the defendant's likeness etched into it. The defendant stated, quote, I've got to buy one and posed for pictures with the owners. The defendant's spokesman captioned the video tweet with representations that defendant Donald Trump had purchased the pistol, exclaiming, quote, 
President Trump purchases an at Glock in South Carolina. The spokesman subsequently deleted the post and retracted his statement, saying that the defendant, quote, did not purchase or take possession of the firearm, a claim directly contradicted by the video showing the defendant possessing the pistol. See Fox. Trump campaign walks back claim former president purchased Glock amid questions about legality. Despite his spokesperson's retraction, the defendant then reposted a video of the incident posted by one of his followers with the caption, My President, Trump just bought a golden Glock before his rally in South Carolina after being arrested four times in a year. The defendant, Donald Trump, either purchased a gun in violation of the law and his conditions of release, or seeks to benefit from his supporters' mistaken belief that he did so. It would be a separate federal crime, and thus a violation of the defendant's conditions of release, for him to purchase a gun while this felony indictment is pending. So as Jack Smith says, two things either happened here, or both. Number one, Donald Trump is misleading his followers to believe that he purchased a gun in order to threaten witnesses, or Donald Trump violated the law and committed a felony in violation of 18 U.S.C. section 922N. And why is Special Counsel Jack Smith mentioning this in a footnote? Because he is addressing one of Donald Trump's ridiculous arguments in opposition to the limited gag order being sought by Special Counsel Jack Smith in the Washington, D.C. federal case, where Donald Trump says, oh, Jack Smith in his filing for a limited gag order intentionally omitted that when Donald Trump previously stated, if you come after me, I'm coming after you, that was not about the witnesses in the various criminal cases. That was about the Koch Brothers PAC Political Action Committee. That's what Donald Trump's spokesperson claimed at that time. And then Special Counsel Jack Smith's like, that makes no sense. And these are just the lies that he tells all the time. The same way that his spokesperson, Steve Chung, lies for a living like he did here, where Steve Chung said, oh, Donald Trump didn't purchase the gun or brandish the gun. You see him doing that on a video, and then Donald Trump reposted that as well. Just so I can remind you, let me show you the video that Stephen Chung posted. And Stephen Chung said, Trump purchases a Glock in South Carolina. Here's the video that was purchased. By the way, leaving no doubt about it, Marjorie Taylor Greene and her boyfriend, Brian Glenn, who runs one of the right-wing broadcast uh, networks, um, propaganda network, they confirmed, they were there, they confirmed that Donald Trump acquired the firearm. Play the clip. Something. Go ahead. President Trump is having a great time. So he went shopping. I don't know if you were you in there? I was there with him in the, in the, uh, in the armory. And he made a couple of comments about wanting a gun. Yeah. And so... So, President Trump is a great defender of the Second Amendment. Thank goodness, because Joe Biden and his administration are coming after our Second Amendment. But President Trump found a gun he liked. It was a Glock. And it had, it had a beautiful uh, uh, picture of him on the side of the Glock. And he said, I'd like to buy this gun. I heard him say that. <laughs> and I was behind him when he said it. And I said, well, I think he said... He wants to buy that gun, so we can confirm that President yeah, Trump uh, I got, a picture got, the, for you. got that gun today. Look, let me show you. It's it great. Was, Hang on one second. Right here. Let's see if we can. President uh, Trump. Might be really <laughs> difficult to hide. Let's hold it steady. Let's see if James can get a, t a tight shot of that. Can you see that, James? 
You got it? <laughs> oh, and I just have to mention this. I'm going to digress for one moment. Yeah, Brian Glenn in the event, the rally that Donald Trump gave in Iowa over the weekend stated that he thinks that uh, liberal women are too ugly and too hairy and look like me. That's what Marjorie Taylor Greene's MAGA boyfriend is saying, by the way. Here, play this clip of Brian Glenn. If you're like me and hate wired bras, the poking wires, or the digging straps, this one's for you. This right here is a supportive, comfort, wireless shaping bra from Shaperman. I am just obsessed with the extra band covers that it allows on the bottom for a smooth shape and form fit. There's also modern foam cups inside the bra for not only maximum coverage, but also a perfect fit. It provides on beatable comfortability, support, style, and lift. And here's the kicker. It is completely wire-free. However, it is just as supportive as wired bras. It's uber stretchy. It has buttery soft fabric for ultimate comfort. It's like I forget I even have it on. And on the back, it has the hook and eye. It has convertible straps. And there's even adjustable straps with no slip comfort. So you can customize all of your bra straps just to you. Magical. My most favorite part of all is the Sweetheart cup line. It's just such an attractive look. Comes in all of the neutral colors. I have it in black, I have it in white, and I have it in tan. I honestly just wish that I knew about this bra before. Liberal women tend to be some of the ugliest women I've ever seen. And I'm serious. I mean, zero makeup. Well, they take no pride in them. Well, they want to be men. They take no pride in their in their in their dress, their attire, their makeup, their haircut. Half of them look like men. Hairy armpits, hairy legs. Come on, that is not embracing uh, what it what it means to be a woman. Sorry that I digressed for a moment and had to show you that video, but I just want to show you how pathetic this MAGA movement has become. But as you go back to Special Counsel Jack Smith's brief right here. Here's what he states. He says, Defendant Donald Trump's opposition makes no attempt to address most of the factual record that the government submitted to the court regarding Defendant Donald Trump's history and current practice of using public statements to target individuals, and instead Donald Trump advances conclusory statements that the government's claims are baseless. That is because he cannot explain away the obvious intent and well-known effect of his words. The single statement that defendant does address in a footnote, notice the pathetic Trump footnotes versus the powerful Jack Smith footnote. So the footnote of Donald Trump states that the threatening truth social post he issued on August 4th, the day after his arraignment in this case, quote, if you go after me, I'm coming after you. The defendant Donald Trump complains that the government's motion for a limited gag order did note that after public outcry, or did not note that after public outcry, given the objectively reasonable understanding of defendant's post as a threat, a spokesperson issued a statement claiming that the defendant had issued the threat in a response to the Koch brothers, the special interest group. So Donald Trump saying, Jack Smith, you should have mentioned that. And Jack Smith says, though, but the spokesperson's after-the-fact explanation is implausible on its face. The truth is clear. The defendant was caught making a public threat and then had a spokesperson issue an excuse. 
As the court has stated, quote, even arguably ambiguous statements from parties or their counsel, if they could reasonably be interpreted to intimidate witnesses or prejudice potential jurors, can threaten the process. The defendant should not be permitted to obtain the benefit of his incendiary public statement and then avoid accountability by having others, whose messages he knows will receive markedly less attention than his own, feign retractions. And that's where that footnote 9 is dropped. Likewise, no other criminal defendant would be permitted to issue public statements insinuating that a known witness in his case should be executed, referring to Donald Trump threatening to execute yeah. General Mark Milley. This defendant should not be treated any differently. A yeah. powerful, powerful footnote, a powerful message from Special Counsel Jack Smith. So what comes next? There will now be Jail a hearing time. before Judge Tanya Chutkin on October 16th, where Judge Chutkin will hear arguments on the limited gag order, and I expect her to confront Donald Trump's lawyer with his statements and ask them, you think this is appropriate? You stand by these specific statements? Stay tuned, folks. We will be covering that. But wanted to make sure I focused on that powerful footnote. Hit subscribe. We're on our way to 2 million subscribers. If you want to help grow this platform, check us out at patreon.com slash Midas Touch, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash M-E-I-D-A-S-T-O-U-C-H. Okay, come on, Jeff Chutkin. Give him just one night in fucking prison. Dare you. Fucking cowards. Everyone's a fucking coward when it comes to this motherfucker.